Good morning, Citizen Venture. Welcome to the neighborhood. All right, who are you and what are you selling? If it's cookies, I'll take two boxes of Thin Mints. If it's religion, you can leave the way you came. Uh, <laughs> now, we represent the Crusaders Action League, and all we're selling is peace of mind. Are you tired of feeling afraid? CAL is here to protect you and your property from all costume menace, be it terrestrial or extraterrestrial or supernatural in origin. CAL offers convenient monthly payments in a plan to fit any budget, so let's go ahead and get you started with your gold plan today, okay? And why would I need the cast of God's spell for protection? Take a good hard look over there, mortal. See that looming black phallus? It's turgid with the city's nastiest supervillains, and it's got a rape on for super scientists like you. That superheroes were just supposed to help people for free. <laughs> yeah, amateur superheroes. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to Anime Baby, where as long as there's a glimmer of hope, a real hero never leaves life behind. This is your host with his mighty podcast power, Wild Mikey. And with me, as always, is... The Gold Prince of Anime, Golden Ryan! And I don't believe this, hero fans. Anime Baby is covering a hero anime outside of my hero academia. Hold on to your hats, folks, because on this episode, we're talking all about the first season of Tiger and... Bunny! <laughs> that was great, man. <laughs> and that one to the voice acting yeah. while there. <laughs> ah, but yes, Tiger and Bunny, baby! Oh my god, I have been so excited for this one. Oh my god, just long time in the making here. <laughs> I have my Tiger and Bunny wall scroll behind me as we do this. I, I, brought, I busted out what you can't even see here, action figures. From the show, yep. of the two lead cast members. Yep, the uh, SH Figure Arts figures here. Of the leads, Tiger and Bunny. Oh, yes, with <laughs> glorious attachments with them, too. I, I I need to put over that I love this anime <laughs> a lot, <laughs> and we will, and I will get into like how I came into this one, but I am super excited for this. I, I really love Tiger and Bunny. Oh, yes, because this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a big old love fest for this, like, the original hero anime in a pre-My Hero world. Yes, before before My Hero Academia, before One Punch Man, this is the OG superhero anime. Mm-hmm. 
Move aside, Samurai Flamenco. This is how you do costumed heroes. Fucking sit your ass down, Samurai <laughs> Flamenco. I will not review you for Anime Secret Santa. <laughs> uh, but as always, let's start things off with a little bit of the background. As Tiger and Bunny is an original anime, not based on any light novels or manga or anything, thank God, and is produced by the legendary Studio Sunrise. Sunrise known for many, many hits, such as, but not limited to, the entire Gundam franchise, Cowboy Bebop, Vision of Escaflone, Outlaw Star, Sergeant Frog, Gintama, Dirty Pear, Inuyasha and Yashihime, shout out to our friend JP, The Big O, all of Love Live, and most of all, Jushin Liger, which is a series that inspired legendary pro wrestler Jushin Thunder Liger. Ooh, interesting. All of that and many more. They, 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 high pedigree. <laughs> Absolute killer's row. Yep. They, <laughs> they, they, they're self-explanatory. Oh, and Inuyasha and Yashihime are there too, I guess. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatevs. <laughs> but yeah, the series we're covering today is, of course, Tiger and Bunny, and it is directed by Keiichi Sato and written by Masafumi Nishida. Uh, looking up their credits here, uh, I did see that uh, Sato has done a lot of key animation and uh, animation direction on plenty of, like, older titles that I'm sure... A lot of old school fans out there would recognize and appreciate. He's uh, done work on plenty of Gundam. You know, being a Sunrise employee, you're going to have to be working on some Gundam here and there. And he also worked on uh, Giant Robo, which is a series that I do want to get into because I saw a panel on that at Anime Lockdown and I really want to watch that. And he's also the uh, character and mechanical designer for the Big O. So he, uh, he designed all those characters and designed Big O as well. Ooh, good one to have right there. Though... <laughs> One credit of his that stood out to me like a sore thumb is uh, he directed the live-action Black Butler movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. One, there's a live-action Black Butler movie, and two, the director of Tiger and Bunny directed that. Because, <laughs> hey, like, uh, they, they work well with, like, CG models and, like, expressive acting. Maybe they can work well with live-action movies. I mean, from what I've seen, it's... Uh... Yeah, what do you expect with live-action anime? <laughs> Sebastian looks super off with his long fucking hair. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, no, as for Nishida, Tiger and Bunny is actually one of the biggest things he's worked on. Uh, some other stuff he's done is uh, Tesla Note, which uh, came out a few months ago and I'd never heard about. <laughs> and the other uh, big thing he did was Remain, which came out last summer and is about water polo. Hmm, Okay. Hold your excitement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, yeah, Tiger and Bunny's the biggest thing he's ever done. Like, I looked on his A&M page and, like, half the credits are just all Tiger and Bunny and the rest are just these two shows. Mm, okay, so is it just, it's, it's safe to say that this one is, uh, if this series is anyone's baby, it's his. It's his baby. But it's, it's kind of weird. Like, you'd think uh, a couple of shows that came out last year with the same writer as Tiger and Bunny would get more fanfare, but, yeah, here we are. I mean, it's been how many years since Tiger and Bunny, like, first ended? 11 years at this point. Yeah, quite a bit of time. <laughs> but no, as for the series itself, like, it's actually a big one for the both of us. Like, one that I would say kind of helped eased us into, like, a greater anime world as we entered adulthood. Yes, absolutely. Because, uh, what was, what was the time, describe the time around this point. Oh, this would have been roughly around 2013. Like, yes, 2013. Yeah, right around the time of our very first anime detour. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those things where it's like, we kind of discovered it at the right time in our lives. Like, uh, do you want to explain, like, your I, history with the show? 
Yes, I need to because uh, like you you would not have watched Tiger and Bunny as soon as you did uh, if not for me. No, you started it all. Yeah, I started it all here on this one. So let me take so let me take y'all back. Let me take y'all back to when we were babies. <laughs> I was nineteen. <laughs> yeah, I was eighteen. I was fresh in college, making new friends. Anime club was going really well. Things were awesome. Anime Detour 2013. I believe it was April 21st or so, or the 17th. Sounds about right. Somewhere around then. Somewhere around the April area. And I decided to go check out the AMV contest, because I had nothing else better to do. Yeah, would, it, would this have been a Sunday, perhaps? Um, likely a Sunday, yes. Because that's usually when there's nothing to do. Yeah, and that's where some of the contests do get put. <laughs> But I, I, there was, and you know, a lot of the AMVs were going pretty good there. Like, I do recall really loving a lot of, like, good AMVs around that time. Like, the, some of my favorite AMVs came from uh, the AMV contest at Detour. But one caught my eye, because it was unlike anything I had seen before. Because it was an AMV using an anime from 2011. And it was set to Fashionista by Jimmy James. It showed in its footage superheroes with real actual brands and logos on their bodies parading around (laughs) doing set to this music that probably would have been played during a drag show around that time and probably still does it's likely it's actually not a bad song it's a great song (laughs) it really pumps you up oh yeah but it had heroes Saving people, but also, like, showing off, like, fashion models and advertising stuff. Really flaunting that drip. Like, all the characters are gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> but it also has an air of seriousness beneath it. Like, it's te- it's trying to convey to you some kind of actual good story. And it's all synced up well with the music. And the character models, even sp- despite some of them looking CG, look pretty good. And the, the characters are also really expressive. It was unlike anything I'd seen before. Definitely unlike anything I'd seen in the superhero genre. And I saw that. And I was so entertained by this AMV that I was like, what is this? (laughs) What is this anime? I gotta find out. I think my friend was sitting next to me during that. And I asked her, what is this anime? And And I think she told me, Tiger and Bunny. And the rest is history. Or would be, unless I explain that history. (laughs) After that, I watched, I finally watched Tiger and Bunny for the first time. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. It met nearly every one of my expectations. It was as original of a work as I could have asked for at that time. (laughs) And even better, for someone who just started out at a college, fresh start, making new friends, it was the perfect anime to introduce to other people to get them to like me. (laughs) It was like my anime at that time to introduce people. Like, hi, my name is Ryan Funis. I don't need a business card or need to, like, actually introduce myself. You just need to watch this anime and know that I am an interesting person. (laughs) May I direct you towards Tiger and Bunny? All, everything that is charming about this show is what is charming about me. <laughs> so, man, I gotta give a huge shout-out right now 
to that action category first place winner of that Anime Detour 2013 show. Big thank you to Megane Girl (laughs) (laughs) on YouTube. You you really made my college years with, like, that AMV. And I will 100% put a link to the AMV in the description to this podcast, and I will tweet it out as this episode goes live. Honestly, I was going to, like, tweet it myself. Yeah, and you can do that, too. (laughs) You can't have enough tweets about this one. No, not at all. It's actually not a bad AMV. Oh, yeah, really good one. (laughs) Yeah, can you believe that that's where it all started for me? A freaking AMV. (laughs) My God. I mean... I mean, that that could be a good start, you know, you, you just wandered in, into the AMV contest, and then all of a sudden you just see this thing, like, I mean, that's kind of how I discovered Redline, so, yeah. And that's how I fell in love. <laughs> Actually, I might have found out about Redline through an AMV, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was set to, yeah, that was set to, that one was set to Fast and the Furious. Yeah, Fast and the Furious. Credits music, I believe. Yep, which was also the theme song to the 2015 Royal Rumble. That is one of my favorite. 2014 Royal Rumble. That was, that is one of my favorite AMVs out there. That's a really good one. <laughs> So yeah, that's where it all started, and that's how I got you into Titan Yeah, because then you introduced me. Like, I remember it specifically, like, we were hanging out during, like, one of the school breaks when both of our colleges were on break, and you were just telling me about the show, and you were just talking about how, like, superheroes with advertisements, and they're in, like, a competition with each other to, like, rack up points by saving people, and you were telling me about, like, oh yeah, this person's in it as an actor, they're in it, they're in it, and then there's this funny bit where they do this, and I'm just all like, I gotta see this. Because I, I, I always thought back and, like, imagined, like, I'm sure what what uh, jumped out to you was, like, the stellar voice cast of that one. Oh, top fucking tier voice cast with this one, which we will get into, but yeah. Absolutely. There's so, there's truly something more special to this English cast than many other anime. Oh, definitely. But I do remember that in the beginning, like, after you first discovered it, you uh, started buying the, the DVDs for the show as they were coming out, because I think they were just coming out around the time. And they weren't that expensive, either. No, because, like, DVD, who gives a shit? <laughs> right. And uh, that was, like, my only opportunity to watch that, because I, around the time, couldn't really afford any streaming, broke college student. So my only opportunity to watch Tiger and Bunny was waiting for a day where both of our colleges were on break, we were both home, and you're just like, hey, you want to hang out? And then we'll, and I'm like, yes, and let's watch as much Tiger and Bunny as we can before I have to go back to college. (laughs) That is until my spring semester of my second year of college, as it's uh, once again time for Mikey's Tales from Anime Brigade. If you don't remember from our Toradora episode last year, I was in an anime club called Anime Brigade during my first two years of college, and that's where I discovered my, yeah, we discovered a lot of stuff. So at the start of spring semester 2014, the club was deciding on what shows we were going to watch for the semester, and as usual, we had a wide variety of anime. You know, some good, like, say, Girls in Panzer and Bakano, and some bad, like Madaka Box, which was a foster dub, and also my most hated anime, Future Diary. (laughs) But among the good... The shining beacon of hope was none other than Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> and I remember that uh, we had to uh, vote for, for like, shows, and we also had to, like, make our case for which shows needed to be for the final vote. And I remember I joined in for the Tiger and Bunny, like, you know, making a case for that, and I'm just, like, I was just putting over everything you told me about it and everything I've seen about it, just saying, like, superheroes, advertisements, stellar voice cast, what more do you want? Oh, I taught you well. You taught me well. <laughs> Thank you, Sensei. So, yeah, and then it was chosen, and that was one of the big hits of, like, each anime club. And funnily enough, the way we had the night scheduled, where, like, uh, the way it works is, like, we watch a bunch of shows, then we take a break about halfway through, and uh, after the break time, that's when we get into the more, like, uh, edgier adult shows or whatever. So we would start off with fucking Future Diary, but 
it would be followed by Tiger and Bunny and Bacchano. So Tiger and Bunny, along with Bacchano, honestly helped me get through Future Diary. It was kind of like my reward, being like, okay, just get through this edgelord bullshit, then I can watch superheroes. You had to jump quite a hurdle for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, uh, this is finally my opportunity to finish the show outside of us hanging out. And, uh, and it was a big smash hit for everyone. Everyone in the club loved it, was super into it week in and week out. And uh, we kept a pretty good pace as we watched uh, two episodes a week. We met every Thursday, and then we just like, okay, here's these two episodes. Come back next week for the next two episodes. And it was even more fun considering uh, during my second year of Anime Club, I became uh, good friends with this uh, girl that I sat next to. Both of us were like having a blast with Tiger and Bunny. We were both super into the story, and uh, she was also big into English dubs like me. So I was like telling her, like, she's all like, hey, who's that voice actor? That sounds familiar. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's a da 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 da. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's uh, they were in that show too. So, like, uh, and also she was uh, definitely into the more uh, homoerotic aspects of the show, which we will get into. <laughs> we, it's unavoidable. Like, it was the one show both of us looked forward to every week. Though she also had fun with Future Diary, but I think that's just because I was the most vocal about hating it, so she was just pretending to like it just to playfully tease me. Hate watching! <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly fun at some aspects, but didn't make the show good, but like, yeah, we, we had fun banter, we had fun banter. Right, it helped you through it. It honestly did help me through it. So yeah, Tiger and Bunny aired in Japan from April 3rd, 2011 to September 17th, 2011, and soon afterwards, it would be licensed by Viz Media and begin streaming here in uh, the US and Canada on October 2nd, 2012, on Viz's ill-fated streaming service, Neon Alley. Oh man, and what would... <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you know, I I never got into Neon Alley. It escaped <laughs> my purview entirely. I had heard about it only after it really became defunct. Ah, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad. So for those of you out there who don't remember Neon Alley, it was a 24-hour streaming service that acted like uh, a regular TV channel and that would air uh, a bunch of anime in like a broadcast format, you know, would say like at this hour from six to whatever, it's Naruto from seven to whatever, it's Tiger and Bunny and so on and so forth. Right. Almost like a tsunami aftermath or something. Almost like that. But imagine that, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, that's also <laughs> tsunami <laughs> aftermath. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, Tiger and Bunny was a launch title for this service and that's how they premiered the dub. Through this service. Yeah, because whenever I pop open the DVDs for <laughs> Tiger and Bunny, <laughs> I am always confronted with the ad for Neon Valley. Uh... Neon Alley on all the DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> and it, man, it brings me back. Because, <laughs> man, what were some of those titles they had on there? Oh, they had a, they had a lot of Naruto. They had... I, I think th they had Rene. Yep, they had a Blue Exorcist. That was also a premiere. They also had uh, the Berserk films as well. Yep, I think they had Blood Lad around the time. Mm, possibly, it wouldn't be through that ad, I know. They also had the uh, the uh, the Rock Lee Naruto spinoff. Mm, okay. And uh, pretty much anything that uh, Viz has owned around that time. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, the thing is with this is like, if you wanted to watch the English dub around that time, Neon Alley was your only choice since the uh, home video didn't come out until February 2013. It was one of the only edges it had. And most people we know, mostly JP, look back on Neon Alley fondly because the concept was just so interesting since it was like, it's like a regular channel, so you don't have to worry about picking shows to watch. So if you're indecisive, just flip it on and whatever's on, you watch it. But unfortunately, it was way ahead of its time and it didn't really catch on like it should have. Around the time 2012, streaming wasn't as big as the juggernaut we know today. The concept itself was kind of confusing and... 
at first, it was only available to people who owned a PlayStation 3. Mm. You had to wait until the following year for Xbox support, and even then, those were the only ways you could get Neon Alley. Those two consoles, you can't get it on a computer, like, streaming sticks weren't even a thing, but even then, couldn't get it there. You had to have one of those two consoles, and they had to have Wi-Fi, and you had to be subbed to the uh, PSN network or Xbox Live. If they had just waited a bit longer to see how the competition would go out, it could have maybe survived. Right, because eventually it merged with Hulu, and by that point it was just basically the anime section of Hulu. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, Neon Alley as a brand just died, really. I do look back on the failure of Neon Alley as a bit of a shame. It really is. Because, like, two years later, in 2014, the WWE Network came out, and it was the exact same model, just with wrestling. And it's still going today. Like, if Neon Alley had waited a little bit, maybe, like, expanded to more, like, streaming platforms like your laptop or sticks or, like, more consoles, it could still be going today or even be, like, a separate channel on, like, say, YouTube TV, Hulu TV, or even on uh, the cock or whatever. This is why we say Neon Alley was a bit of ahead of its time. It was super ahead of its time, and I know our friend JP just... It's one of those things when you bring up Neon Alley around him, he's just, like, kind of... <laughs> reminisces almost like he's going he's almost having just like fond flashbacks to a bygone era <laughs> just like hey guys remember neon alley that was a good time <laughs> like measure head from disco elysium just <laughs> reflecting upon like his racial like history and the different haplo groups you know i can imagine him in his uh new york apartment just like looking out the window going all like i dreamt of neon alley again today <laughs> love you jp by the way we will confront you in the Ornali. we will confront you in boogie pop phantom <laughs> boogie pop phantom <laughs> and we will make a museum in your in your streamers his of your streamers history <laughs> all this time and i'm still not off that game no like how can you get off that game <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, looking back now, you can kind of see that this kind of caused Tiger and Bunny to stumble a bit when entering this uh, North American market here. And it's something that kind of did honestly hurt the series' drawing power over here, and also probably because of an exclusivity deal with Neon Alley and Hulu, it couldn't end up on Toonami. That's a real shame, because it would be right at home on Toonami. Like, everyone, like, every single Toonami fan site, everyone I followed on Twitter who watched Toonami, every single one of them said, Tiger and Bunny is pitch perfect for the block. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yes, 100%. What a shame. Crying, crying shame. And later on we'll get into why that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. But let's let's not focus on the negative, let's focus on the positive. So, uh, as for the dub side of things, the dub is produced by Studiopolis and is directed by Jamie Simone and Suzanne Goldish, with scripts done by the team, the super friends here, of Art Wright Chamberlain, Jamie Simone, Liam O'Brien, Sam Regal, and Steve Kramer. Mmm, very good setup there. Yeah, you got a whole wide variety of people working on the show. And what a fantastic job they all did. Like, we'll get into this, but like, holy fucking shit, they knocked it out of the goddamn park this is actually one of my favorite dubs out there i have to agree with you this is pro 
like, this is probably, like, one of the best English dubs in general, really. I mean, God, when people talk about, like, the best English dubs out there, I think, like, okay, fine, you can say Cowboy Bebop, you can say, uh, uh, Full Metal Alchemist or something. I like to be, I like to stand up for the little guys. Tiger and Bunny is one of the best dubs I've heard out there. Like, not only just having, like, a wide variety of cast members that span all kinds of media from anime to video games to even Western cartoons... And also just having, like, a script that perfectly gets over every single character with, like, little to no translation issues. And if there are issues, they find ways to work around that to make them work even better in English. But even beyond that, the individual performances, like, really go up and beyond. Everyone was just like, I don't know if there was something in the water there or if, like, there was just something in the air that everyone brought their A-game. And, like, everyone in this dub is, like, phenomenal voice cat, voice, like legends here almost right now but like something about it just like everyone was just so on point like hell credit to the directors jamie simone and susan susan goldish for bringing it out of them i have a theory on i have one theory that i will get into later on about why i think some of them were able to put in pretty stellar performances (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah like right now i think i think there are some special aspects about this anime in particular that make it for a a particularly golden dub excellent yes And before we get into the podcast, I would also like to just give out a little shout out to um, the YouTube channel, The Digital Dream Club, because they actually did a very nice uh, 10-minute video uh, titled For the Love of Tiger and Bunny. Yep. If you want to hear the long and short of Tiger and Bunny, or just want a little like preview of what's to come, you know, I highly suggest you check out that video of theirs. It was a fine video. They did a really good job putting it together and really got to the center of what makes Tiger and Bunny uh, very likable. Uh, we for us for us today, we are going to get into the nitty gritty of what makes Tiger and Bunny like. We're going to get into, like, the finer details oh, here. Oh, yes. Really appreciate, really, like, get into this We're piece gonna of art. We're going to comb through every single nook and cranny of this show. But uh, the Digital Dream Club did do a very good uh, brief look into Tiger and Bunny. And if uh, you want a bit of a preview for what's to come for this podcast, I highly suggest you check out their video. And then after you're done listening to our podcast, go check out some of their other videos. They do great work. Yes, they do really fine work. Check them out. They're great. I'll put a link in the doobly-doo down down below. So, with all that out of the way, we're talking all about Tiger and Bunny Season 1. So without further ado, let's start the show. Super Star. 
So first things first is the opening and the ending. The opening is Orion O Nazaru by Union Square Garden, and the ending is Hoshino Sumika by Awazu. What do you think of these songs? This opening fucking slaps. I love the opening so much. <laughs> you feel like a kid on Saturday morning. Just that opening drum roll into the. All wall characters are just flashing across the screen doing big hero poses. Ah, I love like every like for the for my entire rewatch, I was just compulsively, reflexively doing like Barnaby's pose and Lunatic's like shooting pose. Holy crap, it gets me excited. Oh my it feels so much like an intro I would see in a cartoon in my childhood. But it but it gets over a lot of like the show though, because this show really does live and die by its characters. Yes, absolutely. This is what it's what is at the forefront here. The 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 kid the, the superheroes, the alter egos, the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like and this is the kind of advertising you wouldn't want to have ad luck on for. You need to have it. No, you absolutely need it. Because Netflix Netflix gets rid of all the advertisements that are on the superheroes' costumes. Yeah, most likely because Netflix is cheap and they don't want to pay each advertisement. Right, right. It, it's just like, a, it's a legal thing, I understand. Yep, the same thing is also with the, uh, the show is also streaming on uh, The Cock, too, and that's also uh, no ads there either. But they feel naked in that version. They feel super naked. And it catches your eye, too, when you first see this. What What is with these superheroes? Like... <laughs> It's almost like they're wearing, like, football-style kits, you know? Like, you look at a Manchester United jersey, and it's got, like, a big Chevrolet logo on the front. Right, to anyone out there who's just first seen this show for, like, the the, the OP on YouTube or wherever, you know? Like, that, it's pretty striking. And also, some of the ads, too, are, like, such a time capsule when you look at them now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all, all the characters striking a pose... It shows off the 3D animation and the characters. And Sunrise, they are known for very good 3D animation. Yes, it is on very good display here. The music is just like a bright, poppy, just absolute bop that's synced very well with all the actions. And my favorite part is like where it reaches a point where the song kind of drops, where it goes... And that final... And that final drop comes in. I love that, where it just goes silent for a bit, and it just hits you with one last measure. Oh, God. I would love to learn how to, like, actually sing that song if, like, the Japanese wasn't really fast and complicated. Oh, it's super fast, but I would love to karaoke this song. Oh, it's it's such... It's so wonderful. One of my favorite OPs, honestly. One of the best. There's no... There's aren't many out there that get me absolutely hyped for an anime, like, <laughs> when I'm actually listening to it. Maybe Berserk's, like, the, <laughs> Nothing Will Be Wong opening. Like, Put Your Grasses On. Yeah, the the pen pet by the pen pals, I, I believe it is. Yep. <laughs> God, that one also gets me pretty hyped. That's a very good one. But Tiger and Bunny, it just it makes me feel like a kid again. I feel like I'm waking up Saturday morning, big bowl of cereal, getting ready to watch some superheroes. Mmm, it's just mmm peak, 
it's peak anime opening for me. This is what I like. <laughs> and the ending as well. Yes, the ending is actually... It's actually pretty good, too. Like, out of the two endings we have, I would say this one's my favorite. Yeah, this is my favorite of the two endings, by it's, far. It's also, like, a very... It's very nice and very chill, too. Very nice, very chill. Puts the two main characters at the forefront. Also, kind of sad and lamentating, but mm -hmm. also hopeful. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... There's a point where you see our two main characters kind of, like, riding off into the sunset on a motorcycle, and it's just... It's very chill. Like, one of them has his hands behind his back, too. Like, he's kind of lounging while riding, too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's romantic. It's very nice. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's love. So, yeah. Both both the OP and the ending, like, the, the best of the series. Like, the music puts its best foot forward with the show. Mm-hmm. So, kick off with an introduction to the world and the heroes of Hero TV. Uh, taking in the city of uh, Sternbuild, which is the, which is kind of like an alternate universe New York City in a way. Yeah, because like I, I noticed like the the uh, overall structure of the island it's on looks very similar to Manhattan, but there's also like um, I need to describe this city a little bit because like this is a big first impression here. Sternbuild City, <laughs> it is essentially Manhattan in New York. It's like Manhattan crossed with like Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, like, it's, because it's got, like, multi, it, it kind of looks like a parking lot. It does look like a parking ramp. With, <laughs> like, like a parking ramp? With, like, and each level has, like, these kind of, like, Art Deco-style buildings right here. Right, right. It's got these, like, big, it's got these big golden pillars and these, like, golden statues of gods and goddesses. Holding up each of the levels. Holding up the city. It's got visual elements of, like, you know, like, Venice and Dubai and, like, and it's, and, like, just bathed in golden color. Right off the bat, you see the city, and it just conveys glamour, image. What a setting! <laughs> it feels, I look at it, and it feels like I'm wasting a fortune just standing here. Absolutely. And not only do we see this beautiful, gorgeous city skyline, but the first thing that hits us, hits our ears, music to our ears, no less, is the announcer of our main show, Hero TV. Played none other. Holy fucking shit. It's Darren Norris. That was what I first caught on to in the first episode. I have a whole section of my notes called First Impressions. These are all the thing things that first hooked me in to Tiger and Bunny. And at the top of the list is Darren Norris's voice. Yeah. Cosmo, <laughs> Cosmo the fairy himself. Timmy's dad, Jorgen von Strangle. And also, uh, he did some live-action work, too, as he was Gordy the Janitor in Nancy Classified School Survival Guide. This is Hero TV Breaking News. Mass thugs have hijacked an armored truck in West Silver and are on the run with over three million stern dollars. The cops are in hot pursuit. This is riveting action. Damn it, hang on! Ah! Unbelievable! They took out a police cruiser! It doesn't look like the authorities can stop these bloodthirsty criminals. And yet, there is still no sign of any heroes. As you know, only one daring program brings you ongoing up-to-the-second coverage of supercharged heroes battling crime and natural disasters. The only rescue entertainment show that ranks vigilantes by points and at the end of the season crowns the undisputed king of heroes. You are watching Hero TV Live! I heard all this and I was like, what's he doing here? And like, that's the first thing you hear. You hear his voice going like, holy, whoa, hero fans, it's another rousing edition of Hero TV Live! And it's not like his role in, like, the Cowboy Bebop movie, where, like, he's playing, 
Like, honestly, one of his best roles ever. Yep. Doing, doing something, like, completely different and, like, truly wonderful. Like, this is, like, full-on his normal, like, voice that he uses. Like, to compare it to another anime role, it's almost like uh, Cowboy Andy from the main Bebop series. Right, right. But yes, then we see, we hear about this show, Hero TV, a superhero competition show where super-powered individuals called NEXT, which is an acronym for Noted Entities with Extraordinary Talents, and they compete by catching criminals, saving people, and just stopping all kinds of crime in order to earn points. And at the end of each season, these points are tallied up, and the winner gets to be crowned King of Heroes for that season. That's a hell of a hook-in already. Yeah. Just that concept alone. Just a world where, okay, we have superheroes, they're saving people, but they're in competition with each other, and it's almost kind of like a reality show. So they're going to save you, but they're going to try to do it for kind of own personal gain, so to say. And you see the opening with those ads on their bodies, and you then begin to realize what you're about to watch. Yeah, like, even not even a reality show. It's more like a sports sports competition. It's It's all sorts of things. It's like... It's it's like fashion model battling. It's like <laughs> it's like sports. It's celebrity status. It is all these things piled into one. This is like this was like the first show I had watched at that time cuz like you got to you got to put this in context. I say this right now. You got to put the you got to put Tiger and Bunny into context at that time. What did we have for superhero media? By the time this would have come out, we would have been at the tail end of phase one of the uh, MCU. Yes, we were getting there. We were not quite at, Avenger- at Avengers yet. Mm-hmm. We, I think it was around the time, I think it aired between actually the Thor and Captain America movie. Yes. Yes. So, so like, Superhero Mania was just ramping up. We didn't have works like One Punch Man or My Hero yet that would also go on to, like, deconstruct heroes yet. This was totally new at that time. This was a superhero fiction that just looked at all of this and said, like, <laughs> what if we made these people and what if what if capitalism happened? Yeah. <laughs> what if what if capitalism got its greasy, grimy hands on superheroes? What would that look like? What if you took Captain America, but instead of the stars and stripes on a shield, you slap a big old Target logo on it? What if we had to define real, genuine heroism? In a world ruined by capitalism. You know. That is the main conceit of Tiger and Bunny. We want heroes and we want them to save people, but we gotta make a profit off of it. We gotta make some money! Yeah. We gotta we gotta keep that economy booming, man, through hell or high water. That's the elevator pitch of, of Tiger and Bunny. Like, I can see that. Like, two Sunrise execs just pitching the show saying all, saying all like, hey, superheroes cross with European football kits. There you go. Roll with it. Yeah. And this opening sequence is just the perfect way to just establish this world of this show and to get over the characters because each character gets their own moment to shine where they come in, do a move, and we hear a little bit about them. And it's just like, you immediately get it. You go like, that's who that is. That's what their character is. I love it. Book them, Dano. So yeah, let's go through them. Hero TV roll call. First up, a hero who's hot in more ways than one. Fire Emblem, played here by John Eric Bentley. Holy shit, it's Barrett from the FF7 remake. Woo! <laughs> wow. There, John Eric Bentley, there's a guy where, like, at the time, like, he didn't have a lot of, like, anime roles under his belt, or, like, a whole, or, like, many notable voice acting roles. And when I got into Tiger and Bunny and got, like, a wall scroll, I remember saying to myself, man, I really would like to get this signed by other actors one day, but, man... John Eric Bentley will probably be really hard to get to sign that in the future, because when will he ever make conventions? Yeah. 
Lo and behold, now today, he's gotten a huge amount of roles under his belt. And he's now, and he now got the mother of all roles as Barrett from the Final Fantasy VII remake. He's locked into the Final Fantasy remake games. However many games are going to do, he is locked in. Oh, he, wow. Wow, talk about, talk about a career, talk about careers since this anime. Right. He, he's the MVP in my book. Oh, definitely. And what a character, too. Yeah, a real good character. <laughs> I should get out the. I might as well get out the advertisements as they are now. Oh yeah, drop the ads after I drop a character. Nathan Seymour, Fire Emblem, advertised by FMV <laughs> in season one. And then next up, we have the Bull Tank of the West Coast. If you smell what the Rock Bison is cooking, played here by Travis Willingham. Yes, Rock Bison advertised by Gyukaku, the uh, <laughs> Japanese barbecue chain. Uh, one of which there is actually one in Minneapolis. So that is actually one uh, advertisement here we can credibly go to. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had a little Rock Bison figure in their store. <laughs> oh, I would hope so. That's because like the, the name means like uh, like horns of the bull. Yep. <laughs> His sponsor is Kronos Foods. That's a Chicago-based company that sells Mediterranean food. Huh, a very Midwest connection here. That that was not that they did not intend for that connection. I don't think. <laughs> That's a coincidence. You're yep. lying, Wikipedia. <laughs> You're lying. It's just all the companies that own these heroes are based on or have their names based in gods. <laughs> Next, the youngest of the heroes and lightning bolt kung fu master, Dragon Kid, played here by Laura Bailey. Dragon Kid, advertised by the electronics website DMM.com. And Calby, the snack producer. We've actually had some of their snacks before. Yeah. Just just to clarify, this we are not in any way advertising <laughs> here on this podcast. This, these are just the ads as they exist. We are, we are just stating facts here. We are just stating facts. These are the ads that are in the series. We do not endorse anything. Though if any one of these companies want to throw us some freebies, feel free to hit me up. SH Figure Arts. Come on. I, I own your stuff. My DMs are open. And sneaking around in the background, it's the ninja-themed hero, Origami Cyclone, played here by Michael Sinter Nicholas. Go Team Venture! <laughs> Go Team Venture! Da -da -da -da. <laughs> We just did the venture figure yeah. thing. <laughs> holy crap, there was another voice actor that caught my eyes, too. That's another one you told me about. You were like, holy shit, it's Dean Venture. Yeah, because at the time, I did, I had not, like, uh, when did Summer Wars come out? That would have been 2010? I, I hadn't seen Summer Wars by this point. I didn't hear him in that. <laughs> I had only I had I was a big fan of uh, the Venture Brothers at that time. That's all I knew him for. I think this might have been the first anime I ever heard him in. Oh wow! So I was like, oh my god, Dean Venture's in an anime, <laughs> <laughs> and he's ad advertised by Dot Anime, <laughs> an, an, an anime merch website or something, or like uh, I think it might sell like anime DVDs or something. <laughs> also, a fun fact about Origami: uh, when the producers told the scriptwriter Nishida that he could write. Any, write the characters any way you want. He jokingly asked if one of them could be a photobombing weeaboo, and they said, go for it. And thus, Origami Cyclone was born. <laughs> yeah, and weeaboo is probably the proper term, because uh, Sternville City is a distinctly uh, American setting. It's an American melding pot, like New York City, Manhattan. Oh yeah, it looks like that in all the background characters. The, the setting itself looks very extravagant and metropolitan. <laughs> And yeah, it's a, it's the perfect setting to put a weeb character like Origami Cyclone, who 
who's uh, his alternate persona, his, uh, his real-world persona as Ivan Carolyn, listed as being uh, Russian. <laughs> so he's a Russian guy with all this Japanese shit on him. Russian guy loves his animus. Then there's the resident Goody Two-Shoes Boy Scout of Hero TV, the King of Heroes, Sky High, played here by Patrick Seitz. Sky High, advertised by Bondi subsidiary Tomachine Nations, and the streaming website, then called Ustream, now called IBM Cloud Video. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if they're going to actually change that <laughs> new anime. Did you ever watch anything on Ustream when that was still a thing? Never, never did. I distinctly remember watching uh, live streams of the guys who do the video series, Is It a Good Idea to Microwave This?, showing off them editing the their uh, videos every week. <laughs> wow, so you did actually inter- interact with Ustream at the I time. I did interact with Ustream, and if you look at their old videos, they still have ads for them. Really? That's yep. interesting. <laughs> and there's, like, a great bit here with this introduction to Sky High where, like, the baddies here apprehending, like, a, almost like a monorail, and they're all, like, bad guys all, like, pointing guns at hostages going all, going all like, don't try anything funny or else, and then Sky High flies in going all, like, you don't try anything funny or else. Now, there was another moment before, though, that, like, actually also got my got me laughing, too. It's when Rock Bison first gets into... Yes, that was great! It's when he first enters the fray. He, st- like, he stops the truck with his horns. I mean, I will say right now, Rock Bison... This, this, unfortunately, won't be explained in the anime, but Rock Bison's uh, superpower is invincibility. They somehow... They, for some reason, didn't reveal that until the first Tiger and Bunny film. Yeah. But I won't get that out of the way right now, because it's not super obvious in the anime. They really should have clarified that, but he stops the truck with 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 his body, but his horns get lodged in the front. And as he's picking up the truck, you have this great acting by Travis Willingham, <laughs> and it comes through very well in the uh, in the original Japanese ver- in the ri- original Japanese uh, version too, where like the the villains are getting out of the tr- the robbers are getting out of the truck and just picking up their cash and getting away and rock bison is like wait 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 no 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 don't don't even think about it no 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 <laughs> as he can't move he's like struggling while this truck is still stuck on his horns as he's trying to reach for the guys with his hands i saw when i saw that originally i laughed my ass off cuz that was just a really good individual performance that is one of the first bits of acting in the series and it's Really good comedy acting. And it's made even better because a lot of the heroes have uh, masks and helmets on, so no lip flaps. So here in this moment, Travis can just go into the booth and just, he can just act. This is one of the angles I was going to get to with Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> a lot of the char- a lot of the heroes wear CG costumes. <laughs> and when they're in the costumes, the only way they have to uh, really emote is through... You know, their actions. Mm-hmm. Almost like a Super Sentai character. Right, like a Sentai character, of course. But this leaves the du- the people dubbing freedom to not have to work with lip flaps. All they gotta do is just act and just match the timing. And Tiger and Bunny makes for such a good dub, because for many of these actors who do end up having to like act inside suits... They can really, like, go with their lines. They can give, like, really good different spins. <laughs> they can they can dub... They can translate a scene just about however they want, really. <laughs> it's really cool. And, I, and if I ever got to meet any of the people who dubbed the show, I really want to ask them what it was like dubbing Tiger and Bunny. Like, was it easy? Were there challenges that came up? Did you have fun working on this project? Because it looks like you had fun. This looks like a blast. If I were an actor, I feel like 
no lip flaps. I'm a kid in a candy store. Right. Oh, and then next, the second most popular hero, and she's someone who's very flashy and idol-centric. Blue Rose, played here by Kari Walgren, and her ice may be a little cold, but your crimes have been completely put on hold. Blue Rose, advertised by, I don't even have to say it, but I will, Pepsi! Pepsi! <laughs> Specifically advertising Pepsi Next. Which I believe was a flavor made just for the show. Oh my god, come on! <laughs> I mean, next, next, yeah. I want to try that. I want some Pepsi next. <laughs> like, what what kind is it? Is it like a Pepsi Max or something? <laughs> Zero calorie Pepsi available in Japan, developed by Suntory. Oh, wow, really? Oh, wow, then it is like a Pepsi Max or something. Yeah, something like that. Oh, wow. I'm sure it's delicious. I would, yeah, I imagine. Rounding out our heroes is the veteran of the group. He may be the least popular hero, but he's number one in our hearts. The Crusher for Justice, Wild Tiger, played here by Wally Wingert. Wally Wingert. Wow. <laughs> when I first when I first heard that role, I was like, and I saw that name, I was like, wait, the Riddler from the Arkham series? Yeah, he's I don't really know him for much else. He's really only known for uh, playing Renji from Bleach. Yeah, that's his other big anime role. And for me, being a Sonic fan, he's also Cubot. Yes, also very big for you. Yep. <laughs> big in your series. Yes. <laughs> so when I heard that, I was so when I saw that, I was like, wow, what's he doing here? You don't get around to the anime world too much. Kind of like Darren Norris, where it's like you mostly do Western cartoons and video games, but now here you are in anime and knocking it out of the park. And yes, wow, like, just just this first episode alone, Winger is bringing, is bringing the game. <laughs> He's playing up Wild Tiger here. Yes, the crusher for justice himself. Advertised by the fictional brand magazine brand Top Mag. <laughs> and also, Wild Tiger being probably one of the only regular tights and cape superhero out of all of these guys with these high-powered costumes. Like Fire Emblem has like the tights and cape, but it's also very flashy, and it's also got the very it's also got like the, the flowing fire designs on the cape too. But Wild Tiger here, very plain looking. Very classic with like a, but I, I do like, I do like the costume with the uh, stylized T and W. Yep. <laughs> that looks really good on his costume. And the way the cowl kind of uh, wraps around his hair too in like the, in like almost the exact same shape. And it also kind of looks like a tiger's mouth too. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, give credit. That's actually a pretty good costume. Combined with his uh, beard that looks like uh, cat ears. But very appropriate, as this guy is not going to wait for advertisers to save people. He is going to save them no matter what anyone says, because that's what a true hero does. Yeah, because it's a great bit where, like, you're about to go to commercial while he's waiting for to stop a train. He's all like, I'm not waiting for ads while there's people in danger. And they're all like, oh, wait, hold the phone. Wild Tiger is going to use his hundred power. And that's his superpower, where he can power himself up to superhuman levels, but it only lasts for five minutes. Yep, all of his, all of his, uh, all of his uh, physical abilities, a hundredfold for f for only five minutes. And also adds to a great like TV gimmick because that way, in the show, in the in the world, you can put up a little timer in the corner while Wild Tiger does his thing, so you can count down and like, like you can add that tension too while you're watching him. I know that's clever. Yeah, and by the way, I just fucking love Wild Tiger. Like from this moment. He just, he's inde he endeared me. I'm so endeared to him. There, I, I think it was, I think I'll wait until the second episode <laughs> <laughs> to get into, like, my love of Wild Tiger. I think that's where it kicked in. Though there is a great bit here where, like, he's apprehending one of the, the criminals, and the criminal just, like, pulls a gun out and shoots him, and he's all like, 
you shot me. <laughs> like, the indignation in this voice right there. <laughs> And you really had the balls to shoot me. And even before that same cr- that same crook as a as a, a mon- the monorail that he was kidnapping was about to go down. Wild Tiger's trying to save him, and he's like, "Here, buddy, come along with me." And the guy and the crook's like, "Nah, I think I'll wait for Sky High." Yeah, like he's calling out for Sky High, and he's like, "Oh wait, it's you. Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> the nerve of this crook. And like after after Tiger gets shot, he just takes the bullet out of his chest and he goes like, "Oh, what a day!" Just he's so over it now. <laughs> but even the no name crooks in the show have personality. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And also, I should mention the uh, lead director and producer for Hero TV, Agnes Joubert, played here by Tara Platt, as uh, she directs the heroes from this uh, TV control room while also producing the show at the same time. So she's giving the heroes information on where you can find the crooks. Well, at the same time, going on like camera one, camera two, camera three, old go to commercial. Yeah, that's another. That's another clever little spin. She's like a comms officer for all the. She's almost like an oracle for all the heroes. But at the same time, she's also their producer. Like oracle cross with Kevin Dunn from WWE. <laughs> Just needs more shaky cam and like shifting close-ups for action. But Wild Tiger's five minutes are up, and this could mean curtains for our heroes until. Here I come to save the day, the high-end talent of a new mysterious hero. A mystery man with no advertisements but in a high-powered mech suit, Princess carries Wild Tiger and then captures the perp. And so, with another season of Hero TV in the books, we have uh, we have the winner, Sky High, for winning the most points. And he gives us the amazing best catchphrase in the whole show, where he's thanking his, ador- his adoring fans, where he goes, Thanks! And thanks again! That is a great catchphrase right there. <laughs> thanks. I, and thanks again! With the hand pose and everything. It's even great in the Japanese version. Like, arigato, kushu, arigato, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it works for him. And again, since uh, Sky High, he has a helmet on, so Patrick Sites can just go full ham in the booth. Mm-hmm. So actually, let's get introduced to this uh, mystery man right here with no ads, as he is revealed to be... Barnaby Brooks Jr., played here by Yuri Lowenthal, and he has the same power as Wild Tiger, the 100 power, and he is set to join Hero TV the very next season. Though with this show, there's no off-season, so he's gonna start right immediately. And around this time, too, like, with the Sky High thanking his people and also, and, like, the other heroes just kind of chatting it up here, we get, like, these little moments that really help to get over our characters here. Like, uh, before the big ceremony, Wild Tiger's having a conversation with his manager, Ben Jackson, played here by Bo Billingsley. You just see this small moment between the two, but you can just feel like these guys are just old chums, you know, almost kind of like mentor-student right here. They've had a history with each other. And, you know, and they're just all like, you know what, another season in the books, but, you know, still keeps going. We just gotta keep going and saving people. Or even, like, another little moment where uh, Tiger and Rock Bison are, like, chatting it up. And, it's, and it gets over that they're actually best friends, and we do find out later that they have been friends for years beyond Hero TV. Yeah, even other stuff, too, like Blue Rose getting advice on, like, how she presents herself in public, and maybe she should, like, tone it back a little bit. <laughs> or, like, she's talking about her catchphrase, going on, like, can I change it? This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> or even Origami Cyclone, who's being told by his producer that, like, hey, who's being told by his producer, hey, you're doing great. Get your ads out there more, and, like, you'll be doing great in no time. And he's all like... Well, I won't let you down. I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Little moments, but like it gets over, over, but everyone gets over really well. Or like one bit where like Barnaby's being introduced and he kind of gives a little salute or like hair flick and then Tiger copies him mockingly and Rock Bison's all like, be nice. 
I was even surprised by a cameo of a, a certain judge who will be prominent later in the series as well. Oh, yes, we do see <laughs> that person, too. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a teaser there. Yeah, long-term booking. So afterwards, we see more into Wild Tiger's life as his real name is Kotetsu Kaburagi. Keep it in with the superhero trend of having alliterative names right there. Yeah, Kotetsu, got Tiger in his name. Yep. <laughs> as he is a single father and widower who lives away from his daughter in order to protect her. Ooh, speaking of his daughter, her name is Kaede, played here by Eden Rigel, and she is cute as a bug's ear. Aww, she's adorable! And just like, and you can just tell how much Kotetsu loves her, just all like, hey sweetie, how's your day going? Just, it's really great. Mm. And she lives with her grandma and uh, Kotetsu's mom, Anju, played here by uh, Kari Walgren, dude, double duty here. So, the next day, Kotetsu's sponsor is bought out, and he gets a new manager. And he says goodbye to Ben, and like, even though we've known them for a few minutes, it's like, it's almost kind of heartbreaking seeing these two guys have to part ways because of this. Yeah, it is kind of. Well, it's also it's also peppered with like the very real world thing of like a company going under too. Yeah, like Kotetsu's company that sponsors him, they're very low rent in this world, so he's getting bought up by a big like media conglomerate right here. Pawn Media. And we meet his new manager, Alexander Lloyd's also played by Darren Norris. Yes! Double rolls! More Norris! <laughs> more Norris! And more of a different tone than his, like, high-energy announcer voice. Yeah, like, he's actually, like, serious businessman as Lloyd's. Yeah, just very low voice saying, like, all right, Wild Tiger, I'm just gonna need you to do this. If you don't like it, you're fired. And, yeah, he is not a fan of Kotetsu here. Like, he's kind of taking every opportunity in this first half to just let him go and fire him. And also, at this point, Wild Tiger gets a new look. A new motorcycle and a new partner? But first, I guess, the, the look here, the new Wild Tiger costume, it's great, isn't it? Oh, isn't it great? <laughs> Just this big green, white, and black mech suit, everything. Got a little, like, opening flap for his helmet, but he still wears his mask under it, too, to hide his identity, which is a great touch. Along with the green highlights, and he's also now advertised by <laughs> SoftBank, which is a Japanese multinational conglomerate holding company. And SH Figure Arts, <laughs> <laughs> who made the Wild Tiger action figure I have in front of me right now. <laughs> Ain't that something. Oh, isn't it great? But yeah, all this new stuff and possibly a new partner. Could it be Rock Bison? No, 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 it can't be like that. It's actually Barnaby as his new partner here. The kind of strange here and a bit funny where it's like, Tiger runs into Rock Bison, he's all like, wait, you're my partner? Cuts the credits, then we come back from credits, and then it's and then it's Barnaby rolling in on a motorcycle going all like, hey, gonna sleep all day, old man? It's yes, like, I love that the series does go with, like, the post-credit stuff. Uh, yeah, doing it before Marvel made it really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even, even the previews for a series like this are also really entertaining. They're, they're like, almost like its own show in and of itself. Because at the end, because at the end of every episode in the previews, <laughs> you have Kotetsu and Barnaby, either Kotetsu and Barnaby going off each other, going off each other, bouncing off, or rather switching between episodes. I think it's, does Kotetsu do the odd numbered episodes? Yes, he does the odd numbered And then episode. Barnaby does the even and numbered episodes. Mm -hmm. They switch off between each other per episode, introducing the next episode, and they say the title of the next episode in English. <laughs> so you have these really funny moments where Kotetsu, uh, who is native Japanese, 
has really has a really hard time saying in English the English the the titles of the next episode, but Barnaby can say them perfectly. Yeah, because he's American. <laughs> yes, because he's American. <laughs> I really like that touch, and also Kotetsu screws up his lines every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> I mean, he gets, he gets, and he gets better as the series goes on. He does get better. There are some episodes where he doesn't flub over his lines. Yes. Or at least he does, or at least, or there's other times too where he doesn't understand the idiom. Yep. Or the phrase that's being said. Yeah. And that's what the dub does to like hide the, uh, the translation issue where it's just Kotetsu reading it and he's all like, wait, I don't understand this. What does this mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's because that's a hard save to make right there. Yeah, that is. That's a hard one. I mean, with Barnaby, Barnaby's previews, he doesn't mess up once. Nope. Because he's because, as we as we can see from this first episode, he's Mister Perfect. He's practically perfect in every way. But yes, the new dynamic duo of Wild Tiger and Barnaby—they have their first mission together. But holy crap! Can I just say? Can I just say first? Just this first episode alone, I am hooked. Yeah, everything that was introduced so far: Darren Norris, Sternbuild. Stern dollars <laughs> <laughs> that look like regular American bucks. <laughs> oh, with like Stern build. Yeah, the name Stern build on there. Hilarious ADR lines, like Wally Wingert and like all these other actors too. <laughs> Even Yuri Lowenthal, like he doesn't do a lot of anime, but like, holy crap! <laughs> like when he does anime, he makes it count. Like say Simone and Gurren Lagann, and he's extremely in. He, along with he and Wingert, they're all they're both really like extremely well cast here. Oh my god, the chemistry is off the charts for both of them. And even just small little moments, like, there's there's even, like, a small little introduction for, like, uh, Barnaby and Kotetsu as they're walking to work where, like, a kid loses his balloon. Yes! And Barnaby initially doesn't think much of it and just kind of walks by, doesn't really check to see what's bothering the kid. Kotetsu, coming down from doing a little jig, <laughs> they cut to, like, Kotetsu who's walking down the street. He's in the middle of, like, doing a little dance yep. <laughs> as he's walking. Then he sees the kid crying, looks up, sees a balloon in a tree. And then jumps up right across us, jumps off of a streetlight, grabs the balloon out of the tree, and gives it to the kid. And makes the kid really happy. And he, and he even tries to offer the kid some Wild Tiger trading cards. Yeah, he bought a bunch of trading cards of himself, and he dropped them, and the kid's all like, Oh, it's okay, mister. It's, I'll keep your secret. You love Wild Tiger because he's old like you. Hey, mister, do you want to have my Wild Tiger card? And he's like, no, no, he's probably special to you. Oh, no, I'm more of a sky-high guy person myself. Here, you can have it. Bye, <laughs> mister. <laughs> uh, just sums up his appeal as a hero so well. Kotetsu, he means well. He's got a good standard of justice as a hero, but just can't catch a break. Hell of some character intros in this first episode. Oh, God, yes. And it's just the first episode. And also I gotta mention, uh, Kotetsu and Barnaby, like, outside of their hero costumes, the fucking drip on both of them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yes. Barnaby with, like, the leather jacket and the red boots, the glasses and his long flowing locks. I I don't know who I don't know whose clothing I like more to be honest because Barnaby I like the color red I like a good leather jacket <laughs> but Kotetsu he's got the hat the patty cap he's got the shoes yep like those classic looking shoes and like that vest like the waistcoat oh my god looking like that wolf from Animal Crossing who sell, who sells you shoes <laughs> <laughs> like holy crap everyone is impeccably dressed in the series. 
They must... This is how I know they probably, like... <laughs> this is how I know, like, the staff probably studied, like, act the actual fashion industry for the series. Because everyone is dressed impeccably well. It's like, you almost expect them to, like, book an Armani deal with, like, the amount of fashion in, in the show. God, Hirohiko Araki would be <laughs> proud of this. <laughs> He'd be blown away going all, like... I'm not trying hard enough. I gotta be more like this. I'm shocked he hasn't drawn Tiger and Bunny yet. I would love to see that. Where is that collab? Yeah. Araki draws Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> I mean, if you can get Horikoshi to draw Precure, you can get Araki to draw Tiger and Bunny. Come on. <laughs> gotta get him. Gotta, gotta get in on that yeah. while he's planning the next JoJo part. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna take 11 years for that one, too. Uh, but yes, we get their first mission with our new dynamic duo together. And I do love their little, like... Tiger and Bunny Mobile right here, which is like a motorcycle with like a sidecar. And Kotetsu's in the sidecar. <laughs> yeah, isn't it called, um, isn't it called like the Double Chaser, like the Lonely Chaser? Yep. <laughs> but man, that's a sick looking bike they got there. Which is also a toy that you can buy. Oh, another thing I gotta buy. You gotta buy it so you can have the figures in like the their mobile here. Oh my god. <laughs> and they're chasing down a rampaging golem that's <laughs> running through the city right here. And uh, the debut doesn't go well for our new team here, as uh, we do see one of the other attachments, the gadgets for Wild Tiger's costume, is uh, a grappling hook, which he uses, but ends up getting tangled with him and Barnaby in it, too. Mm-hmm. And then, at this point, we kind of, uh, we learn more about the costume that they have here, and here we meet another really fun character, introducing Dr. Saito, played here by Dave Wittenberg. <laughs> more like Dr. Hush. Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, if... <laughs> I hope I didn't, like, hurt anyone's he eardrums there. <laughs> but yes, this is Dr. S this is Dr. Saito, the tech guy for uh, Kotetsu and Barnaby here. <laughs> and his gimmick is that he, sp he speaks extremely softly. Like a, like a, like a soft hush. But, like, if you listen closely, you can still understand him. Like, it's still very articulate. Yes, his voice actor is still saying the actual lines. They are just really quiet. And, like, they have subtitles on screen, and they match up with the subtitles. I know! Like, the subtitles over this, like, incredibly quiet guy. That's a good joke right there. It's amazing. And it's like, they easily could have just had him go, like, be scared, be scared, be scared, be scared. Like, that's <laughs> it. But no, he actually, they actually translated his dialogue, adapted it. And then had him in the recording booth say that at a low whisper. I know, God, I haven't seen a joke done like that in, since, like, uh, Black Clover, I think. Yeah, but here's done better. But, like, we get this great, almost, like, Edna mode from the incredible scene here, where it's, like, he's showing off the new uh, Wild Tiger suit and comparing it to the old uh, crap suit, and it's just, he's just destroying the old suit while showing off how indestructible the new suit is. Kotetsu is just horrified as, like, the legacy that was his former costume is just getting burned to cinders. He's looking a lot like that, uh, the Looney Tunes cartoon, Mark Anthony, watching the cat almost get, like, getting, like, mixed in the bowl and just almost fading. And Mr. Saito... <laughs> Getting across his character well is loving that he's causing Kotetsu pain. He gives him these looks after each test going all like, eh? 
<laughs> like snickering a little bit to himself. Like, isn't my creation so much better than anything you had before? <laughs> a very prideful person, that's Saito. You don't need this hobo suit, darling. It's It belongs in the past. I live in the now. <laughs> <laughs> and machine washable, darling. That's a new feature. <laughs> <laughs> so back with the golem, our heroes end up getting captured by the giant rampaging monster. And uh, during this, uh, Kotetsu is uh, passed out and he actually has a flashback to when he was a kid when he first discovered his uh, 100 power. Where it's uh, he's in a bank and then a bunch of criminals start uh, robbing the place until another hero, the legendary hero at the time, Mr. Legend, played here by Kyle Bear. Runs in and saves everyone, but also Kotetsu ends up saving him by using his power. And, K- and Kotetsu, uh, you know, initially viewing himself as a freak because of his next powers. Because in this world, like, I- I- I'll try not to compare to My Hero too much, but in this world, next powers are do make you something into a bit of a pariah. They're not common, you know. So initially believing himself to be an outcast, Mr. Legend tells him, No, you're not a monster. Did you see what you just did? You saved my life right there. You saved other people's lives. And do you know what that makes you? That makes you a hero. And Mr. Legend fist bumps Give him Kotetsu. a little thumbs up fist bump right there. And it's a great, it's actually a really nice bit here. Good placement for that flashback right there. That's, yes, that puts over Kotetsu. And then we get to one of my favorite bits right here where Kotetsu finally wakes up and we just get... Probably one of the best moments of Tiger and and Barnaby bickering. Like, you'll hear that a lot throughout the series. These two just always kind of, like, arguing and taking, like, snipes at each other. But this first instance, it's a moment that lives rent-free in my head to this very day. Have a nice nap, old man? Funny. You gonna tell me what happened? The statue grabbed us, and then he stopped again. And you're just sitting here? Why don't you escape? Well, I can't. Huh? Without using my power, I mean. Then use it, you idiot! What are you waiting for? We've only got five minutes. I want to save it till I really need it. Unbelievable. Well, suit yourself, little bunny. I'm out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold it. What? What did you call me? Did you just call me Bunny? Yeah, why not? You got those long pink ears and you're always hopping around. You're just like a cute little bunny. I am not a bunny. My name is Barnaby. I am not a bunny. I am a Barnaby. I don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. Heads up, you two. Well, fine. Suit yourself, little bunny. I'm out of here. Wait, hold on. What? What did you just call me? Did you just call me bunny? Yeah, why not? You got those long pink ears and you're always hopping around. You're just like a cute little bunny. Stop it. My name is Barnaby. Uh, I'm not a bunny. I'm a Barnaby. I don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm instantly, that is where I fell in love with Wild Tiger in the series. <laughs> that's where I fell in love with Barnaby. <laughs> like, holy crap, that's a funny first, that's a funny interaction. And just your second episode, I am instantly in love with both your main characters. Kotetsu and like his immature attitude, but like his sense of justice. Barnaby trying to be pragmatic about it, but being also having, also having a sense of pride about his name and not wanting to be called Bunny. <laughs> Wally Wingert, really proving that he is going to do something special in the series as he delivers those lines. You're just like a cute little bunny. <laughs> I'm not a bunny. 
Barney. I'm a Barnaby. <laughs> I don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> Helped along by the fact that like the line, those lines are delivered in a very similar way in um, the original Japanese version as well. Yes. <laughs> Like, holy crap, like, that's just good writing right there. It's just, like, these are two grown men right here, and they're acting like children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barney, Barna, Barnaby, you don't have too much to be proud of. You're at, you're advertised by Amazon, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you're under Jeff Bezos' payroll right here. Yeah, Amazon.com.japan. Yep. I should have mentioned that before. He's also advertised by uh, the Crusade System card series, which is a card game under Bondi. And of course, Big Honest Chest, of course, because they practically own the series. Yep. His big... big Barnaby gets the probably the biggest one in the series, Bondi. And I think, like, there, in one of the openings, there's, like, a moment where he, like, flashes the Bondi logo and he does, like, the big thumbs up under it, just showing, just almost, like, underlining the, the Bondi logo. <laughs> As if to say, yeah, you can thank us for this. He's like, they pay our checks. So we learn more about this uh, rampaging golem right here as uh, a kid who's also a next is controlling it. He's actually using like a telekinesis to move these statues in the city. And he's uh, going after like this uh, big skating competition in the middle of the town. Oh, villain alert. It's the reanimator. Because <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, when I was younger, I had so much fun naming <laughs> a lot of these like uh, next <laughs> who otherwise didn't really have names. Yeah. Just coming up with like weird little here like villain names here and there, like little monikers. Like it was a lot of fun. I think I'll share some of those during this podcast. Excellent. <laughs> but yes, he's heading over to this big skating competition, and uh, that's actually where uh, Kotetsu's daughter Kaede is. She's uh, doing a skating competition right there, and he's actually late for that. So because he's got to be uh, got to be a hero right here. But he's got the drive now. Like my daughter's in peril. Oh, and, like, there's actually a great moment where he, like, he arrives at the skating rink, and it's uh, about to start tumbling down the build because the building's, like, very high up, and, like, he's, like, lifting all the debris everywhere, making sure everyone evacuates, but then he notices uh, Kaede on the floor in the in the, the distance, and he's about to, like, run over to her, but then he runs, almost runs out of power, and he's all like, no! And it looks like she gets crushed! But then, like, and then, like, for a brief second, you just, like, you don't see his face, but you can totally see just... The horror. He's destroyed. You know, like, I've lost everything. But then in the background, you just hear Coyote going on like, Wow, thanks, mister, you saved me. He's like, don't worry, now get on out of here. And actually a really sweet moment where Tiger walks over to Barnaby and goes all like, Hey, thanks. What do you mean? I didn't save you or, or anything. He's like, yeah, well, whatever. So we actually learn more about this kid here as uh, the reason he's doing all of this is because uh, he's been bullied by one of the skater boys here. For being a next, because like you mentioned before, like next are seen as like extraordinary humans, but oftentimes they're kind of seen as freaks. Right, right. Like, and if they're young, and they get bullied too, and that'll really warp them when they're a kid. Like he did, like he didn't have that support that Kotetsu had from Mister Legend, so Kotetsu's gonna give that to him right here. Yes, he talks to the kid right here, and like not helping is the fact that the kid's bully is often near, often also nearby. Who also offers like a weird rationale for his bullying, which. Makes it sound like he knows it's wrong, but still did so anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where he's where he's like he's cowering and like he's cowering and stuff, but he's like, we didn't bully you because we hated you. We bullied you because you we were different. Yeah, because <laughs> that's how bullying works. <laughs> <laughs> but man, 
Kotetsu steps up and he tells this kid, Hey, listen, I know you were there once before. I, I, I also was bullied for my next powers. And then, like, he actually lets the kid have a big moment to show that he can be a hero with his powers as the building's gonna come crashing down, all the heroes are trying to lift it up to make sure it doesn't fall, and Tiger's all like, oh no, I'm all out of power, this could be it, but at the right moment, the kid, Tony, he saves the, he stops the uh, building from collapsing with, like, the, the giant golem. And, like, Tiger gives him a little nod of approval, gives him a big thumbs up, and they actually do the, the same fist bump that he did with Mr. Legend. Like, it's really sweet. It's like, holy crap, like, that's a nice lifelong moment that kid is gonna have, and it happened in the second episode of the series. And Man, like, that, oh, and like, wow. This is what being a hero is all about. Like, these moments of empathy with, like, these quote-unquote criminals right here. Oh, yeah, that this is actually one bit of uh, credit I will give more to, um, I give a lot of credit to Tiger and Bunny. Tiger and Bunny actually has a lot of empathy for many of the criminals in its series. Like, some are jo- some will be, like, jokes, of course. Some will just be, like, cartoonish. But for, like, some regular Joes, like... <laughs> The series is actually very em- empathetic towards them. Like, here, this kid. This, like, this is such a great opening, like, to, like, really get across, like, the type of heroism they're trying to go with here. Kote- like, Kotetsu, they could have just captured the kid and pulled him, like, kicking and screaming. No, Kotetsu talks the kid down. Tells him, like, I've been there before. I know you've had a rough time. But it can be better. There's help for you. Will you come quietly? And the kid does. And that's... Really beautiful. My Hero Academia doesn't have that. <laughs> nah. No. I love my Hero. Because it's a shonen, but... and yeah. you gotta have fights. Yep. But I really wish it had more of that. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to this day. It's one of the few knocks I give against it. Like, it's almost like some of the best episodes of, like, Batman the Animated Series where, like, Batman shows empathy and kindness towards, like, his rogues gallery. Right, right, where he actually shows, like, genuine sympathy and wants to, like, see them be healthier, better people. You know, like like the episode uh, Harley's Day Out, where it's like, you know, he talks to her and he says, oh, like, I had a bad day too. And, like, it really it really hits you. It really means a whole lot for, coming from him. Yeah, and it's good to see that expressed here in one of the main protagonists of the series. This, <laughs> this is still to this day one of the big edges that what Tiger and Bunny has had over many other, like, any other anime that has attempted heroes before, is that, like... It has that. It has a like a lot more empathy than they do. I, I give it a lot of credit for that. And also, this moment kind of serves as a big teaching moment for Barnaby because early on in the series, he's just worried about like racking up points. Like he's not really caring about the actual human side of these criminals right here. Like he's not heartless. Like he's more just like, again, like I said before, he's more pragmatic about it. Like, yeah. Like I'm going to get the job done. Like get everyone saved, you know. But like he's not. He's not as emotionally invested at this point, uh, quite yet. That's what Kotetsu's for. And, like, he even calls out Kotetsu for, like, lying and saying he he's, he didn't run out of power. He had a plenty of power, but he just wanted to prop this kid up a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Barnaby's all like, you're a weird old man. <laughs> not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, like, 36. He's somewhere around there. I know, yeah. I know Barnaby is somewhere around, like, 25. Yeah, but he's in his mid-20s. Right, right. Which made, which, yeah, another contributing thing that made this anime perfect for us at that age. We were right around the age yep. for many of these characters. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, but many of the other characters can't be that much older. No, they're roughly in their mid to late 20s, early teens, maybe. Dragon Kid is, I think, is somewhere around like 13 or something. Yeah, she's the youngest, and Blue Rose is roughly 
15. I'd say maybe around like 16, 15, 17. 16, somewhere around there. I always guessed uh, Sky High was probably like 28, probably. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Origami Cyclone, 18 to 20. Um, Rock Bison, probably like one year below uh, Kotetsu. Yeah, because they they known each other for a long time, so they're roughly around the same age. Yep, they were friends. Fire Emblem, I would probably place their age at around um, 32, 34. Somewhere that, that, that works, I can see that. Yeah. Because they, they don't explicitly state their ages in the no. series. No. no, you'd probably have to look for a wiki to that. Yeah. Well, I, I even checked out the wiki for this, and I don't think uh, even that's entirely sure. Because, like, it listed Barnaby's age as 21, but that doesn't really sync yeah, up. That doesn't work. Because there there is, like, timeline stuff in the there series they do mention. There was a moment they where they, they mentioned an exact time frame, and that wouldn't work. Yeah, like, like Barnaby would be way too young. Yeah. So yeah, I can't trust the, the the wiki entirely on the ages for the series. Yeah, they're mostly going off like any interviews or any like uh, pieces of media they can get their hands on. Right, exactly. Uh, but uh, right around the end of this episode, right here, just only our second episode, we actually do get a rather important post credit scene where Barnaby is in his room alone, looking at a picture of his parents, and then a symbol on his computer, and all he says is Uroboros. And that's where we get the setup for the major crux of this entire franchise right here. Oh, it's a Batman! <laughs> His parents got batman His dad is Batman, too. Like, he looks like Michael Keaton. <laughs> it took one, lo- one wrong turn down Crime Alley. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Barnaby just had to see that movie that night, and they had to walk home that day because it was during the Joker riots and everything. Barnaby, he just had to see Peter Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> And then one day, you know, he's like looking at the he's like looking out the window at the rabbits on the lawn. And he's like, "Yes, father, I shall become a rabbit. <laughs> I will strike fear into the heart of Sternbilt's criminal underbelly." <laughs> <laughs> Barnaby Brooks Jr. Year one, years year one. I am vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I am the knight. <laughs> I am Barnaby Brooks Jr. <laughs> You wanna you wanna workshop that Barnaby? No. No. <laughs> I'm the goddamn Barnaby. <laughs> I'm the goddamn bunny. <laughs> so moving on from that, uh, we actually get a, a really kind of a fun little lighter episode where uh, Agnes and the Hero TV crew are actually putting uh, producing a documentary all about Barnaby. Where they just have interviews where there's everyone's just putting over how great of a guy Barnaby is, and then Kotetsu's all like, "Yeah, whatever, I don't care." And uh, around this time, we also get uh, more insight into uh, Barnaby's backstory a, a bit and his uh, relationship with one Albert Maverick, who actually owns uh, Apollon Media, played here by uh, Jameson Price. You know, he's uh, an old family friend, worked with his parents, and uh, Barnaby, like, out of everyone in the world, he trusts Maverick the most out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Practically raised him like a father. Yep. And he's always there for him ever since uh, his parents died. So we get some fun bits where, like, Barnaby's just going through his daily routine and while kotetsu is forced by agnes to just be nice and like him you know even writing lines from saying all like hey buddy you want to go hang out like we always do <laughs> the one line that killed me was that okay in the original japanese version he he uh he goes up to barnaby he's like hey barnaby chan <laughs> <laughs> the dub hey homie <laughs> want to hang out <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kills me. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and uh, the last location they visit is the new Fortress Tower building, complete with a big Mr. Legend statue in the middle. 
and all is going well until we get a big bomb scare right here. And Kotetsu realizes that uh, he might know who done it because right before they get onto the elevator, they, they run into this shady-looking guy going all like, "Hey, this place is new. Why, why are you fixing the elevators?" And all, and he's all like, "Oh, I was just uh, greasing the cables." Yeah, look at all these evil. <laughs> so like, they manage to evacuate the building, and uh, we get like a fun bomb diffusing segment between the two, where Barnaby's just trying to. Defuse this bomb while Kotetsu, at the behest of Agnes, is just filming the entire thing for the documentary. And he's just lounging around going all like, no, nah, pretend I'm not here. Just do your thing, man. I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also during this episode that I began to really appreciate uh, Agnes as the producer for Hero TV as well. <laughs> like, she is ruthless in her efforts to get the best footage possible for her TV station. It's scary, but also really entertaining. It's amazing, like... The perfect, like, TV executive right here, just always after those ratings. She is ruthless. <laughs> like, my God, this like, woman. Like, this building has a bomb in it. You're probably going to die, but you're worried about getting the best footage possible. <laughs> <laughs> my God, woman. <laughs> you are a force to be reckoned with. And around this point, we actually get some really big uh, character building between uh, Kotetsu and Barnaby right here during this whole uh, bomb disarming thing right here. And there's, like, even a great bit where uh, Bunny's all like, look, just just leave me to it. Why don't you leave? And he's all like, you know what? If I were in your place, I'd ditch B. And then Cortez is all like, yeah, well, I'm not you. You see a little smile that Barnaby gives there, and I'm just all like, ah. Uh, it's working. The charm's working. You're starting to like Kotetsu. <laughs> So they, they go through the typical bomb disarming, and like even Kotetsu calls it cliche when he gets to like the final two wires where one will set off the bomb while one will disarm it. <laughs> so they have a decision. Go high or go low. They gotta trust Kotetsu's gut and go high. By which I mean, blow a hole in the roof and then toss the bomb out so it blows up in the sky. Quick thinking. Yeah. And Kotetsu made sure to get all the footage. Like he tosses the camera in a way where it sees... Both of them using their 100 power to blow up in a hole in the roof and to, like, launch the bomb into the air. Ah, clever! Yeah, but, like, yeah, this was the first big test of them trusting each other, and that's a big thing about the series, trust. Like, that's a, that's a major theme in the show. Trust and also clever solutions. Yep. <laughs> and it's only going to get more clever from here on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nothing that I really like about uh, the series is that... Uh, the time it takes to uh, spotlight a lot of the other hero TV heroes right here. Yeah, the series does not does not forget about any of the other heroes here. I mean, it helps that the cast of heroes here is also a lot smaller than other series. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you can focus, you can zero in on just this small group and how they exist in this world. It's 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 really economical. <laughs> really knows how the series really knows how to how to knows how to use its time and. Uh, really pick apart uh, each of its characters. And the first one up we get is uh, Blue Rose. When she's not doing hero work, uh, Blue Rose, a.k.a. Karina Lyle, like Selena Kyle, is that what you did there? Ah, I like that. Uh, she moonlights as a bar pianist, as uh, music is more of her passion. You know, she wants to actually be a big musician and a big music star. But and, behind even that, she's also a high school girl. Yep, just t living out the typical, you know, Sailor Moon lifestyle of, like, going to school while also being a superhero. And she also lives with her parents who are supportive of her career, but, you know, they're very concerned with her constantly risking her life every day. And also, uh, her mom can really see that uh, her heart's not really been in it as of late, you know, just kind of half-assing her catchphrase and, and just 
not really just caring about anything around the house or anything, really, when it comes to being Blue Rose. And at one point, she actually even uh, slips up during a mission, having her, and she had to get saved by Barnaby, which awarded him rescue points, too. Mm. And then he got the arrest on top of that. Yeah. Oh, man. The whole the whole mess up was kind of caused by her just like not feeling her catchphrase. Like she still has to say the whole "my ice is a little cold, but you crimes have been put on hold" every time. But then the the uh, Robert just pulls out a machine gun and starts firing at her. To be fair, that is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. But man, even before that, there was also there was a pretty hilarious chase with uh, <laughs> trying to trying to find the armor truck that had the uh, bad guy in it, and Kotetsu's all like, "Why can't we get? Why can't we go like tackle on more exciting things like guys with machine guns?" <laughs> As he's like doing finger bangs. Yeah. Then here's a big bang, and yeah. a giant armor truck just explodes in front of him, and he's all like, "Did I do that?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Isn't that enough excitement for you?" <laughs> Or he even manages to climb, Kotetsu even manages to climb onto the truck and like even gets over to the hood, over to the window to see the driver and he's like, hello, and the driver's like wearing a pig mask <laughs> and then like they just both freak each other out like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit, had me in stitches. Um. <laughs> oh my god, that killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Kotetsu, I'm loving you with each episode. He's such a joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's trying to bring like that Spider-Man snarkiness and wit, but he's kind of like messing up at every turn. Right, right. Almost like a dad who flubs the flubs his dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Karina's just uh, not feeling it. She messed up this uh, capture right here, so she's all like, "Screw it, I'm done." Ah, but in hero work, you're you're playing with with people's lives. Yeah. So if her heart's not in it, then maybe she shouldn't be doing it. Right, because that could cost someone their life. Right, right. This is kind of what Kotetsu and Barnaby try to convey to her. And I do really like Kotetsu just trying to, like, understand her, you know, just trying to make, trying to see what makes Karina tick right here and really understand where her passions really lie. Like, he's going into dad mode, but not... Everyone needs their problems solved by dad mode. Yeah, and you know, having a 10-year-old daughter isn't the same as dealing with like a 15, 16-year-old. No, it's not. But he does try to be supportive. Like, uh, he does, you know, he hangs out at a bar late at night with Rock Bison, and uh, she's actually performing at that same bar, and he goes up to her and gives her a tip on her on her piano. So while speaking with Kotetsu, he reveals his motivation as a hero, and he's just he just wants to do it just to save people without any disregard for recognition he doesn't care any about that he just wants to know that people are safe and that he made a difference in the world and that kind of like that really starts to like uh click with karina a bit here just realizing that you know what don't do it for the fame do it because it's the right thing and this actually leads into like the big mission for that episode where an oil rig is like burning to the ground and like all the heroes have to like go in there and save as many people as possible and during that, she's also performing at the at the bar, and some uh, this one drunken barfly just starts going on like, ah, stupid fucking heroes, they can't do anything. Hey, 20 bucks says they let people die, how about that? Who wants in? And Karina's like, shut the hell up, you don't know what they're going through. <laughs> and then she starts to realize Kotetsu's words, and then she runs in to go save him at the nick of time, freezing the entire oil rig from its fire. To be fair, it was like one night where she absolutely was needed. Yeah, this is probably the best, <laughs> the best use of her powers right here. 
Fire Emblem was probably thinking, oh man, my fire, it's not making this fire go away. <laughs> because should I maybe not be here? I can't control this fire, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is too hot for me. Let <laughs> <laughs> me just set this one out. <laughs> but no, uh, it was actually really like, this like moment right here, a great moment for like Blue Rose and like a really good like way the show like shows that uh, they can really give each of their heroes like their own time in the spotlight. She gets her smile back again and she's back into it, you know, and like even saying her catchphrase is a lot more vigor. It's still a mouthful. It is a mouthful. My ice is a little cold, but your crime's been completely put on hold. That would be something to like, if I ever go to a convention where Carly Walgren is a guest, I would have to ask her, Okay, how many times did you flub that line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a hard line to pull off. And did you grow to hate it <laughs> as you keep recording? I would have actually I would actually ask uh, Kari Walgren if uh, she would like rewrite that. Actually, <laughs> yeah, like is there a better way to say it? <laughs> yeah, what what catchphrase would you give Blue Rose? Oh, that's a good question. That's we should a good one. Her. Remember that one. Maybe oh. a Twitter shout out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but following this episode, we get probably one of the my personal favorite episodes in the entire series right here. As Barnaby, it's your birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, Barnaby. Barnaby. <laughs> uh, it's this big day, and Kotetsu wants the other heroes to join him in doing something special for this special day. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kotetsu, that's cool of you. You barely know the guy. He's just a co-worker. But hey, you want to do something special for him. I mean, we're going to be partners for a while now. Might as well try to, you know grease the wheels a bit here, try to get in, get be all buddy-buddy with him. <laughs> yeah, the first big... I can't believe I'm saying that this is a team-up in this. This is the first team-up in the show. Yeah. And it's trying to give Barnaby the perfect birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how Kotesu is trying to get all the other heroes in on this, and they're all like, eh, I don't know. But then Sky High gets in on it, and he's all like, this would be a fabulous day. You know, do something special for Barnaby's big day. And then everyone, everyone's all like, you know what, Sky High? You're right. Let's do it. <laughs> as soon as Sky High gets into it, everyone's down for it. Kotetsu is dejected. Yeah. <laughs> I love Kotetsu's line of like, Bar- if we pull this off for-, for Barnaby, he'll be so happy for it. He'll be so happy. He's gonna hug all of us. <laughs> Blue, Ro- Cur- uh, Blue Rose is like, I do not want to get any kind of hug from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Kodetsu just wants that hug. He just wants his hug. From his bro bro. <laughs> and this whole plan here that they've cooked up, it's amazing. This is, this is farcical. You're wondering why I called you down here. Well, it's because there's a dangerous gang of thieves on the loose. Are you up to catching these guys, Bunny? As long as you're with me. Let's do it then. <clears throat> Look, that must be one of the thieves now. Let's roll. Okay. Get back here. You're cornered. Boss, you gotta save me from this guy. Stop right there. So you're the thief in charge. Who are you guys, anyway? <laughs> We don't give our names to scum like you. You guys got one more chance. Give up or you're going down. You are the one who should be giving up. What? Freeze, tough guys. <laughs> oh no, we're surrounded. We heard that you've been calling us scum behind our backs. Big mistake, buddy. What should we do, bunny? I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> 
I am afraid it's over. You'd better say your prayers. Save me, Bunny. Eat lead. Happy birthday. And that's a wrap. What they decide to do is... <laughs> they don't know how to get the stingy Barnaby to go along with a birthday part. To go along with a birthday. So Katetsu decides to uh, stage a robbery. <laughs> or rather, he stages having himself get robbed. Kotetsu this whole time as he as he's rehearsing this has a bunny plushie <laughs> that he's carrying and is all like, "Hey, b- hey bunny, we got to go after that jewel thief." Okay. <laughs> Talking it to you like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so scared. Help me, tiger. <laughs> and they're going to and they're going to go down an alley and confront the jewel thief and his compatriot. We don't uh bow to scum like you. We don't bow to scum like you. And then one of the crooks is all like, we heard you've been calling us scum behind our backs. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're surrounded, Bunny. <laughs> Save me. Say your prayers. And then, bang, little happy birthday flags come out of the guns. Happy birthday! Take off the masks. It's everyone. Like, hey. And that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> These are our heroes. <laughs> this is our first introduction to them as like a team dynamic. And they're going along with this asinine plan. They're just dicking around right here. And they all think it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> and they believe Barnaby will buy into this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like giving each other feedback. Kotetsu's saying to Sky, Sky High's all like, how was that? And Kotetsu's like, you were laying on a little too thick. Like, try not to do the, try not to do the whole say your prayers line. It's corny. <laughs> and Sky High's like, oh, uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do better next time. <laughs> Sky High's the real MVP in all this. He takes this super seriously. His acting isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but he wants to, like, actually pull this off. And I'm like, wait, this is our king of heroes? He's getting all, like... He's getting all worried about how he's gonna like deliver his lines, and he's worried about like trying not to improv. He's like, and, he, and he's the most gung ho about all this. Like, our king is a big goober. Yeah. <laughs> Sky High is a total goober. <laughs> Just other heroes walk up. This is your king. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it, the, the rehearsal seems to go well. <laughs> but then they put the birthday plan into motion, and. Everything just goes horribly wrong. Well, the, well, first off, there's there was some there was a little more setup for this actually because Kotetsu initially asked Barnaby, "Hey, anything you would like for? Hey, is there uh, anything that you really liked lately? Like, what do you think of this clothing? Would you look good in this hat?" And Barnaby's, Barnaby's like, "What? Like, I've never worn clothing like that. Like, no, I don't like this. Like, why are you being so pushy on me?" <laughs> and Kotetsu just says, "What? Isn't there anything you like lately?" And then Barnaby's like. Fine. I want that. And he points up to a large like TV screen that's showing off uh, the Hercules du- the Hercules tear the tears of Hercules of Hercule, which is a uh, diamond encrusted piece of jewelry that is on exhibition in Sternbuild. <laughs> and Kentetsu's like oh, too far outside my price range. Concurrently, though, a jewel thief in town named Pauly is planning to a heist. Of this jewel. <laughs> and he's going to, and he's very confident 
because he has a next ability that allows him to encase his entire body in diamond. Oh, Diamondback! Hey! <laughs> a villain Diamondback. <laughs> Scourge of Beyond. Scourge of all jewelry stores. <laughs> and he and he ends up being the wrench in the plan. The whole plan starts off, and first of all, Barnaby's just not into it. He gets a call from Kotetsu about, like, hey, there's some shady-looking guys around here. I need your help. And he's like, what are you doing, old man? Can I, can I go now? I don't need to be here. And then Rock Bison gets his cue, goes to steal the bag, but it's, lat- it's like, clipped on to Kotetsu's belt, so he's trying to, like, rip it off, and then he's like, I can't get the bag off. I'm sorry, do you know this guy? Like, what? No. Because it's like, come on, just t- t- take it off. I can't get it off. It's stuck. It's just bolt. Just bolt. Ah. <laughs> so, hey, that guy stole my bag. <laughs> so they go to like chase after Rock Bison, and then they bump into this lady with a shopping cart. By the way, this lady in a scarf and like these coats, we see her like almost every episode. Oh yeah, there's a re- there's a reoccurring background character in the series. It's and she's very distinct. She's this red-haired girl that wears um like pink and gray, like dressed in layers and stuff wearing a scarf, she appears everywhere in the series. Like, she becomes, like, the reoccurring, like, damsel in distress. Almost. Yeah, she's the she's the poster damsel of Tiger and Bunny. Yeah. I hope she returns, like, later on. Yeah. In the future. In fact, fans have given her the nickname, uh, Scarf Tan. Scarf Tan. <laughs> I like that. They lose Rock Bison, so they have to go looking for him, and Cortez is all like, oh, where is it? Where's the alley? And Bunny's all like, wait, where's the alley? Do you know where he went? Do you know where his secret lair is? And then they go into the alleyway, and then they find the diamond baddie, thinking that Scott that he's sky high, and he tries to do the uh, do the bit here. <laughs> and then he's trying to run through the lines, and he's like, "Ah, oh, this idiot's improvising again." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh wait, no, we're back on track. Here we go." Uh, Blue Rose and Fire Emblem they walk in, and then Fire Emblem like misses their cue and like goes like, "We don't. We heard you've been calling a scum behind our backs." I didn't say that. Oh. <laughs> You didn't? (laughs) (laughs) But then it all takes a turn when Polly shoots off a live round. Yeah, like, Kotetsu's all like, save me, Bunny! And he fires a real gun, and he's all, and Bunny's all like, were you using me as your human shield? (laughs) (laughs) Bad move, Kotetsu, in retrospect. And then they turn over to Karina and Nathan, and they have, like, the regular pop guns, and they're all like, what's that? He's like, oh, these are weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realize, oh, this guy is actually a bad guy. <laughs> we actually have to go stop him. <laughs> and so it's a mad rush by all the heroes to catch Polly. And they spring into action, and this is actually the very first time we get to see Kotetsu and Barnaby actually suit up, and it's amazing. Mm. And then, like, we get more of the, uh, them chasing down this criminal, and, uh, Sky High does come into the scene, and he is really, really upset that they ruined their skit. <laughs> he's holding up his script, he's like, I practiced for, like, nearly, thir- for nearly an hour, and you ruined all my work! As he crumbles it up and tosses it. And we get, like, a flashback of him in an alleyway, just, like, reading over his lines, just stressing over him, and you hear him go, like, there I was the whole time alone in some dingy back alley, like a dog. so then tiger and bunny they confront the diamond baddie and they just start wailing on him but like he's just he's not flinched like even at one point he goes all like "Eh, yeah you want to try another hit 
It doesn't help that like it doesn't help that could that uh, Wild Tiger also blabbed that their powers are going to expire soon. Yeah, that didn't help. So Polly's got the confidence, like, okay, fine, try to break me. Your powers are gonna run out anyway, and I'm gonna run away. And it's actually a really cool shot where they're just all like, just laying in hits, trying to like uh, get get like some kind of dent in this. Yeah, guy. they're going full aura 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 on this yeah. guy <laughs> until activating good luck mode. As we see an upgrade to their suits gifted to them from Dr. Saito. As Wild Tiger gets like a big giant fist. While Ty- while B- Barnaby gets like a big giant foot. And then they just both land a hit at the same time. Three, two, one. Tiger and Bunny over and out. And they break through the guy's diamond plating. <laughs> and they beat him. And also I gotta say, right around this time we get to hear the... Uh, th- we get to really hear the music. Especially the main tiger and bunny theme around this time here oh it is a good orchestral swell yep composer uh yoshihiro ike did a great job here oh fantastic work on the series with this big band almost like incredibles style music right here yeah it does kind of have like a good incredibles vibe to it actually it was it, it sounds really good and the day is saved and kotetsu gives barnaby his birthday gift the arrest of the bad guy and the points Aw, because Barnaby favors points more than anything. Yeah. And we even get to hear the bad guy going all like, hey, why are you smiling? He's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, like, there was, I also like the other detail, that good luck mode, uh, because by this point, we've actually heard Dr. Saito on, like, a loudspeaker that actually increases his voice. Yeah, so that's how we hear him. And it turns out his actual voice is obnoxiously annoying (laughs) and very shrill and loud whenever he's speaking, like, low. Hey, Tiger, I got this new... This new uh, upgrade to your suit, it's a gift for Barnaby's birthday. <laughs> and, the, and the great reveal, too, that, like, good luck mode doesn't actually do anything. It's purely cosmetic. <laughs> so Barnaby and Kotetsu managed to break through Diamond with their powers combined. Yes. That is great. <laughs> and Dr. Saito also reveals that he's kind of, that he's somewhat their biggest fan, too. Yeah. <laughs> as he's trying to put, them over, put their teamwork over together. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's such a great end. And just watching Barnaby walk away with the villain as, like, good luck mode is still operational. Yeah, he's, like, limping with it. Limping with it. And then Kotetsu looks at his arm and he's like, is this gonna turn off? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, that's, like, episode five is one of the best of this show. Yep. And, like, establishing good luck mode, and, like, they use this multiple times throughout the series, but it's, like... It doesn't do anything, so, like, why do they keep using it? It's pure flair. <laughs> I love that. It's such a good I don't know any it. other series that would do something like that. That would just be totally mask off, like, it just looks cool. <laughs> Rule of cool, baby. And also, I gotta say, I love the brick joke to this episode where it cuts back to uh, Rock Bison getting arrested because he looks like an actual criminal. Holy shit, that's great. I love they remembered that. At the end, they're like, wait, aren't we missing something? And then Rock Bison's like, no, you've got the wrong guy. I didn't do anything. Let's go, buddy. You're going downtown. Please, I was just doing a birthday party. Come on. (laughs) That's what they all say. Holy shit. So we didn't see the aftermath to uh, Barnaby's birthday where they had to go bail out. Rock Bison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Rock Bison. Uh, but now after this, we get we jump into some major uh, plot episodes around here. So Fire Emblem, aka Nathan Seymour, takes the spotlight here as it looks to be looks like someone as out there is framing them for burning criminals alive. Yeah. Like we see one of them, you know, a couple of baddies in their jail cell, and then all of a sudden this blue flame just comes in there, and we just see this guy just 
burning alive. It's gruesome. It is. So they actually have to run some tests where Fire Emblem uses their flames on uh, Wild Tiger to like test to see like how hot they can get. But after a bunch of these tests, it doesn't look like Fire Emblem is the one. And then as they're leaving the prison, we see a prisoner get burned alive. So that clears Fire Emblem, but then it also establishes that we got a real bad next around here burning criminals alive. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. And also, small little small little moment here, too. I find it a nice touch, and, and this goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, the empathizing with um, the baddies in the show. All the prisoners just look like normal prisoners. Like, they're, <laughs> they're not, like, made out to be, like, ravenous animals like you would see in other in like other media they are just they're like kicking soccer balls around like the the like the courtyard you know and like when one of their guys gets like killed in prison you actually see them like in like total shock and even one like crying over his death yeah and i'm like oh my god like that was someone's friend and also kotetsu running up to the guy just trying to shake him going like hey buddy are you all right come on speak to me say something and, like, he's actually really torn up about how that guy died. It's a small touch, but I fucking love that. Like, really this, show actu- this show actually cares about, like, incarcerated people. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than I could say about a lot of media that demonizes incarcerated people. It makes them all seem like horrible animals that deserve to be locked up. But here they are, like, actually, like, caring and crying about one of their own, like, dying. Yeah. And, like, and he wasn't even doing anything. He was just reading a book. He was just reading. And then just... No matter, like, what his crimes were, it's like... In that moment. Yeah. Like, like he wasn't doing anything. Exactly. And, like, he's already in jail. He's paying his debt to society. Like, why do you need to do this? Yeah, that's that's even a detail, like, that like is even can be that can even be found in the, um... Even in the uh, second Tiger and Bunny film, too. Like, they show, like, uh, some little epilogue moments of, like, some characters um, in prison in that movie. And they're actually, like, being rehabilitated. In prison. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sternbill, I think, has a better budget <laughs> for their penitentiaries than most states in the yeah. actual U.S. <laughs> All the states combined in the U.S. Yeah. You can actually re- be rehabilitated in prison <laughs> in Tiger and Bunny, it seems. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and just like the scene where, like, Kotetsu and Nathan are driving home and you just see Kotetsu just kind of slumped over and he's just, he's really torn up about all of this. Like, it's hurting him so bad. Yeah, like, the the killer was right there, but Kotetsu just couldn't catch him. Yeah, he saw him, he chased after him, but just couldn't get him. He let he let a murderer get away. Yeah, and wasn't Barnaby also being kind of coldly dismissive, too? Yeah, he was just all like, what does it matter? They're criminals, who cares? And Kotetsu's like, yeah, but he was a person! Yeah, they're human beings, first yeah. and foremost. And, like, that actually even shocks Barnaby. He's all like, oh. Like, he, he never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually got to him there. So, later that night, Kotetsu and Nathan part ways until we get a giant mech suit chasing after Kotetsu. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually one of the first real big fights for uh, Fire Emblem in the season, and actually getting to see these two team up. Yeah, it's it's just about the only clout that uh, Fire Emblem actually gets in the series, yeah. I will say. <laughs> Because out of all the characters, this is really only, like, their highlight episode. Don't get a whole lot of uh, backstory in them. And also one thing I really want to point out that uh, Fire Emblem is, like, very much a queer character mm-hmm. in the series. And, like, for a show made in, like, the early 2010s, like, surprisingly, 
not a lot of distasteful homophobia jokes towards them. Right, right. Now, granted, Tiger and Bunny still has some of those. There's still some of those there. Yeah, like Fire Emblem does play grab ass with, uh, with Rock, Rock Bison on yeah, occasion. Yeah, those, those are the really bad ones. Flirt, flirts maybe a little too much with Kotetsu and Barnaby at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, no, is otherwise just a very, like, nice, kind person. Yeah, and, like, in, like, a lot of moments, not a lot of, like, gay panic jokes where there could have been gay panic jokes. Like, this scene here where they part ways, Fire Emblem's all like, hey, if you don't mind, maybe we could get together and we can uh, snuggle up. And Kotetsu's all like, thanks, but you're not my type. You're too tall. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's great that's right what, there. He's like, playing along. Thank you for not taking the homophobic joke, creators. Like, they easily could have had Tiger go like, ugh, no way. I know, like, you're, you're kinda, you kind of have, like, a freeze-up moment, like, oh, this is gonna be homophobic? Yeah, but no, he's, oh. no, he's actually very, very nice and just kind of playing around with them, too. Right, right. And we and we do need to clarify, too, that we, uh, that we have to, that, uh, that, uh, it is appropriate to use they-them pronouns for, um, uh, Fire Emblem as well. Uh, the anime doesn't do that. No, this You is... gotta understand, 2011 dub. Like, it's the same case with Soul Eater and Chrono. People didn't realize that they, them, were appropriate pronouns for non-binary people. But things are better now. Mm-hmm. Like, we know the proper ones. Yep. It's like, we yes, we, we know how to properly prefer, uh, refer to Fire Emblem now. Right. I... <laughs> I, but it still does put a bit of a timestamp on this anime. It does a bit. And even the second film as well, because they still use the he, him pronouns in that one, as mm-hmm. I went back and saw that. Although, that film is still a step up, because... <laughs> okay, Fire Emblem only gets only gets this, like, a couple episodes in the series to really shine. Doesn't really get the proper backstory like some other characters. The second film... Feels like an apology for that. Yeah. Because that film included their backstory. Yep. And we're not, again, we're, I need to say right now, we're not going to get into the films for this. Yeah, that's story for another day. Right, right. But like, I, I will just say right now that that film, uh, is, some of it, the film does go kind of harsh on Fire Emblem. Like, their backstory is like really heavy. Yeah. Like, very real. But at but is ultimately like very hopeful and like respectful of the character. Yes, that's the main takeaway from that. Right, right. Uh, there's even a line in there that uh, Fire Emblem says where they say something along the lines of like, "I have the strength of a man and the heart of a woman." So what does that say for those who are both? It means we are unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least I think in the original Japanese version it said that. Instead, it was said, "What is it?" <laughs> the dub said. What does that say about those who are gay? <laughs> it means we're invincible. I like the original version yeah. more. Because, <laughs> like, if you're non-binary, that doesn't automatically mean you're gay. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just... And also, major props to the Tiger and Bunny Wikipedia. That does not look like a very populated Wikipedia page, but the people on there prefer to Fire Emblem... With their proper pronouns. Yes, kudos for that. Kudos to the Tiger and Bunny Wikipedia page. That is, that like that's that's a good that's a good example to set. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. God, you, you got to like other Wikipedia sites, and you got like fucking like infighting between like Wikipedia posters about like how to refer to Mister Bighead's daughter. Oh yeah. On the Rocco's Modern Life wiki, or like how to refer to Lily in the Zombieland Saga wiki. Right, right. Like just like just like rampant transphobia. Mm-hmm. 
But like, wow, y'all, y'all are cool. You're over cool on, over on the Tiger and Bunny Wikipedia. Tiger and Bunny fans, you're good ones. Yeah, you you people are good. <laughs> so Kotetsu sees the guy piloting the mech suit and recognizes him. It's the elevator repair man he saw right before the bomb scare, and he was after Kotetsu because he saw his face. He was trying to erase him, silence him. So Tiger Bunny and Fire Emblem track the guy down and realize he's going after other people who saw him that day, including Agnes, who was with them. So they so this leads to actually a big fight in a parking garage where they're trying to protect Agnes while trying to corner this guy. So they corner him, but then Barnaby notices something about this perp. He's got an Ouroboros tattoo on his neck, and Bunny demands answers and satisfaction. This sets him off right here. He's all like, why do you have that tattoo? How do you know Ouroboros? Tell me more about your organization. Who are you working for? Who are you working for? <laughs> And then Kotetsu was trying to calm down. It's like, hey, calm down. We, we got the guy. He's like, no, I need to know more about this guy. This guy knows knows something about, about my parents, and I have to find out. But he doesn't get an answer. Instead, this guy starts burning alive as they thought, oh, he was the guy burning people alive because the mech suit had a flamethrower. But no, it was someone else. We see the real guy who did it. Introducing Lunatic. Played here by Liam O'Brien. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Just, well, this guy, like, holy shit, just what a presence in cool, the show. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> this guy is fucking cool. And also, Liam O'Brien, his voice is just, like, butter. Just all like, oh, yeah. A character I wish was in My Hero Academia. <laughs> <laughs> Though, funnily enough, between this and My Hero, we got a lot of these, uh, these, like, antagonistic characters with, like, hand motifs, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, that is actually kind of, like, similar, actually. Yeah, because he's got this big palm print on his mask. Yeah, very handy, those guys. Yeah. The mask itself is so creepy with, like, the big handprint, the bugged-out eyes, and just the exposed teeth. Just, ugh. Ooh, Lunatic looks creepy. And like, his, really does look like his name. And his weapon of choice, a crossbow that fires flaming arrows. Blue flaming arrows, so, you know, it's the hottest it can get. Like, bluish-greenish flames. They're very unnatural. They burn unnaturally. And anytime he fires his arrows, he goes, Hear the voice of Thanatos. Oh, yeah. Just, ugh. You, just, you can just feel it in your bones anytime he talks. Like, there's, there's real, like, genuine vitriol to this guy. It's not an act. And he is set up as, like, probably not quite a villain, but not quite a hero. Just this lingering presence within the series that just lords over the world of, of tiger and bunny a dark hero an anti-hero a vigilante he is vengeance in the night he yes <laughs> <laughs> he is the terror in the night he and he is going to bring his own brand of justice to stern build so but he disappears for a little bit and just Feeling so close, but just being so far from everything Uroboros related, Barnaby goes MIA for a bit. Which does lead into, like, actually a, a fun little moment where, like, okay, he doesn't have Bunny around, so Tiger's got to team up with someone else, and he teams up with Blue Rose. <laughs> and they do, like, this kind of, like, it's almost like, you ever see those things where it's, like, these Super Sentai pre-cure shows where they're, like, in malls and they're, like, doing these, like, performances where they're fighting bad guys in front of kids? Yes, I know those! <laughs> Except here it's real. It's real, and they're trying to save a uh, scarf tan from these uh, criminals right here. <laughs> but it's also on the big stage that is uh, Blue Rose's, like, truck that's also a stage. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And actually, a really nice bit where Tiger gets to join in on the catchphrase. She's like, my ice is a little cold. Come on. She's like, do the line. It's like, oh, but your crime's been completely put on hold. <laughs> it does a funny little, little pose. pose. Almost like Tiger Claws. <laughs> just looks ridiculous with that 3D model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this, is, this is actually kind of a nice moment. Karina helping out Kotetsu while Barnaby's MIA. Yeah, that was a cool thing of her to do. So after some time, Barnaby is back in action as the heroes look to raid a hideout of a crime syndicate. Could it be Ouroboros? Hmm? But if it is Ouroboros, Lunatic might show. You know, hey, right on cue. As the heroes are taking care of the hideout, because Lunatic fires his arrows and sets it on fire with all the criminals inside, so the heroes have to run in and save them. I know, it's a rescue operation now. Like, oh crap, all, all the crooks we were going to catch are going to die. And then Bunny handles Lunatic, and this is a really cool confrontation as they're just jumping from building to building, and during this, Lunatic is laying out his declaration to like anyone who could listen to, the, to all of Sternbuild about his brain of justice. And this is a really good demonstration, too, of how good the action is in this series as well. Like, all of the 3D animation is really good in this. It's really good, kinetic, fast action. Like, it's no, like, Sunrise, they know how to do good CG. Like, you see, you see it a lot in all of their Gundam shows, and it shines here, too. I mean, God, like, I'm thankful today we have, like, good 3D performances <laughs> in anime. I'm glad that Sunrise is now doing the same thing for for Love Live and their CGI performances. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, back even during, like, this time, you know, like, I mean, I guess we had, like, the Berserk films, but, like, even those had shoddy animation here and there. Yeah. Wasn't too much, wasn't really all the best, but, like, no, uh, like... Sunrise actually put in some really good work for this. I mean, it gets it gets a little bad uh, in, like, little small spots here and there. In particular, it's, it's kind of bad with uh, Fire Emblem. Yeah, like, they are kind of most confusing because with, like, a lot of the other heroes, they're in suits, so it makes sense for them to be CG because they're very mechanical and it'd be hard to animate. But Fire Emblem, they're a tights and cape superhero, so, like, why aren't they hand-drawn like dragon kid and blue rose yeah that that's that's kind of confusing like it doesn't make a lot of sense and it, and it looks very contrasting too i mean it still has a lot of personality i mean it's appropriate for fire emblem oh, they're, yeah. they're a very flamboyant personality yep <laughs> <laughs> uh but so like it, i i don't mind it too much because like the character animations allow for like a good show of character that uh you, you otherwise um don't get as much of with dragon kid and Blue Rose, but, like, it, it is very contrasting. Right. And here we get the big declaration from Lunatic, where he says, If you want true justice, only I can give it to you. Or, wherever there's darkness in the world, I'll be there to snuff it out. Looney here, he's, like, real. Ends justify the means, eye for an eye justice right here. Absolutely. And, like, this is a two-parter episode right here, and it's, uh, it pretty much props up the rest of the season. Like, really establishing Uroboros getting into, like, Barney's backstory even more because now he's starting to, like, talk more about, you know, Urberus and, like, how they are possibly responsible for killing his parents and introducing Lunatic as this wild card, you know, whose side he's in, like, what what is he going to do? Right, right. Like, this is the kind of, this is the kind of injection a series like this, like, really could have used and they picked the perfect time to do so. Like, right as, like, you're getting into the series and you think, like, it's going to be low stakes, like, no, people like this still exist in this world. Like, He's there to criticize. If you've questioned at any one, at any one point in the show, 
isn't it maybe a little unethical to combine like fame and celebrity with like actual hero work? Yeah, because <laughs> you're dealing with people's lives here. Here is here is lunatic to say like that is all a sham. And also, I'm gonna go one step further. Like no, like like some of these pe- some of these people actually deserve to die. Like it's you're being too easy on them. And this introduces the whole like idea to this world. You know, why don't the superheroes just kill the bad guys? You know. If you throw them in jail, they're just going to come out and then do more crime. Establishing ethics for our heroes. Yeah, like, there's even a scene where, like, after the show with Blue Rose, Tiger's talking to some little wiener kid, and the kid's all like, why didn't you kill those bad guys? You suck, wild tiger. Mm." (laughs) And he's all like, well, I'm a hero. We don't kill. That's not right. Whereas, whereas, like, in today's modern society, you still get, you, you arguably have even more shitheads today <laughs> who try to, like, be all edgy and be all like, why doesn't Batman kill people? Like, isn't it all better? Isn't it so great that Peacemaker kills people and, like, Batman doesn't? <laughs> and people not realizing, like, no, that's satire. Peacemaker is wrong. <laughs> right, right. You're su- you fucks don't understand. <laughs> he is making fun of you by saying that. This is the story! This is supposed to have the point! Yeah. <laughs> Watch the show and understand it, you chuds. <laughs> uh, so after that, Origami Cyclone takes the spotlight next. Go Team Venture! Or, swing swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the Team Venture episode. <laughs> <laughs> so he along with Tiger and Bunny are sent to help out at a local hero academy. Ah, uh, yes, because the heroes, now having effectively been punked by Lunatic, uh, now have to do some PR cleanup. They gotta do charity work. Yeah, gotta do charity work, gotta pick up trash. <laughs> you know, gotta do this big stand-up for hero TV campaign and this big anti-bullying campaign, you know, don't be a bully, be a star. Yeah. <laughs> don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, drink your milk, get eight hours of sleep, <laughs> stay in school. Uh, but here we do get to see more of uh, Origami being kind of the ultimate jobber of Hero TV. Yeah, out of all the heroes, it needs to be said, Origami Cyclone at the beginning of the series kind of sucks. <laughs> like, he's... Kind of ranked dead last, almost next to Kotetsu. I mean, well, yeah, I think he is actually ranked dead last. Because he doesn't do any hero work. He just tries to get his sponsors in. He doesn't save people. Yeah, he just he just photobombs places. And, like, sure, he's getting, like, his advertisers out there. But he's not doing any actual hero work. And, like, while they're at the school trying to talk to these uh, students right here, he's all about just making sure you get your advertising out there. And doesn't mention once about saving people. Mm-hmm. And also, we get a good look of this Hero Academy here, and, like, watching this and knowing when it came out, it makes you wonder if the folks at Sunrise were retroactively kicking themselves for not doing more of this because three years later, My Hero Academia would begin. I wonder. (laughs) They're just all, like, you know, cut to 2014, and they're like, stupid, 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 we had a hero school right there, and we didn't do anything with it, stupid. Because like yeah, uh, Tiger and Bunny does have it does have hero academies uh, inside this universe. Or honestly, it's more like it's they're almost even more like I don't know. You can even argue they say they're just academies like that specialize that like specialize and cater to those with next abilities and like accommodate them. I suppose it's almost like night school because you see some adults here. Yeah, you do see quite a few adults as well. Like that's what makes me think it's probably just like. Almost like a community college or something. Something like that. Like, helps you control your next abilities. Although they do kind of treat it like, like, you know, you could all be heroes. It's like they, everyone there aspires to be a hero. Hey, I mean, hey, they this school churned out Barnaby Brooks Jr. and Origami Cyclone. They gotta be doing something right. But then you look at a lot of these people, and 
You say that about the the the, the, acad the, the academy idea, but I also but I actually really like that a lot of the next powers as we see through this academy, most of them suck. These are so lame. Most of them just don't do anything. <laughs> these and you get some good humor out of these it. These jobber fucking students right here. Like there's a there's like there's one guy who can like uh, stretch his skin out. He's got really stretchy skin. I call him Stretch Aldrin. <laughs> There is uh, an old lady who can produce gallons of sweat out of her, like, head. I call her Sweatshop. <laughs> There's a guy who can extend his neck really high. I call him, um, I call him Skyscraper. <laughs> There's a lady who can stretch her arms really long. I call her Mama Longlegs. Ah. <laughs> and there's one guy who looks like he's about to go, who's, like, powering up, looking like he's about to go Super Saiyan, but his hair, it just makes his hair stand up. Yeah. <laughs> he just, just and So he just looks like he's gone Super Saiyan. <laughs> I call him Hair Razor. <laughs> and Katetsu is just like, yeah, you can all be here. You, you could all be heroes someday if you work really hard. <laughs> if you believe in yourself and with a tiny pinch of magic, all your dreams will come true. Yeah, go with that. <laughs> I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> but uh, Kotetsu, uh, yeah, he's 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 kind of thinking like, oh man, all these people are just not hero material. I'm sorry. Yeah, give me the kid who like controlled all the statues. I liked him. Ah, uh, but Origami Cyclone is feeling pretty down in the dumps, and so he kind of wants a second opinion on himself. So he asks Kotetsu to look at his power. And his power is to copy the appearance of, like, copy the appearance of other people. And in general, he can kind of transform into anything, too. Yeah, really. But the problem is that he can't take on the physical properties of that item or that person. So he can't, he can turn into a person and copy them and copy all of their, their, their voice, their appearance. But he can't copy any next abilities. Yeah. So he's very limited. Hence why he's decked out in, like, samurai swords and throwing stars, because, like, those are his actual weapons he has to use. He has to fight for real and not use any powers for that. Yes, he has to rely on the skill. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, because of that, he does have, like, a lot of doubts in his own abilities. And we actually do see that there was an incident uh, back while he was still in the Academy involving an old friend, his once best friend named Edward, played by Ben Diskin. And it's actually kind of a traumatic moment for Origami right here, where they're, like, outside of the school, they're at a bank, and there's, like, a robbery going along. And Edward's all like, come on, we're heroes, we gotta, we can we can stop these guys. And Origami's all like, but we're not allowed to use our powers outside of school. But Edward doesn't care, he runs in, takes the gun from one of the crooks, but then one of the crooks kind of startles him, and he shoots and kills one of the guys. Actually, I think it was the, I think it was the, uh... The abductee. He accidentally kills the abductee. Oh yeah, he kills the abductee. Yeah, like an accidental discharge, and that's yeah. it for it. That's his life is over. Like he's immediately charged with murder, and he is sent to jail. Oh, and he's and he blames Origami for this moment. Like if he had helped, then that person wouldn't have died, and he wouldn't have gone to jail. And Origami's thinking like. I should have been the one to, like, go to jail, or I probably should have died there. It would have been better for everyone. It would have been better for Edward. Jesus Christ. It's it's actually really dark right here. It's like... Yeah, Origami Cyclone, he's, like, actually, like, just, like, caught up in this. Like, it really gets to him. It's, he's brutal about himself right here. It's no wonder he's so hard on himself. Yeah. 
Oh, and speaking of Edward, he's no longer in prison. He broke out, and he's out for revenge. I mean, it helps that, like, his powers basically turn him into a human sand trap. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he can pretty much turn, like, surfaces into sand and, like, actually kind of teleport around as he kind of comes out of it like a... Like a... Like an antlion! There you go! Ah, the antlion! There you go. However, during their fight, Looney arrives, so now it's up to the heroes to save Edward from his wrath. And Origami actually tries to sacrifice himself by pretending to be Edward to, like, distract Lunatic. But Lunatic sees right through this, and he goes like, I know you're not him. And then he just goes to point his uh, bow and arrow at Edward to kill him. And also, I just gotta say, like, like we said, Lunatic is so fucking cool, but one thing I really love is that anytime he appears, the skyline just turns into this big, dark, blood-red moon right the here. The moon turns blood-red. <laughs> <laughs> He brings ambiance with him wherever he goes. That's a secondary power. (laughs) (laughs) I personally like that he can uh, burst his flames from his hands and actually shoot around the sky, imitating flight, uh, almost like Iron Man, but like... Kind of like Bakugo from My Hero Academia, but yeah. honestly better, because he's way more mobile with his, like, movements. <laughs> Bakugo doesn't always look like that in the show, or the series. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lunatic actually, like, does Bakugo's thing, but better. <laughs> like, so cool. It's really cool. And Tiger and Bunny fend off uh, Looney right here, but they do manage to get in one hit that actually cracks his mask a bit, so that's why he had to retreat, because... Otherwise, he would have revealed his identity. And uh, we do get, actually, a nice ending for uh, Ivan and Edward here, where, like, you know, Edward's kind of starting to forgive him a bit more, and, like, maybe just they can probably start over again. It's a really sweet moment. It is really sweet. And again, like, you know, showing empathy for, like, these, what people would call common criminals. Right. Though, in a post credit scene, we do get to see the revelation of who Lunatic is. And it's actually the judge from a previous episode, Yuri Petrov. Yes, the big judge who presides all hero bi- over all hero business in this world. And works for the Justice Bureau. He's lunatic. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, well, on the bright side, Origami Cyclone is a lot more confident. Yeah, you, you, you guys groove back. Yeah, you guys groove back. Says he's going to be like, he's going to like, st- he's not going to be in the background anymore. He's going to be a more active hero. And he wants to be like a, a hero for both him and Edward. Hey, that's a silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, let's see if it works out for him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after that, uh, Dragon Kid, or Juan Paulin, she gets her spotlight right here. Yeah, her episode. And we actually do see her, like, uh, it's kind of a thing where, like, anytime we see Dragon Kid, she's always kind of one-upping any of the heroes whenever they're trying to save someone. Like, she always comes in at the very last minute to take the points. Like, we see her one-upping Blue Rose to save uh, Scarf Tan. Which is also kind of funny because she's also played by Laura Bailey, so it's Laura Bailey saving herself right here. <laughs> and it's actually kind of interesting where it's like, we haven't actually seen much of Paolin outside of like her being Dragon Kid up to this point. Like, we don't actually see her hanging out with like the other heroes, but like after this episode, she's kind of like more with the heroes. Yeah, definitely. Like, we really get to, we really get a good peek into her life as well, where uh, she's effectively uh, being. Or she's effectively being taken care of um, by her sponsor, whereas her uh, parents are uh, back in the home country because she's, she's Chinese. And uh, yeah, we also see a bit more of her personality, too, as well, that she's a bit of a tomboy. Yep, and her parents send her this uh, very nice flowery hair clip, and she's like, no, that's too girly. I don't want to wear that. 
And, like, her sponsor is even chiding her for, like, cursing as well. Although, I heard supposedly then the Japanese dub, she's, she actually uses a more, like, masculine, like, uh, term to refer to herself. And that's what the sponsor kind of chides her for instead of, like, cursing. But, yeah, like, good details here. Good details that tell you a lot about her. The heroes have been tasked with uh, taking care of the mayor's baby. And uh, also at this point, like, you know, when they're talking about, like, taking care of babies and, you know, Kotetsu being the oldest, they're all saying, like, hey, you're probably good enough to be a dad. And he's all like, oh, I already am. I got a 10-year-old daughter. And, like, at this moment, we realize, oh, wait, he's never actually told any of them that he actually has a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've been co-workers for how long and you've never actually known this about him? Yeah, because it's, it's been implied that he was, uh, that he's been the longest hero among all of them, you know? It's like, that's not so much an age thing, but, like, it's more that, like... You know, he saw all of the others enter into the business while he stayed the same, pretty much. Yeah. But it's like, all this time, and it's like, yeah, you never shared that with your co-workers. Like, there's even a great bit where it cuts up, cuts to uh, Karina, and she's all like, baby, baby, what, what? Like, she's shell-shocked. I mean, then again, hero business, you know, so anonymity is gold, I guess. That's true. Like, he's the only one who actually doesn't kind of really reveal himself, really. Right. Oh, and by the way, this baby right here is actually a next with uh, telekinetic powers, and they're a bit of a handful. As we see, the heroes prove to not be uh, babysitting material. Yeah, and the mayor's kid, nonetheless. Yep. Though, uh, the baby does love Paolin, you know, like, uh, they're very comfortable around her. So we get a bit where I like to call it, uh, three heroes and a baby, where it's, uh, Paolin, Kotetsu, and Barnaby all taking care of this baby at Barnaby's apartment. <laughs> and it's actually really, really cute here, you know, just this... this Taking the care of this little rugrat right here. Yeah, it is pretty adorable. Like, they, all of them are getting kind of getting outside their comfort zone. Even Barnaby, where he's, like, has to be kind of forced to share his, like, mo his, like, prized childhood robot toy with the baby. And then immediately takes it away after, like, he thinks the, she's done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Though, later that night, while the kids sleep, Kotetsu learns more about Barnaby's search for his parents' killer. And this is where we actually get to see the first moment where uh, Barnaby actually opens up to Kotetsu about, uh, you know what happened with his parents, you know, and it's actually kind of showing that he does trust them a little bit to, like, share this information with them. Yeah, Barnaby's starting to open up a little bit towards Kotetsu. You know, if this was at the beginning of the series, Barnaby would have said to Kotetsu, stop meddling, get out of my business. But uh, the next day, the uh, the heroes have to deal with some uh, baby kidnappers right here with uh, ridiculous outfits and even more ridiculous powers <laughs> where they can sniff out lies, money, and danger. <laughs> The Bloodhound Gang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, that name's already taken. Oh. Uh, uh, Sniff Sisters. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, the heroes spring into action, and we actually get to see a lot of uh, Paolin's, you know, martial arts right here, which is really cool. It is cool that she supplants her uh, electricity powers with, like, kung fu and stuff. I get hype whenever I see her in the opening of the series, like, unleashing a can of whoop-ass on some, like, crooks. Yeah. And, man, it, it does look cool in the series as well. Also, I gotta bring up her uh, casual outfit outside of her hero costume. Loving the Bruce Lee look. Yep. <laughs> the, the martial arts special. Yep. Bruce Lee, bride from Kill Bill, that sort of thing. Mm. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> so, like, they even get help from the little baby using their telekinetic powers to, like, stop the criminals, and they're actually able to save the day. And soon after, uh, Pao Wen starts wearing the hero clip that her parents sent her, because uh, while she was held hostage by this uh, these criminals, one of them notice the uh the marigolds on the uh, baby's hat and saying like oh that's uh in the language of flowers that means uh, wishing you good health so then she looks up uh, what is the flower on the pin that her mother gave her mean and it means thinking of you always 
Aww. So now she starts wearing the hairpin a bit more. Ah, nice aster flower clip. Yeah, and then like Kotetsu even notices, and he's like, ah, that looks nice on you. And she's like, ah, come on, I don't feel like being cute, but I like it. So right around this point, we start to get into like kind of a big mid-season finale territory right around here. And it starts off with uh, Kotetsu trying to take some uh, time off to uh, be with uh, Kaede and his mother. Ah, uh, but there's actually one other angle we got to get to first, though, because at the end of Paolin's episode, <laughs> Barnaby has a little bit of a breakthrough in his memory. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he sees, as they're apprehending the uh, the, the, the Sniffer sisters, uh, Barnaby sees uh, Kotetsu among some fire that's going around, uh, holding up one of the guns the ladies had, and it brings to memory, it brings to mind the memory of the night he saw his parents die. Where he saw their dead bodies strewn on the ground, surrounded by fire, with a gunman nearby. <laughs> and the image of that killer's face gets ever closer in Barnaby's image, in his mind, in his memory. And he, like, freaks out and, like, just dis- and just jumps off. He bails from the situation. Yeah. Doesn't even cuff the suspects. Like, he's got to process what just happened to him. And that's how we're leading into this, like mid-season finale in like the moment where like he sees this killer and the way he looks at him like giving him like a weird smile and grin it's like it's almost like the batman's parents being killed in the uh, 1989 batman film just like all that's missing is like the crook walking up to a little baby barnaby and going all like hey kid you ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight see you around kid it's strong (laughs) So yeah, everyone's enjoying a day off thus far, and uh, we get a moment while, you know, while everyone's kind of lounging around seeing their everyday life, we get, like, we get a shower scene, and we get a close-up on someone's ass, and then it's revealed to be Fire Emblem's ass. Nice. Like, I was like, first time I saw that, I saw the ass, and I'm like, ooh, nice. And then it shows, like, oh, it's Fire Emblem. Nice. Double nice. (laughs) And I'm gonna say this now, like, Tiger and Bunny is loaded and i mean loaded with hunks the, everyone in the series is very photogenic but like this series has some pretty hot guys like hunks as far as the eye can see and like a lot of these characters are super fucking hot in this show and they and what's better they come in different flavors yeah <laughs> like oh what, what do you like you like a bit of uh, older guys with kotetsu or do you like a bit you know younger studs like barnaby you like traditional masculinity, like a big burly hairy guy like Antonio, Rock Bison, or do you like a blo- or do you like the himbo? It's sky high. <laughs> ah, yeah. Or maybe you like the or maybe you like the uh quiet the uh quiet the quiet guy, you know, who's got, who's got a cool persona about him, but is like really sweet origami cyclone. <laughs> or maybe you or maybe you like like slender, muscular, like blonde-looking boys like Barnaby. Yeah. You like dads? We got Kotetsu. <laughs> <laughs> like, this show is loaded with beautiful men. <laughs> like, and I will I will credit Tiger and Bunny with honestly helping me discover my own bisexuality. Really? Yeah. Like, it was around this time where I'm starting to, while I was watching this, so I'm just realizing, like, oh, wow, I'm really into this. <laughs> I, I can get used to this. <laughs> Uh, who, 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 who would, who's, uh, your favorite these days? Uh, like, for the longest time, I would say it was Barnaby, but recently, especially after this watch, I gotta go with Kotetsu. Mmm, good choice. You know, he's just, 
a lovable goof. He always tries to do his best. He even tries to make people laugh occasionally. He's just so great. Also, single father with a daughter, kind of a turn on. Mmm, nice. <laughs> and you know, like Blue Rose and Dragon Kid, they're cute and all, but you know, it's kind of hard to stand out when you're surrounded by all these Adonises. Mmm, just snacks all around. <laughs> just, oh man, I won't take a bite. <laughs> anyway, enough of enough of me thirsting right here. Yeah, we don't usually get like that horny on yeah, man here. <laughs> but no, it's the first show to make me realize how horny I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger and Bunny does that for, does it that does. to many people. Yep. <laughs> so everyone's enjoying their day off, except for Barnaby, as he's found the guy who may have killed his parents. A man by the name of Jake Martinez. So he's going to go out to go track this guy down and ask him a few questions. But uh, meanwhile, Kotetsu's on his way home, and he's got a gift for Kaede. An ugly-looking doll called a Mad Bear. <laughs> These weird pieces-shit-looking dolls, I would say. <laughs> They look like Invader Zim. They look like Invader Zim Gur ripoffs. They really do. But hey, that sales clerk made a pretty good pitch for him. He's like, oh, come on. They're like really good kids, will, and your kid will love you for it. If you buy one, I'll be your best friend. <laughs> and that works on Katetsu? He's like, wrap it up. <laughs> Though, like, when he calls Kaede about it, he's like, oh, I got a present for you. It's these new toys that are all the rage these days. Oh, they're not one of those Mad Bear dolls, are they? Those things are super lame and ugly. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, of course not. I won't get you anything that ugly. I know you so well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, a hero's work is never done as we got a bridge bombing right here. Caused by mechs piloted by the Mad Bears. Oh, my God. Yeah, as the Mad Bear Kotetsu finds get gets to life and starts running around and then he opens one of the casings of the uh, exosuits and sees more of these mad bears they're mechs built to be piloted by teddy bears <laughs> tiny little things a machine built for that oh my god this is great today's the day that teddy bears have their picnic in hell <laughs> <laughs> and the bear can move too yeah and, like, almost cognizant, too, as, like, the bear that Kotetsu had falls off the bridge and kind of waves to him as it's sinking in the river. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, farcically trying to get this bear. He's, like, hey, hey, get back here, you dumb bear. Hey, come on. And then it falls off into the river, waves back, and he's, like, oh, you cheeky little thing. Let me tell you, you are so not worth 30 bucks. <laughs> God, that guy must have, like, upcharged him for that doll. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the dolls soon start overrunning the city. Just mechs piloted by these dumb, stupid toys are just taking over the city as the city is just in complete lockdown. And these mechs are everywhere, too. Like, and they're tough. And, like, everyone's trying to fight and help. Like, even Origami gets in on the action, too, and even gets some uh, rescue points during this. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Everyone's putting in their best here. He gets to save a Scarf Tan, but immediately gets to punch into a wall, though. <laughs> Very, like, a DBZ abridged Krillin-owned count. Didn't lose any points. Didn't lose any points. Nope. You're good. You got You're the good. points. Just... Your sponsors were on screen. You're good. You're good. <laughs> just a lot of bit of his... Lost a bit of his dignity. Baby steps. 
Even Kotetsu, like, realizes that he's not really, that he, uh, I think he's, like, out of his 100 power at this point, because he, like, spends it too quickly. So he even picks up one of the tank's miniguns, yeah. and he just goes all, like, say hello to my little friend! And yes, he does actually say that in the dub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. They just couldn't resist. Like, I remember when I watched that in uh, Anime Brigade, like, right as he grabbed that, uh, machine gun someone in the brigade said like say hello to my little friend and then he's and then he said it and everyone's all like oh just oh that that person must have felt like the just felt like the ruler of the world <laughs> called it <laughs> and throughout all of this we do see the mastermind behind these dolls you know just this woman plucking out parts of her hair and putting it into these dolls to like control them with her abilities so the heroes are on the ropes until the high-end talent of bunny arrives to save the day as, uh, you know, he decided not to go after uh, Jake Martinez as uh, it's a kind of a fun bit where he tells Kotetsu that, like, oh, yeah, this guy's got, like, a 242-year sentence. I'm sure he can wait. <laughs> but suddenly, the mastermind arrives on the scene. It's Uroboros, led here by Kareem, played here by Stephanie Shea, and they have the entire city held hostage. Their demand is the release of a certain prisoner, that being Jake Martinez. We do meet him. In his cell, and he is played here by Steve Bloom. Oh, Urbus showed their hand. <laughs> oh yeah, we are definitely in mid-season finale territory right here. Here we are, folks. And man, what an entrance they make too! It was already good enough with the mechs that were piloted by teddy bears, but they bring in a, a, a blimp. Right? Yep, a big blimp. <laughs> a big blimp. And, like, they blast over the air... They take over the airwaves and they, like, blast this, like, really creepy, like, string Im instrumentation that's just, like, going wild. Everyone is, like, actually hearing this. Like, Uraburst comes in with a fucking theme song. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they blast cards everywhere showing off like they're showing off their uh the, the uraburus logo and they're just like please allow us to introduce ourselves Here's our business cards <laughs> take take as many as you want we got plenty holy crap we have villains that are as flashy as the heroes now oh yes fuck yes <laughs> let's go let's fucking go and things are super fucked as the exosuits have completely cut off stern build from like the rest of the mainland, like everyone is stranded right here. Oh no, we maybe should we maybe shouldn't have had our only thoroughfares into the city be like bridges. <laughs> <laughs> we should have maybe had other ways to get into the city. Also, another design flaw: we shouldn't have built our city as three levels on top of each other because the exosuits are targeting the columns. It's like the same problems Gotham made in The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, in, like, both works, like, the, the city inf infrastructure people must have been like, oh, maybe we should have maybe fucking installed some water tunnels or something. <laughs> <laughs> Made, built, like, wider bridges. <laughs> uh, throughout all of this, Barnaby is taken at the hardest because he could have, like, went after Jake right then and there, but he chose to come back, but now Uraburs is here, and they want Jake, so it's just all, like, it's all coming, crashing down on him. So, Tiger and Bunny confront the Justice Bureau to convince them to prioritize the safety of the citizens as they need to start thinking about uh, the people instead of their own uh, self-interest, which is a word that took uh, Kotetsu a while to get out. But then they are confronted by another Uroboros member, Hans Chuckman, played here by a sex pervert, and eventually the mayor has no choice but to release Jake. He's convinced here by just all these forces, and he's like, okay, fine, you win. 
Thanks, Obama. Yeah, he looks like Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have maybe been coincidence, but like it was his presidency. Yeah, it was time. 2011. It was. Right before his re-election. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just call any like I just call any stand-in at that time in media Fobama. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Fobama. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like the villains have won. Or have they? As the heroes have a plan as they've apprehended Chuckman and have sent Origami in disguise as him to take his place and infiltrate Jake's ranks. He's like, my time to shine. <laughs> Everything's coming up, Dean. Everything's coming up, Origami House. <laughs> However, Jake makes a change in the plans. Once he hears that they have hostages, he's like, wait, 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 hostages? Hold on, I got a better idea. Let's not release them. Yeah, it's only tidbits right here, but we are just now getting introduced to, like, who this Jake Martinez guy actually is. Because, like, as he's first getting out of prison, he's, like, he's like just very, like, slow and, like, mysterious at first, you know? Like, almost catatonic. But, like, even a prisoner is just like, what, Jake, you getting out already? Why? Why are you so special? And Jake's like, there's this very simple answer to that. It's because I'm Jake, and you're not. See you next time. Oh, wait. There won't be... Seemingly activates a next ability. Then the then the prisoner just gets blasted against the wall and killed. <laughs> and then finally gets into the plane, reunites with uh, Cream, who se- whom he seems to be romantically involved with, as she seems to be, you know, very like just seems to be more happy than anything in like the world. Very amorous around him, like a schoolgirl. Finally, get onto the plane, and he's finally told of the plan. And yeah, once he finds out that, like, this whole operation was to take hostages for his sake, he's like, actually, <laughs> bring me up on the TV screen. <laughs> I want to I wanna hear more about these hostages. Any requests to go on TV? <laughs> <laughs> and they completely take over the Hero TV broadcast right here. And they we hear their plans where they plan to create a world ruled by Next because Next are far superior than regular old humans. Also, props to, like, dubbing this, like, revelation to to all the world as well, because in the original Japanese version, the um, the line goes across something like, uh, I was originally going to let all of you go, but I thought against that. <laughs> in the dub, they they, uh, they smoothly, it's kind of, it looks initially like a hard line to kind of dub a little bit, but they actually smartly dubbed it, and Steve Blum also pulled through as he kind of spins the line and is like, and I finally decided to not release the, pre- the prisoners. <laughs> but it adds a good bit of personality. This is this is when, like, Jake's true personality starts yeah, to break through. Like you said, he starts off very slow and lethargic, but the more and more he gets into these plans, the more he just starts to, like, let loose and just go wild. The more he begins to realize he truly is in control of the situation. He can let, he lets his true self come out. He has stern build in the palm of his hands and he can crush them like bugs. Now it's time to play with them. <laughs> and with this revelation, like, the entire city is just thinking like, oh, these heroes, they fucked us over. Like, screw them. But then Maverick has a plan to counteract this, you know, regain the trust again. So he has Barnaby reveal his past to the public in order to regain that trust. Bold strategy, Cotton, but it does pay off for them. Yeah, but it's, but it's also like a clever moment where they're like, where like, um, Maverick is actively like weaponizing Barnaby's backstory to gain like fate public backing. Yeah. He's spinning his head like, oh, this is a moment for revenge 
for Barnaby Brooks Jr. This is why he revealed his name to this world, because he wanted to be known to the crook who killed his parents. So, hey, folks, aren't you going to cheer him on? <laughs> also, Maverick, he's really, he really cares about this a lot, and he's really doubling down hard on the whole Jake Martinez is Barnaby's parents' killer. Like, he's really all in on that theory, even though it hasn't technically been proven yet. Right, right. But honestly, kind of a smart move. Like, it it, cur, it curs public favor. It's it's like a really underhanded it's move. It's a smart move. And in the grand scheme of things, it makes even more sense. It, it, it does also serve as a bit of foreshadowing later on. <laughs> <laughs> so, back with Jake, things go a little south. I was placey in this moment because it is amazing. This confrontation between Jake and... An origami cyclone. Hey, Chuckman, tell me something. What do you think of my new haircut? Hmm. Well, I think it looks very good on you, sir. I think so, too. Makes me look like one of those heroes. Heroes are great, aren't they? They look so cool. Hey, Chuckman, what do you think of heroes? Right after Legend died, all those necks sided with the humans. It made no sense to me back then, and I have to admit I don't fully understand it even now. But the bottom line is, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome for them to be such a nuisance. Of course, that's not what you and I want, is it? Ah, bingo! Hey, Chuckman, what do you think of him? <laughs> I know no one's asked you yet, but if you become a next, wouldn't you want this ability? Wouldn't you? I suppose so, I think. Well, he looks silly, but I think he's useful. There's no way I would waste a power like his. But the question is, when would I use the guy? I mean, think about it. Someone who could shapeshift like that would come in pretty handy. He'd be the perfect spy, wouldn't he? Hey, what's wrong? You're sweating like a pig. He's just talking to him right here. He's flipping through a magazine. Talking about heroes and what they do, and he's like, say, what kind of heroes do you like? What do you think of Origami Cyclone? Hey, what's wrong? You're sweating like a pig. <laughs> yeah! Oh! Steve Bloom is so good in this. He is actually, like, this, like, Jake, uh, Jake is actually one of his more, like, underrated roles. It really is. Like, everyone knows Spike, everyone knows Tom, but, like... I want some more love for Jake Martinez. Like, he's so good. And so, Origami's been found out. And then we read, we get a moment that I'm sure the dub team was super proud of because of who they cast as Jake right Oh my here. god, they must have been so... They must have been, like, patting themselves on the back for this. Origami is trying to fight off Jake, throwing shurikens. Jake's dodging very casually. Moves up to him. Points. Bang. A ninja star? Guess that goes with your hero costume. How cute. <laughs> Bang. Straight up says the line. And that's that's an actual that's the actual line that's too. That's what he says in the Japanese version. In the Japanese version, he does act that's he does actually say bang. That's the line. <laughs> wow, like the the staff must have been so proud of themselves. We got Steve Blum, and we got him to say the line in another anime. We got to say the final line of Cowboy Bebop right here, in the exact same tone and cadence as Spike says it in the show. 
And I think for a long time, fan, I think some fans who probably didn't like, who just saw the dub initially, probably thought that wasn't like, that That was like not intentional. Yeah, like when I did this rewatch, I had to be like, okay, what does he say in the Japanese version? And then I said, and he's like, bang. That's, like, that's Steph. Oh, you guys were so lucky. So lucky. <laughs> like, you proud motherfuckers. And I had to look this up and I'm just like, okay, does this reference go deeper? Is Jake played by Spike's Japanese actor in in the Japanese version, and, like, no, that's not him, that's a different actor, so it's, like, this is totally coincidence, like, they got so lucky right here. They had, they got to have their cake and eat it, too. Those lucky bastards. Now, that's a question to ask Steve Bloom one of these days, like, did you know that was coming? And what was your reaction to that? <laughs> I, I, I actually would love to hear, like, what his reaction was to that. <laughs> So the heroes locate Jake's hideout and recover an injured origami, and Jake and Cream manage to give them the slip. As uh, Kotetsu ends up screwing this one up, and this uh, causes some more trust issues between him and Barnaby. As Jake forced origami to walk out disguised as him, and Kotetsu thought that was Jake, so he ran after him. But then Barnaby's all like, no, that wasn't him. He has, like, uh, the comm link on his wrist. I knew that was origami. Ah, uh, but Katetsu didn't trust Barnaby. He thought he was gonna go off half-cocked, and he didn't trust him. Uh, oh God, crafty, crafty move by Jake there. Jake, tapping the temple, he's really smart here. And then the next, and then we get the next phase in his plan, where he essentially does the cell games from DBZ. Well, like, yeah, first he manages to, like, get away from, like, Kotetsu and Barnaby. He has the gall to, like, confront them with cream in, like, in, like, the warehouse. And even mocked them to their face. Even shows off a magazine to Kotetsu, like, Ah, you're the crusher of the justice, aren't you? Kind of lame, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But he still manages to actually, like, fire off, like, what appears to be... It appears to be his next ability to fire off lasers from his hand. Fires lasers off... At all the mechs that are stored around there, big explosion, gets the hero scattered, and then he escapes. Like, ooh, mm. almost got him. And then we get to playing the the, uh, the Jake games right here, where he challenges the heroes to a series of one-on-one fights. When he surrenders and just, he can, you can arrest him. He crashes the sponsor's meeting. Yep. Goes straight up to all of them. After revealing that he, like, killed Hans Chuckman... For, like, getting captured. Yep. <laughs> and it's around this... And, he's, and then he sits down and explains to all of them, like, all right, this is how it's gonna go. Like, I, I'm gonna... You see, like, I find all these heroes to be a complete mockery of Next out there. I'm gonna show you how Next truly should be in the Next world. Not these fame-obsessed, like, weirdos, but true, powerful people. <laughs> <laughs> As he's, like... As he's just, like, chewing the scenery in front of all these, like, sponsors, these corporate, these corporate fucks. (laughs) (laughs) The top one percenters. Yes. (laughs) This is where I began to really love Jake. (laughs) This is, this is around the time when I began to realize, like, oh, wow, they're really aping off the Joker with this guy. Oh, like, the dynamic between Jake and Cream is totally Joker and Harley. Yeah, the creators of this anime really were kind of, like, borrowing a lot from that dynamic. Like, the way Cream looks is very much like Harley, too, with, like, the kind of the black, red, and white and, like, the little, like, card suit motif on her costume. Even Jake has a little, has, like, a couple of those, like, elements, too, to him as well, you know? He dresses very flamboyantly and stuff. He's a... He's got that prosthetic 
leg. He's got the crazy looking hair. He's a Jarrett Leto Joker before Jarrett Leto. I know. He actually <laughs> kind of is. He's got like the freaky tattoos, like the twelves tattooed. Yep. I don't know what the twelves really indicate. Like, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, and have to. I, I that's the one thing I kind of didn't look up. But like, God, he's just rocking that look, and like he carries himself with like such a devil may care swagger that's very reminiscent to the joker as well also cream calls him mr jake like mr j like mr j right (laughs) (laughs) even when i was doing this rewatch i was jokingly calling him the jaker the jaker (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna go with some villain names for these two i came up with some good ones wild card for jake Uh... and roulette Uh... for cream I just wanted to get those out there because I prefer the Jaker more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I was proud of that one. The Jaker. (laughs) But yeah, really strong, like a Joker and Harley aesthetic here. But it it works. It really works. They even kind of do almost like a Joker and Harley thing where they're like deciding who should face Jake first. And they do it as like a game where they spin a roulette wheel. And it's like, oh, first up is Sky High, the King of Heroes. Oh, God, this is so good. And yeah, if the, all of heroes fail, as Jake puts it, then I'll blow up the entire city with all you heroes along with it. Really grind, really, really. salts the wound yep. with that one. a little extra mustard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man, but yeah, it's time for the Jake games. <laughs> Sponsored by Heatap. <laughs> so, Sky High is up first, and it doesn't go well. Jake just mops the floor with him, taking out the King of Heroes first puts him over big as a major threat this is bad (laughs) even even jake like because everything about this is just wrong from the get-go like okay fine sky high gets picked for picked first and he's really good about it he's like don't worry i will bring him in and barnaby i will you will have your chance to get through your revenge on your on your parents killer he's being really good about it Immediately arrives, it's not It's not a good intro. No. Jake and Kareem are sitting in the stadium where they've staged this big battle, just drinking miso soup <laughs> that Kareem made. <laughs> just being all like, hey, what? Hey, did you use like a new, different broth for like this recipe? <laughs> why, yes, why, yes, Jake, I did. It's really good. Well, whatever you're doing, keep at it. <laughs> this stuff is delicious. Just laughing with each other. Yeah, they are just clowning on this whole thing. And then Jake just walks up as Sky comes in. And he's like, "Okay, can you kill with the theatrics? And can we just get this fight on?" <laughs> and Sky High unloads on Jake. Really gives it it all. Gives it his all. And it seems like he's making a dent on Jake until it's clear that he didn't. Gets blasted back. He's on the ground, and Sky High is like, I thought I hit you, and Jake just says, what, you didn't get a single hit on me? And Sky High tries to get another hit on him, and it turns, and this is what it turns out it is. Jake's next ability is that he can create barriers. And he can shoot them at people like lasers. He's like, he's like Susan Storm, the Invisible Woman. Because, yeah, like, it's not too well known that she can actually, like, weaponize her, invis- her like, force fields in the Fantastic Four. It's not known by a lot of people, but, like, it's good to see that that's taken advantage of by some people. So all those lasers that he was shooting before, those were just miniature barriers. Ah. Oh, that's... So cool. That's a good reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Barrier powers. Oh, that sucks. 
indestructible barriers. Mm. Because with Sky High now out of commission, the King of Heroes couldn't defeat Jake. <laughs> now it's Rock Bison's turn. <laughs> and he gets jobbed out quickly. Also very quickly, because he thinks, oh, well, I could maybe like crash through those, bar- those uh, barriers of his. No, mm. you can't. They're really that tough. Also, I gotta bring up a fun fact here. The uh, the day this episode aired in Japan uh, was the same day uh, Sky High sponsor Ustream, the website, crashed. So the website went down the day he lost his fight. Oh my god, that's great. That's gr- <laughs> That's so great. Just a poetic coincidence right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, two heroes down. Two down. And up next is Tiger and Bunny, and like, we get like, uh, you know... Jake and Cream doing all like, oh, pick a card, any card. And he's like, oh, I got the old man. Well, I might as well pick it, pick the next person after him because I'm going to wipe the floor with this guy. Oh, hey, I got Barnaby. I got the duo right here. <laughs> <laughs> I can take them both out. <laughs> and meanwhile, while this is going on, Ivan, finally recovering from his injuries, tells the Justice Bureau about Cream controlling the dolls in the exosuits. So now they do have a way to stop them. But they gotta work fast here, because uh, Jake is kicking Tiger's ass really bad right here, and Tiger can't land a hit on him. And before he knows it, his time is his hundred power is up, and Jake's just making a mockery of him. He's just like doing little dances around here. He's actually he's doing fucking Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix's Joker dances. Hey, the song was written by Diddler. <laughs> But yeah, Jake's just making a mockery of him, not taking any of the seriously, cracking jokes like, ah, oh, this is bad. Though at one point, Tiger does accidentally land a kick on him. He trips, flips over, and the heel of his boot does catch Jake on the head for a bit. So he does get a hit, but that just sets Jake off, and he just starts wailing on him. I know, just starts, like, fucking wailing on him, like, kicking him, like, he's actually, like... This is where, like, he begins to crack a bit. Like, he gets, like, legitimately offended that, like, he was even hit even once. And he lets out this one line where he goes, You're so dead, Kotetsu! No one kicks me like that and lives! Ooh, Kotetsu just gets throttled. Yeah, like, that's it. Just, like, no one can watch anymore. So Agnes does actually come in to kind of save the day a bit here where she manages to delay the match with Barnaby to the next morning in order to give the uh, higher-ups enough time to set up a jamming signal for the mechs. And also, she wants to maximize the ratings, because it's late at night and people are going to sleep. No one's watching TV. But it's actually smart, because Jake is a showman, too! Yes! (laughs) He's enjoying himself through all this, so even he thinks, like, oh yeah, no one's gonna be watching at night. Alright, fine, I'll let you all rest for tonight. The bloodbath be- continues tomorrow. He wants to secure that 18 to 49 demographic. <laughs> and so Barnaby prepares for his match the next day, and then Jake adds a new stipulation to these fights. If Barnaby loses, he'll destroy half the city, since he's already halfway through the heroes, so why not get a head start on destroying the city? That's that's a good incentive. <laughs> And also, I like the little extra details that they've completely taken over the Hero TV broadcast, and they now have their own logo, Urburst TV. Oh, that's some good flair. That's good. And Cream is even, like, commentating the battles, and even putting up insulting 
like little like a uh, info info grabs on, on the ticker where it says uh, "Revenge Boy out for revenge," <laughs> just <laughs> mocking Barnaby. And like during the commentary, she's all like, "Oh, Revenge Boy is going after Mr. Jake, but Mr. Jake is really handing it to Revenge Boy." I can't believe this is Ouroboros, and like this is literally just like two people now, yeah, fucking over the entire city. Like the city is at their knees just towards these two clowns right here. These are just two people from Ouroboros, by the way. Yeah. Just two. They're not the leaders. Holy crap. <laughs> so, just like everyone else, Bunny can't land a hit on Jake, and it's like it's like he knows his every single move. He can predict what's going to happen next. Meanwhile, the jamming signal for the Mad Bears has been set up with Blue Rose, Fire Emblem, and Dragon Kid set to take out the exosuits. But uh, there is a failsafe for the for the uh, exosuit, so they gotta fight them while they set up the jamming signal, too. Right, right. And Jake just continues to toy with Bunny, and then he decides to give him a little hint, you know, bit of a bit of a fighting chance right here. As it turns out, he's been gifted with a second power, and next with two powers. A, ver- a rarity, but a possibility in this world. Some, somewhat uh, implied by the fact that he had a strange orange aura compared to the uh, blue aura that the other next have in the series that's yeah. blue. And that may be what's uh, leading him to foresee everyone's moves, you know? Like, something about that second power means he can... It's like he can almost hear what's going to happen next. Yeah, like, he's impossibly hard to hit, like, all the time. No one can ever seem to, like, get a single hit on him. Even from behind, too. Yeah, like, with his eyes closed, too, and he just just starts punking Barnaby out even then. Then, while watching this, Kotetsu has a bit of a brain blast. He's got it. And he's got to tell Bunny, but uh, he's too injured. So then, he does something really cool where he uses his 100 power to speed up his healing in order to get out of the hospital to go run to the stadium to talk to Barnaby. Yeah, because it increases everything 100-fold. Why not, like, his healing abilities, yeah, too? Yeah, why not? Well, almost to full strength. Almost. like it... Still implied to have some internal bleeding. Yeah, like, as soon as he walks through the door, he just starts clutching his ribs. It just, like, closed all of his wounds, basically. Pretty much. So, it looks like it's all over for Barnaby until Tiger comes in to support him. That's a fucking partner right there. Mm. So, Kotetsu informs Barnaby about Jake's second power. He's got... Super hearing. He can hear the movement of the air in their muscles twitch, so he can tell where their moves are coming from. Ah, clever. So Kotetsu gives Barnaby a supersonic grenade to deafen him, but it doesn't work, as Jake's power isn't super hearing. Or does it? It wasn't a supersonic grenade. It was a flash grenade. This blinds Jake and leaves him open for Bunny to take him down. And this was all part of Kotetsu's plan. He knew Jake's real power is that he can read minds. So he intentionally misled Bunny so Bunny wouldn't think that. And then he can throw the grenade and then go with the new plan. And what's also good about this too is that Bunny can also take out Jake in one hit. Because might I remind you all, (laughs) this is another thing I like. (laughs) Next powers do not make, they give you powers but you're not like, superhuman (laughs) if you get ice powers you don't get any extra abilities with that which means bullets can still kill you (laughs) this is why blue rose often runs away when confronted with gunfire yeah per uh, cutie escape as it's called yes and jake he may have those barriers but he's still just a man underneath all that so 100 power punch to the gut (laughs) up in the air out 
Like KO. <laughs> <laughs> like Jake's a glass cannon here. They had one one chance to get hit on this guy, and they pulled it off. And it all hinged on Barnaby trusting Kotetsu about uh, the super hearing, and he did. And he's and then like they're even talking about it afterwards, and he's all like, "Well, what if I didn't trust you?" And he's and he's like, "I knew you were gonna trust me. I didn't have to worry about that." Kotetsu trusted Barnaby to trust him. Yeah, but like. This was a brilliant plan right here. I know, this was a really smart plan, like, executed flawlessly. Like, the first time I saw this, it honestly fooled me. Like, I was believing that it was super hearing, because in an earlier line, Jake was saying, like, oh, I can hear everything that happens, and that's what I thought, but then I remembered back to when he said, called Tiger Kotetsu, and nobody knows that, but right before he said that, Kotetsu was thinking to himself, and he used his name there, so that's where he found that out. That was really clever! <laughs> That's how Kotetsu, su- Kotetsu su- sussed it out. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake tries to escape, but when he shoots at Kotetsu, he hits Cream's helicopter instead, causing it to crash onto him, ending the ballad of Jake Martinez. All's well that ends well. And even a nicer moment, Barnaby calls Kotetsu by his first name. That was satisfying. Oh, so good. They The, the heroes pulled it off. They saved the day. Yep, and uh, the rest of the heroes, they stopped all the mech suits, they got the jamming signal, and they all stopped the bears, so the city is saved too. Urberus is defeated at this moment. And Kotetsu, you know, he's a little disappointed by the lack of recognition, but he did get that recognition from the one person that truly mattered, Barnaby. What a mid-season finale. Holy crap. <laughs> the heroes save the day. And it's only gonna get bigger from here. So we're at the halfway point of the season, but never fear, Hero fans, as we'll be right back after this quick break. Same Tiger and Bunny time, same Tiger and Bunny channel. But in the meantime, enjoy some jazzy little tunes in the style of Platina Jazz, bringing you the Tiger and Bunny first opening.
only one daring program brings you ongoing coverage of supercharged heroes battling crime. You're watching Hero TV Live. We've decided to partner you up with another hero. How come I'm stuck in the sidecar? I'm telling you, I can't work with this guy. I am not a bunny. I don't talk like that. True Believers, with the second half of Tiger and Bunny Season 2, and uh, we have a new opening and ending. Opening is Missing Link by Novels, and the ending is Mind Game by Tomiki. These songs are alright. Yeah, they are pretty good. I mean, listening to it this time around, like, I, I, I do actually do like the second opening. It is good. It's not as good as the first opening, but it's still a pretty solid song. Yeah, I do like the opening, the dan 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 Yeah, with like those, like, with like that sick guitar solo, yep. like, that sounds pretty good. And I do like the visuals with the opening, where they're they're flashing their advertisements even harder than they did they really in the first are. opening. <laughs> Though, if you watch this on Netflix or the cock, you'll just be like, "Why are they showing close-ups of their armor? Like, why are they doing this?" Yeah, this There's is no very ass. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a pretty it's 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 not as much of a banger as the first one, but it is kind of a it is still kind of a banger. It, it's pretty solid, I would say. The yeah. second ending, though, on the other hand, takes itself okay. It's good that it takes itself seriously because, yes, things do get serious during the second half of the series, <laughs> but it's kind of just, like, glamour shots of, like, yeah. all the characters. <laughs> they kind of look like they're recording for, like, an album or something. Yeah. <laughs> all the characters we've uh, met thus far. I guess it's appropriate where we're getting to know all of them and stuff, but mm -hmm. it's there's there's almost something kind of melodramatic to it. It is very melodramatic and melancholy. It's like we're kind of just seeing their... Uh, What's it called? Like, their, their glamour shots? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a bit of a contrast to the more serious music. It is, but... So, yeah, I don't don't like it as much as the first ending. Yeah, but it, it does fit with, like, the second half, because this is where things get a bit more serious and yeah. dramatic. I still think it works overall. Just not my cup of tea. So, ten months after the Uraburus incident, uh, Kotetsu and Barnaby are a successful and popular superhero team. As Barnaby is now the new MVP of Hero TV, and Kotetsu actually made some uh, big leaps in the rankings. He's now fourth. Yes, Bunny is the king of heroes now. They are both on top of the world. <laughs> 
And these two are just so happy together now. Like, just seeing them happy just fills me with so much joy. Like, they're really embracing their partnership. I love that these guys now <laughs> are, like, actually acting like the best of friends. <laughs> this is really wholesome. Like, even the interview where they're just, like, both talking to each other, going all like, oh, stop it, you're a better hero than me. No, you're great, we work together. <laughs> and all the other heroes watching the interview are just like, liars. They hated, they were at each other's throats from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's all just, like, an act, kind of. But, like, it's also, it's still very genuine. Can you two just make out already? Jeez. <laughs> I know, right. They're just, like, they're just sucking each other's dicks, so yeah, to speak, in the interview. Just have sex already. <laughs> <laughs> even, but, yeah, like, even their banter is, like, even better now. Kotetsu's all like, hey, we, hey, like, we've really improved since last time. Ain't that right, Bunny? <laughs> Please don't touch me. Yeah, don't touch me. Or he's like, no, no, he's like, please don't poke me. (laughs) (laughs) And they're, like, complimenting each other back and forth, like, wow, like, it really, like, it really sets in that, like, these guys really have changed. Yeah. You know who else has changed? Mr. Lloyd says he's actually respectful to Kotetsu now. Yeah, because, like, now they're both making money for him. And and he's all like, whatever you do, Kotetsu, do not quit. I don't know what to do if you've ever quit. I'm not going to allow you to quit. (laughs) Though, with, like, uh, all this change, there's kind of, like, some other change going along with some of the other heroes, namely Rock Bison, Antonio Lopez, as he has dropped dead last in the rankings. Ooh, but hey, that means Origami Cyclone's actually doing oh, yes. better. Seventh place, baby! <laughs> saving, Getting out there and saving people. <laughs> and also around this time, uh, Karina's uh, starting to be a bit more uh, frustrated with the lack of Kotetsu around. You know, with all the publicity that they're getting, could she possibly miss him? Hmm. But she does get a chance to be around him some more as a uh, collab between her and the dynamic duo has been set up. They're going to put together a joint concert. Uh, heroes singing? Can it work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at some supplementary material that we'll talk about later, yes, yes it can. And we do get a great bit here where, where Kotetsu shows off his dance moves right here. <laughs> Gives off, like, the best, like, dad performance of, like, the robot. <laughs> <laughs> it does, like, the little walk forward, just lifting his arms up, going... Eh, 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 eh. Do like an I Dream of Genie kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Say someone's dissing your fly girl. You give them one of these. You give them one of these. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is why I love Kotetsu. He's a fucking dork. <laughs> oh, he's such a love. He's so adorkable. Like, I, I aspire to be the kind of adorkable that that Kotetsu is. I want to be just like that when I turn 38. He's He is still he is still one of my all-time favorite characters in anime. He's one of the best anime adults ever. One of the best dads in anime, Oh, greatest too. anime dad of all time. Like, if we're talking about the best anime dads of all time, like, who do we usually talk about? Like, Maze Hughes, Hughes is, is, usually, like, is usually at the top of the list for many people. But Kotetsu also deserves to be in that top five. Maybe top three, in my opinion. Yes. Yes. He he tries so hard to be, like, good to other people, to make other people smile, and really tries to 
be a good father to his daughter Kaede as well. It doesn't always work. He's got flaws. Oh boy, does Kotetsu have flaws. But he tries. That's the thing. He tries his hardest. I give him an A for effort every time he does something like this. And you know who else seems to think uh, that uh, Kotetsu's pretty great? Karina. As uh, it's starting to look like she might have a bit of a crushy-wushy on it. Uh, schoolyard crush girl. I mean, can you blame her? He ticks all the boxes. <laughs> like, Karina, I understand. But he's also twice your age. Yeah. Be real. You're a literal baby, and he's old enough to be your father. Yes. No. 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 You, you, this 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 is a lesson you learn as a teenager. Just no, none of that. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's like, he's a great guy. There's even like a, mi- a moment where like he spills coffee on like her towel while they're practicing, and he gives her a new one, a new one that has like his family's liquor store logo on it. <laughs> he's like, he calls it a super cool new towel. <laughs> Clearly, just got it for free from his like brother. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when uh, Karina's being super cinderate for Kotetsu right here. Meanwhile, Agnes gets a new idea for the show. We kind of, uh, we established this thing that we don't really follow up on, but apparently Hero TV is getting, like, a B-team here. Mm-hmm. Whereas, while the main hero deals with uh, bigger serious crimes, these guys handle lower-tier crimes, you know, purse snatchings and taking pies off windowsills. Yes, yes. Hero TV is officially opening up a minor league, so to speak. It's the Hero TV 2.0, you know. It's uh, it's not as good as the original. Characters are lamer, but it's a bit more colorful. You know, we got we got the Grayson Waller of heroes right here. But, like, this is one thing that they established right here and now, but we don't really get to see much of. No, it's kind of more just, like, in the background that there's now this minor league out there. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't come up in the, in the grand scheme of Tiger and Bunny, it gets used more in the long run, like, later on. But for the, the standalone anime right here, it's kind of, it's a little underutilized. It's, it's, yeah, it is underutilized. Yeah, it is. Oh, and by the way, around this time, we get to see a bit of that, uh, that concert that they're putting on, and it just looks so ridiculous. Just all three of them in their hero costumes, and just imagine... Kotetsu and Barnaby in their big, clunky mech suits trying to do off these dance moves right here. That's gotta be difficult, though. Like, come on, you can't pull off, like, dance moves like that. Look at how cumbersome those things are. But somehow they still manage to, like, do the striking a pose, kind of doing, like, the beach laying pose or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think Kotetsu even calls Barnaby flash dance at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Because Barnaby's taking this all pretty seriously. Yeah. Can I just say right now that Barnaby is actually doing pretty well right now he's like living his best life honestly barnaby is like smiling more often he's laughing more often he's actually he's actually doing really well no he's not kind of being a stick in the mud half the time wow revenge is cool you know what if you're ever being low just have revenge people (laughs) just take revenge on someone you'll feel better in the morning all those years growing up and like having to get like pound cakes from like your old like maid who used to take care of you and like being sad and like wishing you could get revenge for your parents and then you finally do man revenge is good (laughs) (laughs) like he must have been asked that during the interviews during like the show in some interview he must have been asked at some point so barnaby you finally got the revenge you took out your parents you took out your parents killer how do how does revenge (laughs) taste oh 
Sweeter than any pound cake. <laughs> I'm feeling very good. <laughs> really? Would you say that revenge is actually really good? It's been the best feeling of my life so far. My life has been de- doing so much better since I got my revenge. <laughs> I can maintain an erection now. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. And all because I take revengeite. I'm happy. Do you want to be happy? <laughs> Oh my god, Barnaby Brooks Jr. doing like Blue Chew commercials. (laughs) Come on, no, no, no. That's like, Rock Bison should be advertising that by now. (laughs) That that should be his new sponsor, Blue Chew. Oh my fucking god. And like when he's about to land an attack, he should go, Blue Chew on this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh my god. I actually now kind of want to commission an artist, like, to draw, like, all of the heroes now, but with, like, actual realistic, like, (laughs) funny advertisements. Can you believe that? Oh, man. Like, imagine if they were actually advertising in, like, the United States, what actual advertisements they would have. You would have, like, say, Origami Cyclone with, like, honest chest that says crypto.com oh yeah he would totally be advertising crypto wouldn't even know what it is yeah i don't know what this crypto is but i hear it makes a lot of money <laughs> Ooh, ooh, or a uh, fire emblem advertises only fans on their costume yes ooh. yes they they are they come across as a sexual beast oh my god can you imagine that only fans right on the front oh just it would break the internet, just like so many people trying to subscribe to theirs OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean, Blue Rose, she has Pepsi, like, whatever. She yeah, doesn't whatever. need another sponsor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Or, uh... <laughs> or, like, uh... Oh, uh, Dragon Kid. She's young. <laughs> Fortnite. Yes! Ah! And, like, the sponsor demands that after every arrest, she has to do the floss dance. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, if you want to get extra points, do the gritty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Holy shit, I actually want to commission this now. I now, like any fan artists out there who want a special project, give me Dragon Kid doing the gritty with Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Give me Fire Emblem with OnlyFans. Give me, give me like, Origami Cyclone with Crypto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Or like Sky High with Uber Eats. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be saying thanks, and thanks again after every order. <laughs> and yes, please, someone out there give us Rock Bison Blue Chew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And you, and you know what? If you want to go the extra mile, give us... <laughs> Give us Barnaby Brooks Jr. with Grinder. Yes! <laughs> Get in. <laughs> Give us that. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> man, we, uh, we stumbled across a whole new paradigm here. Oh, man, we kind of we went places there. <laughs> Oof, man. Yeah, you folks at home, think of your own personal advertising for the heroes. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got, like, a next being a creep sneaking into uh, Blue Rose's... Uh, dressing room right here Mm-hmm. blue rose has a stalker and this thief can turn invisible by holding his breath he sneaks around ruffles through her stuff and steals the bag that also has the towel that kotetsu gave to her so now she's super worried because she really loved that gift from kotetsu it's it means something special to her and i do love how they casually find out the thief's ability where uh they're looking around kotetsu's eating a banana 
throws the peel towards the garbage can. It hits nothing, slides down. You see the door open. Door closes. Barmy's like, ah, oh, so that's how he's doing it. <laughs> that's a great reveal. <laughs> Uh, and so they begin to get away because I'm not even going to begin to guess their pronouns. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I, I will say like one, he, one thing here though, it is, this is kind of a knock against the series, but like, it, it's, it's a little bit of a knock that like, unfortunately the series does resort to some stereotypes, like some kind of gay stereotypes yeah, here and there. The, this stalker right here is dressed as a blue rose for a reason or another. Yeah, they're kind of going, they're kind of going, they're kind of channeling that stereotype that, like, like, explore, having explored one's sexuality makes one, like, deviant or almost criminal, and it's like, oh, come on, Tiger and Bunny, you can be better than this. A little bit better than that. Even originally in this original run, like, like, Fire Emblem was also, like, like play, played up as a gay stereotype as well in parts. And it's, like, initially it was, like, oh, that's not cool, guys. Yeah. That's not cool. But uh, that, but then with the way they, uh, with, with the way the writers uh, wrote them, uh, like, going into the second movie, that, I can't stress enough that that second movie feels like an apology yeah, for just, Fire Emblem. Just back it up, back it up, we gotta backtrack. We, please, we gotta give a character reason for them, we gotta give them character, we can't just make backstory, them like, we gotta fucking backtrack this, guys. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. I'll give credit. Other anime would not have been as apologetic. No, like other that. anime would probably double down. No, they, yeah, they probably would have. Like hell, like, look at the Persona games. They almost seem to give jokes like that almost every game without any hint of stopping. That the se- the second Tiger Bunny film really is an apology for Fire Emblem. Yeah, and you know what? Better late than never. Yeah, you know what? At least y'all cared. You care enough to do that. At I... least you all cared enough to clarify that Fire Emblem is non-binary. Yes. Better, better late than never. I, I will give credit there. Right. At least they, at least they tried to fix their pro, the the problem they created. Yeah. At least they made a canon and not have like leave it up to the fans to make head cannons. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. But but that's that's far off in the future. That that film. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Tiger rushes this thief when all of a sudden his powers get even stronger as he's flying all over the place, being quicker too. Though, uh, he doesn't, uh, capture the criminal, but instead Rock Bison captures them and gets a much-needed confidence boost. And when Kotetsu tries to explain what happened to his powers to Barnaby and Karina, they just both think that he's being modest and just wanted to help out his best buddy Antonio here. They're just like, oh, oh you kidder, you had plenty of power left, but I did, I like that you're trying to help out a friend, but come on, we gotta keep racking up those points. <laughs> It's actually, it's it's a very adorable end, is like, Kotetsu genuinely doesn't know what's going on. He's like, what's happening with me? And Barnaby is like, that's my partner. That's my bestest buddy in the whole world. <laughs> and Karina will cherish that towel forever. Oh, uh, just imagine her in her room, parents walk in, see this towel that says Kaburagi Liquors on it, and they're like, Karina, honey, is there something you want to tell us? Have you been hitting the bottle? Look, I know all pop stars hit it sooner or later, but uh, don't you think high school's a bit early for you? Maybe wait until your adult years. You know, think of us. Think of the family. Eh, let her cherish it until she enters college. Yeah, she'll find someone new. Yeah. <laughs> so, all is good, right? Well, this is only the beginning right here. So, yeah, Antonio got a bit of a confidence boost, but do you know who could use one too? Sky High! As uh, Keith Goodman here. Amazing name, by the way. <laughs> that's a great name. That's a total. That's a total good old boy name. Yeah. <laughs> Goodman. It's literally in his name. Goodman. You know, 
you know, goes to sleep at a reasonable hour and only, and his, his snack is a side of white bread with uh, water for dipping. <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, starting to question his abilities here, you know, since Barnaby overtook him in the rankings, you know. Losing your top spot after being the guy for so long can really mess with you. Yeah, this is his episode. This is where we finally get to get to peek a bit into the life of uh, the former, the now former King of Heroes. And also, uh, that loss to Jake, even though it's been ten months later, that still eats away at him. Yeah, he's 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 still like, suffering that. That was his biggest failure up to that point. Like he felt like he let the city down. That was a big L for him in his career. King of Heroes, and he got taken out that quickly. You know, he wants his top spot back so he can do uh, dish soap commercials like Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> and also do uh, swimsuit photo shoots, too. Yeah, but but we do also kind of see into his life, like, here in this episode, that, like, he he, he his life really is hero work. Like, he, he kind of is, he's a very, like, job-motivated person. Yeah, like, there's a scene later on where, like, it's uh, late at night, you know, uh, Blue Rose, Dragon Kid, and Fire Emblem, they're all, like, having dinner at, a, like, a fancy restaurant. And then they look outside and they see Sky High flying around patrolling the city at night. Like, even when the cameras aren't on him, he still keeps up with his hero work. Yeah, he still do. Yeah, and, like, that's clarified by Fire Emblem. Ever since Sky High became a hero, he does that, like, for most nights. Like, he patrols even when the cameras are off. Like, he is totally living up to that that comic book superhero identity right there. Yeah, there's nothing pretentious about Sky High. It's his personality that he puts out as a hero and just behind the scenes. It's all genuine. You know, truth, justice, and the American way isn't a slogan to him. It's a way of life. And he's very hard on himself about it, too. And his sponsors are hard on him, too. They're actually harping on him, like, pretty hard about how he's not the number one hero anymore. Yeah, like... They're like, you, they're like, you gotta keep your numbers up, you gotta keep your image up, like, you can't screw up, like, Sky High, okay? This is not what we expect of you. You gotta do better. And it really looks like it's, he's hard on himself about it, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of rough to see him like this. Like, he, like, he really, like, he really was, like, he really worked hard for the position he had before. Yeah, he wasn't given this position. He earned it. Yeah, he truly did. And he, and then at the same time, he also lost it, like, legitimately. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a slump. While walking through the park, he actually comes across a strange girl named Sis. And he kind of opens up to her about, about this, you know, because she's someone who would listen to about his worries. And he's starting to kind of, you know, since he got it out there, he's kind of starting to feel better a bit here, you know, finally talking about, you know, his own personal doubts to this one woman who would listen. And even displaying super strength herself, like, he even believes that she's like a next too, you know, so he kind of opens up to her about, like, what it's like being a next as well, and... Kind of opens the dialogue with her. And wouldn't you know it, it seems like love is in the air here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's it's kind of implied that, uh, yeah, Keith Goodman here, he doesn't have uh, really too many friends outside of work. Like, really, we don't see any. No, like, he has a dog, and that's it. That's about it. We don't really know of anyone else he can turn to in his personal life, you know? Like, his life really is mostly his work, but... Now he's actually opening up to someone. It's someone he's just met, but he feels like he's gaining a connection with someone, even if they're just a really good listener. <laughs> you know, just giving him one-word answers. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love, you know, like, once some of the other heroes hear about this, they try to give him love advice, and he tries to put the moves on this girl right here. <laughs> and he's just all like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Blue Rose, Dragon Kid, and Fire Emblem uh, 
catch catch wind from Sky High <laughs> once he reveals that uh, his love life is kind of like in the pits right now. And they all immediately jump in they on it. They just start meddling. Sky High, you're in love? <laughs> oh my god, you're you're unlucky in love. Well, we've got the advice for you. This is like a moment in like say Sailor Moon when like one of the characters is up to something and then everyone has to get involved in that. <laughs> And and he's get and now Sky High is getting advice from three characters who two are to our knowledge none of whom are in a relationship. No, and two of them are practically children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Sky High is maybe not getting the finest advice here. No, but like you know, just like Hotetsu, Keith is a cute dork here too. <laughs> he he is honestly really cute. Like I really want him to find love because he is. He's such a goody-goody. He needs something like this. And you'd think from a character like Sky High who's been on top of all this, you know? Like, you'd think, like... You'd think, like... <laughs> dude, dude, look at you. <laughs> you're, like... You're you're gorgeous. <laughs> you're, you are a handsome, beautiful, clean-cut, all-American boy right here. You, you'd think... You'd think he'd be able to get any kind of, any kind of woman out there, but... <laughs> look at him! He's, like, floundering! Yeah! <laughs> He's having a hard time. Like, aww. You'd think if he had, like, Twitter or something like that, tons of women would be, like, sliding into his DMs. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what this means. There's a lot of emojis right here. A lot of eggplants and sweat drops. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would totally be stupid with Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a big, beautiful himbo. <laughs> oh, the, the ultimate himbo. <laughs> Uh, oh, maybe it's because he's dedicated. He dedicates himself so much to his work that he feels inc- that he feels unconfident. Ah, yeah, he feels like he doesn't have any. He feels a lack of confidence in like other social situations. He just doesn't have the experience with this because he's so work dedicated. Ah, yeah, there it is. He's been out. He's he's been out of the game for so long. <laughs> uh. And also, it's other oh, problem. He can't tell anyone he's a hero. No. You, you can't brag about your work to anyone. No, like, he lives by the hero code of never revealing your identity. Mm-hmm. So, later on, Sis is picked up by a strange man. And then she goes completely out of control when she sees a billboard of Kotetsu and Barnaby. And should we maybe uh, talk a little bit about what Kotetsu and Barnaby have been doing this whole episode? Yes. Because we've also been getting a look into their lives lately, too, that's just completely dominated by just... Doing ad work and interviews and like guest appearances, appearing on appearing on talk shows, doing voices for characters on animated series, <laughs> which is kind of meta, kind of cool. Bit. Modeling. Yep. <laughs> we have a great scene where like they're actually where like they're modeling swimsuits and doing an interview at the same Bar time. Barnaby in like his sexy little speedo right Just here. Just looking. Woo! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Give me the vapors. Ah. Oh. <laughs> And Kotetsu being just disrespected by the swimsuit people and being put in an old-timey swimsuit. <laughs> the stripes with, like, the big long legs. Yes, the long-legged ones being put up in a inner tube. Yeah, where's his beach ball? <laughs> <laughs> and even afterward, he's all like, what was that? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> Like, why are we getting all this work? Shouldn't we be doing hero work right now? And yeah, their 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 time is kind of being diverted a little bit towards advertising because it's also going to presume that they're kind of like pretty high up in the ranks right now, so they can afford this. But yeah, so Barnaby's kind of fine with it, you know, because 
you know, this is kind of what he wanted. He's kind of used to it. Yeah, but Kotetsu was understandably like, come on, shouldn't we be getting hero work out there? Like, what, you've been silencing our phones right now? Like, what the hell? <laughs> and right at the time when it looks like Sis is going berserk, Kotetsu is looking for some action. And once you know it, they're about to get it. Yeah. Although, before we get to that, there's one other thing that I want to bring up is, uh, the little kid press conference that they do where, where, like, all these little wiener kids are dressed up in, like, press suits, you know, looking like Trent Krim from The Independent here. Oh, yeah, that was kind of cute. That kind of looked like some sort of, like, young journalist kind of, like, thing or something, like an academy or something. You know, they're all like, which, who inspires you to be a hero? Oh, well, me, I really love Mr. Legend. He's the greatest hero of them all. Eh. Kotatsu, you know, he doesn't connect with the kids. Barnaby, who inspires you to be a hero? Well, I was, I'm really inspired by my parents, you know, doing all their work with robotics and everything. You know, they really inspire me. Ah, now that's an answer. <laughs> that was a cute little moment. That was really cute. <laughs> so yeah, we get into this fight right here, and uh, we see that Sis is actually an android built by Dr. Rotvang, played here by Sexper Pulling Double Duty, who once worked for Barnaby's parents as they worked in robotics right here. Ah, Rotvong. <laughs> After the uh, scientist character from Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Ah. Very nice. And the android also looks reminiscent of, like, the of the android Maria as well. Ah. I mean, somewhat. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, good reference. I like that. Yeah, it's a little one. Honestly, Sternbuild kind of looks like the, metro- like the titular Metropolis, I'm not going to lie. Honestly, yeah. It's got that, it's got that same, like, kind of bombast, the futurism going on to it. Very cool, very cool. It is. But yeah, we're getting into some android stuff right here. As uh, Kotetsu's powers run out early again, so uh, Keith, who is now inspired by uh, Sis, you know, his uh, conversations with her, appears and manages to destroy the android, not realizing who it is because uh, the human disguise on the android melted off in a fire. So he just thinks he just killed some random robot, not realizing it's the robot he's been spending time with. Aw, and he opened up to that robot girl, too, about, like, how, like, defeated he was feeling lately, and about, like, how, like, he's got to actually do something about it to pull him out of this rut, like, aww, Aww. sky high! (laughs) (laughs) And pouring salt into the wound, the next day he waits for her by the fountain where they meet, and he's got flowers, too! <laughs> oh! He's got this big smile, he's full of confidence, and he's just waiting for her to show up. And it's like, he probably waited there all night. Wouldn't it be sad if it was revealed by, like, the staff that, like, he still waits there? Funny you bring that up. <laughs> this is made even more depressing because, uh, there's an audio drama CD that takes place after the series, where uh, there's one where the heroes are doing interviews, and uh, guy talks about his love life, and uh, he says he's in love with someone, but he hasn't seen her in a while, and hopes she's still watching him on TV. Oh, That's so awful. <laughs> I guess that that could only really be redeemed if, like, if, like, a, even, like, a tiger and bunny continuation... They somehow managed to bring back Sis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sky High is openly dating a robot. It'd be kind of weird, but I don't know. I'd kind of like to see that. Check it out, guys. I'm a robosexual. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although I still have to say to this uh, to this day, I still think this is kind of the weakest episode of the series. It is. It really is. Well, because like one, the, the the sky high stuff is never like revisited ever again, so it just leaves off on that note. Kind of beautifully tragic, but again, it's like they, they don't really do anything. They don't really like delve into like that was his one bat. His one. That's uh, his one spotlight episode. That's his one spotlight episode. That's it. <laughs> like, after that, he's... That's a, that's a really sad note to end off on for Sky High, of all people. And, like, after this, he's back to his old, he's, like, happy thanks and thanks again self. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got his confidence back, at least, but that's just a sad note that's, to end on. Like, he's waiting for this girl who will never show up because he killed her. And it, and again, it, and again, like, it's... It, the episode is not weak because of that, because that's kind of beautifully tragic, but it's like they don't follow up on that again. Right. Like, it doesn't really, like, connect to anything later on, really. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, like, other characters like, you know, Dragon Girl, uh, Dragon Girl and, like, Blue Rose and stuff, they still feel like their episodes kind of tie into something later on, like, with their characters and stuff. Although, I, I guess, then again, I guess, um, <laughs> I guess, uh, Fire Emblem also didn't get a whole lot in their episode. No, and they got a two-parter, technically. Right, a two-parter, technically. And, uh, even Rock Bison, you know, his was just, like, like oh I'm 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 down in the dumps I'm not doing too well oh I caught this one criminal I got my groove back again yeah that was kind of it there yeah, so it. Sky High he technically got more than other characters but like yeah he got a full episode right right but like well also the, there's also the other angle too that like what brings this down is that uh, the stuff with Doctor Rotvang Rotvang uh, that also doesn't come up until way later that's endgame stuff yeah but that doesn't really get referred back to in between that though no like he so, goes away and then we'll see him again just out of nowhere again but it just introduces the angle that like okay barnaby's parents worked in robotics that was their science and they had a colleague there who's still around and he's now trying to make robots that surpass next and their hero capabilities and it's like that's big but that's that's too big of a thing to really okay i'm now realizing like this is kind of worse than like the sky high stuff <laughs> like it's it's not as big a problem as like the hot as like uh the rotvang stuff but yeah dr rotvang uh his stuff doesn't really come up until later he just fucks off to metropolis <laughs> <laughs> until like the, like the tail end of the series until he gets a call that he's needed again yeah like they could have teased him out a little bit more but like no this is like his one episode and then he appears again later on yeah like have him at least lurking in the background with like the big bad you know right so uh that uh, dr rodvong here could have been uh played out better bit of a missed opportunity like they could that could have used some rewrites right right just just go back to your metropolis there <laughs> bud go back to making robots that's an awesome movie by the way metropolis <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, I've, I only watched, like, the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes recently, because I realized recently, like, wow, I never watched that entire film. That's a movie where, like, 15 minutes in, I am fucking mesmerized. <laughs> Absolutely mesmerized and enchanted. And, like, holy crap. <laughs> that is a classic. 15 minutes in, and I'm like, I fucking love this. This is the best thing in the world. <laughs> holy shit awesome there's a recommendation for you folks out there yes watch watch any of fritz lang's works like just fucking incredible <laughs> uh, inc truly incredible guy that was that director german expression expressionism man <laughs> it, oh boy 
some of the best shit out there. <laughs> Uh, but uh, one thing that does uh, come up again in this episode and that does stick with us throughout the rest of the series is that uh, Kotetsu uh, meets up with Ben here as he heard an interview where he talked about, uh, you know, he's getting stronger. And Ben tells Kotetsu that he knows what's going on. The changes in his power probably means he's going to lose them soon. Yes. Because Kotetsu has also been noticing lately that his 100 power has been shorting out. Like, he'll have his timer, and he'll look at his timer, and he'll be like, wait, I got, like, a full minute and a half left. Why am I powering down? And then, like, he's keeping track of, like, how much, how many seconds he's losing, and he's losing more and more each month. So Ben tells Kotetsu, yeah, that, that, that little boost in power you had, that was like a candle burning bright before it flickered out. You might be losing your powers. You need to find a successor to pass on your powers, Kotetsu. <laughs> find a little wiener kid without any powers. <laughs> Feed him your pubic hair and you will have a legacy. <laughs> you know, point to him and say, now it's your turn. <laughs> uh, sadly, next abilities don't work like that. No, they don't work like works. So around this time, like with that, we get a lot more uh, revelations around here. Like, uh, we see more of Barnaby's connection with Maverick, you know, how he's, like, a father to him, been with him since his parents' death. And we actually do see more of, like, that night where it's, like, it's, like, Christmas Eve and Barnaby walks in on his parents, shot and murdered while his mansion burns down. Which, by the way, is the same exact story as uh, CL Phantom Hive and Black Butler. <laughs> parents died on Christmas Eve and mansion burned to the ground. Oh, great. Another, like, anti-hero out there to compare Barnaby to. You know, it's fitting that uh, the director here worked on the live-action movie. He knows his <laughs> shit. <laughs> exactly. He's probably a secret fan. Though there's another revelation, and it concerns the legendary hero, Mr. Legend. And it's very, very dark-sided. Because, well, the one thing we should clarify is that now we come to Lunatic Spotlight episode. Yeah. This is the darkest episode of the series. And we gotta put a we gotta put a content warning for abuse for this segment. So maybe skip ahead a little bit if you wanna not if you don't wanna hear about like some of the dark shit here. Yeah. So what happened with Mr. Legend? Well, it's not so much Mr. Legend, but what happened to Lunatic? What brought, what, what caused Lunatic to become the person he is? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should clarify, I should maybe explain first, like, what the follow-up to this is. By this point, the heroes are, and I'll, I'll just take over for this segment. The heroes are, um, you know, learning to deal better with, like, uh, hero situations, Barnaby and Kotetsu are doing real, doing real well at saving people, but they're also doing a lot better at thwarting Lunatic because he is still a rogue element in all these things. He is still trying to dish out his special form of justice. That's right. Although, interestingly, he didn't pop up when Jake was around, though. Nah, that was... Which was kind of odd. It's a bit sus there. Yeah, it almost seemed like they did flash to him during that during that time. Like he was almost uh, seeing how the heroes would be tested. Almost, I guess his idea was that like I guess maybe I'll go in and kill Jake at the end if the heroes fail. But that wasn't really communicated to fans. Like yeah, that's looking back, that's kind of odd that Lunatic never intervened there. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, because I, I don't even know, like, was he even being watched by other people during that time? I, I'm pretty sure he was, at least with the Justice Bureau, so maybe he didn't have any time to slip away. That could have been communicated better. Yeah, they need to, like, have a scene of him where he's, like, watching and kind of, like, shifting around trying to look for an opening. Or just put him always around other people, like, he can't get away. Yeah. Yeah, do that. That would have been a bit better. But no, Lunatic is still be, is still an active vigilante trying to kill villains out there who have, like, committed serious crimes. And the heroes are still stopping him, but Hero TV is also now taking note of him as well. Mm -hmm. And Lunatic, <laughs> put yourself in his shoes. He's got to be looking around at, like, how Hero TV is now putting spotlights on him. And is now even giving him, like... A nickname, too. The Sanctioner of Death or something. Yeah, like, he's just another aspect of the show. He's now become a gimmick. I know. You're probably sitting there and now seeing that, like, your entire, like, ethos on justice has been, now been turned into a bonus round for heroes. It's another ploy for ratings. It's another ploy for ratings. And on, on a night where it looks like Barnaby is actually going to beat Mr. Legend's point record... <laughs> <laughs> Lunatic just looks around at himself and he just and he's just like, "What a joke!" And he shockingly gives up on trying to kill a villain. Yeah, he leaves. He just bails out. He realizes like, "I'm a joke now. Fuck this. I'm out." <laughs> and he bails. Well, Agnes is uh, pretty angry that she was deprived of her uh, big ratings boost, but Barnaby caught the villain in the end, and well, broke the record. Broke the record. So you know what? He he beat the 2,000-yard record, so we'll yep. go with that. <laughs> Who cares about anything else? League's leading rusher. Why not? Yep. With that record being broken, though, uh, we also get some... We finally get Lunatic's... A bit of Lunatic's backstory here, too, which is that he himself is the son of Mr. Legend. It's finally revealed. Yep. And we finally, re and we finally get to see here just how much of, like... An actual piece of shit, Mr. Legend How was. he is a monster. He was a garbage human being. Like, he became an alcoholic after he started suffering the uh, power degradation that uh, Kotetsu's suffering from right now. It affected his hero work, and he just, he just started abusing and started beating his wife at that point. Yeah, because there's a meeting in the episode where Kotetsu meets with Ben... And Ben and Ben did some digging and found out all of this for Katetsu. He found out like your hero. Yeah, he was an abusive. He was like an abusive piece of shit. He he experienced the same thing you were experiencing. He lost his powers over time, and he turned to the bottle, and he thought and he would beat the shit out of his wife. It was awful. And what's more, this is a detail I didn't pick up on before. But Hero TV actively staged. Like, Robert, like, actually staged events for him. No, 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 actually, no, 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 wait. They actually, they allowed, they allowed other heroes to take out villains for Mr. Legend, and he took all the credit. Yes. Holy crap. So, like, Hero TV, they didn't, they knew all about this, didn't reprimand him, didn't, like, fire him, suspend him, or, like, anything like that. They, they were complicit in this, and they just, like kept trying to boost Mr. Legend's ego, which in turn led to more and more abuse and, like, alcoholism back home. And during Lunatic scenes, we see a lot of this, like, abuse, like, be, be like, un like, unfold as well. We see the actual terror on a young, on a young t Yuri's face 
as like he's as he just has to hear his mom getting beaten like the garage. And it's it's fucking horrifying. It's, and it's all shown in like pretty graphic detail. I know. Like, holy it's, crap! The, it's the hard animation, to watch. Yeah, the animation team didn't fucking hold back with this abuse. It's like yeah, this this episode needs a content warning. It really does. It's it's really brutal. It's hard. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, for those of you at home, episode sixteen. Just be aware if you want to watch this. Yeah, like oof. Holy crap, it's it's bad. And we also see exactly what happened to Mr. Legend in the end as well. After all the drinking, after all the spousal abuse, Yuri finally fought back against his father. His father once told him, Yuri, you must not stand for any injustice in this world. That's what being a hero was. Well, that's back when he was a good man. This is now. And Yuri fought, and, and a young Yuri fought back against his father. And his father turned all that rage and aggression on him. But Yuri had awoken to his own powers. His inner flame. And right as it looked like his dad, and he would not take that anymore. His flames burst out, his father's hand catches fire, and he doesn't even, like, relent or anything. He fucking grabs Yuri's face. He palms his face. And that's... And it's revealed that, like, that explained that Yuri actually has a flame burn mark, has a hand-shaped burn mark on his face. That he covers up with makeup. That he covers up with makeup. And his father, when he wouldn't relent in that moment, he fucking burned Mr. L- his father, Mr. Legend, to death. Yeah. In front of, in front of his, like, like, mentally unstable mother, too. And his mother, who is still alive and lives with Yuri, she blames him for killing her husband. Like, she hates him for that. And he still tries to look out for his mom and take care of her. He's trying to tell her, like, Mom, he's dead, and he was abusive. Just let it go. And she's like, no, he's here. You killed him. This is all your fault. Like, clearly she never got the help she needed. No, like, not at all in those many years. God, I wonder if they were, like, just abandoned after that. Just had no resources whatsoever. Like, I'm pretty sure after Mr. Legend died, just Hero TV just probably cut them off from, like, any, like, payments or whatever. <laughs> really makes you empathize with the Lunatic a little yeah. more. And, like... Like, still- sure, he kills people, but holy shit. Like, this was instilled in him as, like, a child. This eye-for-an-eye justice right here because of being around his father and seeing his actions in front of him. Holy crap. That's a fucking backstory. And also, not only does he have that burn mark, that's where the the palm print on his uh, mask come from. He keeps that kind of as, as a reminder for his justice. People, you can't get this. You don't get this in My Hero Academia. You get close, but I not lo- like this. My Hero Academia, I love you, but you don't have anything as fucking tragic as this. Holy shit. Yeah. That's bad. Like, this is... Like, watching this again, I forgot how dark this was. I knew this was pretty dark-sided, but it, it got uncomfortable to watch at times. Man... And Kotetsu learns all this backstory about Legend, too. Like, the, the connection for, like, Lunatic isn't there, but, like, Kotetsu now knows that, like, his his hero was a fraud. Like, everything he knew about heroism is just, it came from a monster. Like, it's kind of like his whole world's just been turned upside down. He's losing his power, he lost his hero, just, he's, he's, he's losing a lot here. Like, everything's supposed to be going great. Like, him and Barnaby are great partners. Everything's going well. But then he just gets hit with this bombshell. Honestly, like, this is a harsh episode, but this is honestly one of the best episodes of the show. Oh, like, 
it really sets the stage for a lot of great stuff. It uh, yeah, kinda, kinda. It, it comes up short in the long run, in my opinion. But yeah, this is still honestly like the the sheer potential this episode represented. Yeah. Holy shit! And the way it was, it was something else. And the way it just turned kind of like the show's ideology, like almost on its ear, just like it. This is the biggest challenge to like. <laughs> the morals of, one of the show. One of the best episodes of the show. Truly is. Yeah. Truly is. And in the end, this ends with like a big fight between uh, Kotetsu and this criminal called the Lady Killer. Now guess what he does, but like, he's easily beaten by this guy because power runs out and he's left, you know, just wallowing in this dumpster all night. And then the next day when he wakes up, he finds out that Lunatic got to him and killed him. So he let Lunatic, he, find, he let Lunatic kill someone. Yeah, for the first time, yeah, for really, for yeah, the first time in a while, Lunatic has actually killed somebody. And it's kind of Kotetsu, Kotetsu's fault. Yeah, because his powers gave up, gave out on him. Man, what an episode. <laughs> oh, that was heavy. Holy shit. I feel we all need a breather right here, so uh, Kotetsu finally makes good on that paid vacation. Took him about a year, but you know, he finally gets to go home and spend some quantity time with Kaede. And he needs it too because his powers are draining faster and faster. So he needs to take this opportunity to just take a step back from the hero work and just figure out what is most important to him in life. You know, look at what he has now and is this good enough? Does he need more? He's got he's got to find that out. And so he goes back to his hometown of Oriental Town. <laughs> oh, I'm guessing white people named this town. Yeah. <laughs> But but anyway, this but but anyway, the the point to drive home is that like this is like the most Japanese setting in the entire show. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's like whatever. Like Kotetsu, he's from Japan, his town hometown, it's like Japan, we get it. And you know what? I do like these kind of moments of him spending time with his family. You know, we actually get to meet his brother, uh, Muramasa, played here by Kirk Thornton, and he's the eldest and the more serious of the two. Yep, yep, owns his own liquor store, and, like, that's how he's kind of been keeping things going on his end. And we also see Kotetsu just trying his hardest to be a good dad for Kaede. You know, it's been forever since he spent time with her, and he wants to, you know, try to get off on the good foot here, but he's really, really messing up, you know, barging into her room, looking through her stuff. And just saying some of the wrong things, you know, like, hey, honey, why don't we uh, take a bath together like we used to? Like, ah, dang, you're a pervert. Ugh, God, Kotatsu, she's like 10 or 11. He's been out of the parenting game for so long now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we do get some moments where, like, he's uh, talking with his brother here, and uh, it's actually a really good conversation between the two. Where, you know, his brother's trying to reassure him that even if he does lose his powers, he still has a lot to live for with his daughter. And also, like, uh, we even do see in a flashback that Kotetsu's drive to be a hero stems from motivation from his wife, Tomoe. Where, like, in a flashback, as she's, like, lying in bed in the hospital sick, you know, he wants to be there with her. She tells him to go out and, you know, be a hero. He's getting a call. I want you to be the best hero you can be. But as soon as he comes back, she passes. And it's, like, that's kind of the moment that really sticks with him for a while. Now we see where all that drive comes from. We finally see that interaction between like how like how, what his relationship was with his wife. She really was the source of a lot of his drive to be a great hero. And also like it gives another meaning to like why he always wears his wedding ring, not just because he's always loyal to his wife and will never probably date again, but because it serves as a reminder for the one person who gave him that drive and motivation to do what he does and be a hero. Yeah. Just watching this, like, 
can you imagine if like if they did something like say spider-man 2 where he's just all like he's in his flashback and he's all like i can't be a hero i'm wild tiger no more <laughs> like just like talking to his wife there, just like ah oh, man but this this is honestly man one 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 best episode of the series followed up by another best episode of the series because th- this episode really like slows things down like they're like hero stuff is not really at the forefront here at all it's just kotetsu going back home and having real conversations with all of his family and really taking account of like how his career as a hero has affected his family. Like he's like, he's away from his daughter all the time. Like sure. He calls her up, but like she, she still feels very lonely in her life. It's just grandma in her life taking care of her and grandma even suffers a fall. Yeah. And like, she doesn't break anything, but like, it's a real scary moment for Kaede. Like she's shook by this. And like this is fucking real. Like I've had fam- like I've had family members, like elderly family members have those big falls and everyone is in my family has always thought like, "Oh god, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be the fall that ends it all?" That like like we've had those scares before, so like this these are real scares that Kaede is having here. And yeah, without Kotetsu in Kaede's life, she really feels like if grandma's gone, she will have no one. You know, and that's like where he really starts to understand that like she's super alone at this point like you know because of his hero work and like also he doesn't know she doesn't know that he's a superhero like if she knows that then maybe she could understand but he doesn't want her to worry about him so as far as Kaede knows Kotetsu just probably has like a desk job in Sternbuild and that's it and that's like kind of even even more frustrating for her because you know dad's working this boring job where like he can't spend time with me so yeah Kotetsu he's he really has to take account of like what really matters here in life in this episode and it's such good character drama. I love this episode. It's amazing. And it leads to, like, an amazing moment where, like, during a rainstorm, Kaede gets trapped in a temple, locked in. So Kotetsu goes out to search for her. And it's a great moment where, like, he uses what he has left of the 100 power to, like, free her from, like, uh, all the trees that are blocking out the entrance to this temple that's about to fall down a hill that's on a mudslide. And even in a greater moment, he runs out of 100 power, but he still has a big tree over his head that he lifts up and throws it, because he's he's motivated with fatherly love. And he finally reunites with Kaede and just apologizes for not being around for her. They hug and it's the sweetest thing! This is so nice! Oh my god. It's in this moment he realizes what's most important. He needs to be there for his daughter, so he's heading back to Sternbuild to hand in his reg- resignation. He is quitting, being a hero, he's gonna come back and just be a dad. But not without one last revelation that Kaede is also awakening a next ability as well. Yeah, as he's leaving on his train, Kaede chases after it, and she catches up. She uses, like, almost 100 power style energy to uh, hand Kotetsu a little drawing she made of her and her, and her mom. But yeah, she's got superpowers now. She's the next. <laughs> Runs in the family. Yeah. <laughs> like father, like daughter. Yeah, hey, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And Kotetsu makes, and Kotetsu uh, make, uh, strengthens his resolve to be a hero to his daughter. And when you really think about it, like this decision that Kotetsu made, it isn't a hasty decision. Like it's actually really well thought out, you know, even though him and Barnaby are a great team, you know, Barnaby can work just fine as a hero. He's no longer carrying the baggage of his parents' death as much. 
And, you know, Kotetsu, he's not really ranked high as a hero, so he can leave while the others can manageably pick up the slack. And he's losing his powers anyway, so, you know, why not have it so that he loses it at home, in the safety of his home, and not during the middle of a crime-fighting scene? This is really good screenwriting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything locks so well into place. There's, like, you can't poke holes in any of this. Like, it's airtight. Mmm. And I, I do want to bring up, because, like, we do see more of Kayade trying out her powers, and it's actually kind of cute, her <laughs> kind of breaking everything in the house. <laughs> you know, gingerly trying to, like, drink a cup, cup of tea, and then breaking it, and then just, like, slamming the table that snaps in half in front of her. <laughs> yeah, it is very cute. Kayade, Kayade in general is just, like, very cute. She feels like such a very well-realized, like, young child character. She's a really well-written kid character. I know, she, she she comes across real well, just, like, all of her personality, but also, like, her vulnerabilities. Like, it all feels very real coming from her. And also probably one of the best examples of the whole, like, you know, child feels abandoned by their parent because they're working too much trope. Like, we see it a lot in, like, 90s and early 2000s movies, and it's kind of lame there, but here it really, really works, and you actually really feel for her. Yeah, the writers really knew how to, like, write Kaya Kaede very well as a child character. They, they showed a real talent with her. You know, no Jake Floyd from Jingle All the Way right here. <laughs> So, back in Sternbuild, Barnaby, along with Kotetsu, confront Cream, who has since awoken from a coma. And also notice that uh, she's bald now, since, like, you know, her hair was the source of her uh, power to control those bears. Oh, that must be humiliating. Yeah, <laughs> just getting shaved every night. Oh, and also her boyfriend's dead. You know, got crushed by a helicopter and probably burned to death. Oh. <laughs> and this leads into an even greater revelation. Barnaby gets to the point and asks about Jake, and Cream opens up about how Jake basically saved her as she was, you know, ostracized by everyone, including her parents because of her next powers. Jake kidnapped her, demanded a ransom, but her parents didn't bother to save her at all, didn't contact, didn't do nothing, just left her with this creepy guy. She just wanted Jake to kill her, but then he tells her that she should be proud of her abilities. Next are the chosen ones and stand above the human race. They are far superior than these lesser beings. Yeah, the only person in her life who ever told her she was special. And she, la and she, and she latched onto that. And then she reveals that Jake was not the one who killed Barnaby's parents. As the day of the murders was the day she was kidnapped by Jake, so he couldn't have done it. Yeah, and it's public knowledge, too, to everyone that Barnaby's parents were killed on Christmas Eve. Yep, Christmas Eve, 21 years ago. Exact time and exact date. Exact time and date. There are video cameras of Jake waiting at the train station with Cream for the ransom. Everything adds up. He has an airtight alibi. Yeah, that's big. Jake had an alibi. And just, this rocks Barnaby's world so hard, and he wants to know more, but then Cream rips out all of, like, her IVs and everything, keeping her alive, and basically just commits suicide right here, keeping the truth with her as she dies. As she goes off to join Jake, she gave one final middle finger to Barnaby. Just told him to fuck right off. And even just, and even, like, and even saying, like, in, like, her, like, spasms, too, that, like, Jake and I, we were just a f small faction of Uraburus. It's bigger than the two of them. Yeah, it's bigger than us. <laughs> you had, you got nothing in the end. So eat shit, revenge boy. Exalt, <laughs> Jake and Kareem. However, I want to say this: I really wish they survived. Yeah. I really wish they survived. 
I think it should have been enough that Cream like got captured in the end and Jake got away or something. Like he just disappeared. You know, kind of like a, a classic Joker move. Yeah, because like you already got like injured, maybe he just slunk off or something and yeah. like recuperated. But now I have to like now I had to reckon by this point like, oh, <laughs> the fun villains are gone. <laughs> They're both dead. Uh. Come on, couldn't we have had like? Couldn't we have had, like, all the shit later in the series going down? Like, couldn't, like, Jacob, like, rescued Kareem and, like, gotten out of Sternbilt City and regrouped with Uraburus? And then they could have come back at another time in the future? Could have been recurring villains? Oh, this uh, was a missed opportunity. No, instead, they're both pudding. Oh. I had to really recognize that, knowing what happens later in, like, Tiger and Bunny. Like, oh, we could have had fun recurring villains. Yeah. Like, we've got a, we've got a, fu- we've got a serious recurring villain in Lunatic. We don't have a fun, we don't have fun recurring villains like these two. Yeah, we don't have someone that can play around with the heroes. Right, right. Like, oh, we lost that. We lost the J- Jaker and Harley Cream. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye to one of Steven, Steve Blum's most underrated roles. Uh, all you people out there give him more love to that when you see him at conventions. Goodbye, sweet Jake. <laughs> sweet cream. Goodbye, Mr. Jake. You will be missed. <laughs> oh, and yeah, now Barnaby is in total denial about all of this revelations right here. Back to square one. And now it's even messing with his memories as he keeps thinking about that moment and, like, the person in that moment keeps, like, changing to, like, people he knew. Like, he doesn't know who we can trust anymore. Now Barnaby is doubting his own memories now, too. And throughout this time, Kotetsu has been trying to work up the, pick up the the exact opportunity to, like, tell Barnaby that he's quitting, but because of this, he just can't bring himself to do that. It's, com- leave, it's complicated now. He can't leave his partner high and dry like this. And uh, meanwhile, we find out uh, more news about uh, Kaede's powers as it turns out uh, her 100 power changed to, like, some form of magnetism. As apparently her ability is that she can copy the ability of any next she she touches, so she's a bit like Rogue from the X-Men right here. Mmm, right. That's that's that's, that's an interesting little detail there. Just all of this, like, everything was just going to work out perfectly, then we get this massive curveball right here. Now it feels like things are falling apart. I will say I do love this because I was actually on the edge of my seat the first time I this watched is this. Real, this is honestly really good drama. And like watching this in uh, my anime brigade, like we were just all like, oh, what's happening? What's going on? So yeah, life is just going out of its way to fuck over our heroes right here. So the next day, Kotetsu takes Barnaby to retrace his steps during the day his parents were murdered in an attempt to jog his memory. And we do get a cute moment where uh, Kotetsu buys like little pins for him and Barnaby too. <laughs> And we do see through flashbacks that Barnaby was with Mr. Maverick all day, you know, even getting a picture in front of the big Christmas tree by the skating rink. Right, like, winding back the clock, Mr. Maverick was with Barnaby that entire day. He was with him all day. He was with him when he dropped him off, walked through the door, heard gunshots, saw someone, thought it was Jake, house burned down, that's it. So yeah, like, just still trying to figure out everything right here. Oh man, we get kind of a bit of an image right here, so, uh... Meanwhile, like, during all this, Kotetsu gets away from uh, Barnaby for a bit, and he uh, talks with his mom on the phone, and he does so while riding some electric tiger mobile thingamabob. <laughs> Ugh, tiger, come on! 
Why are you having a serious conversation in this children's toy? He just, he just, uh, only him. <laughs> only he would see that out there and be like, I gotta ride that. <laughs> you know he wanted to. He had a genuine want to ride that. Yes, like, he looks like, he looks super content just sitting in this little walking tiger thing. And just having a serious conversation with his mom. It wasn't an image thing. It wasn't to be cute. He genuinely wanted to ride it. Yeah. He probably raced the kid to get on, and he's like, ha, got here first. <laughs> when I saw this in Anime Club, like, everyone just started laughing so hard. Oh, you probably had to pause it. Oh, we paused it. We were just all like, what are you doing, Kotetsu? What is this? So, uh, but uh, things get uh, serious as Kotetsu gets an earful, not only from Kaede, because he's been kind of dragging his feet, quitting his job, but also Barnaby, as he overheard the whole conversation, especially the part about quitting. Mm. You know, Kotetsu tries to talk to Barnaby, but he can't bring himself to tell him that he's losing his powers. And so Barnaby berates him, saying that he cannot afford to have a partner who cannot trust him before leaving. It's all kinds of rough, especially when Barnaby talks about how he'll be glad when Kotetsu leaves, you know, just kind of saying that out of frustration. And then Kotetsu just slaps him. Like... You, you've never seen him lay a hand on each other like that. Like, it's it's kind of tough. But it's also here we see more of Kotetsu's flaws because he's also, like, being very dodgy with, like, revealing that he's losing his next powers as well. Like, he can't... It, like, he's, 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 he so wants to just preserve the situation as it is that, like, he can never just outright say anything. He's got to, like, dodge and say, like, oh, well, I'm getting old, you know? Like... <laughs> This this whole end this whole game is getting a little too old for all of us out here, so I'm just getting out while I can. Like he he still can't just tell Barnaby like I'm losing my powers. I'm thinking a lot about I'm thinking a lot about like what I should do with my life if I completely lose them, and I know that I want to be there for my daughter. He could have just said that, but he's but it's but it's his big flaw. He's so dodgy with like what he wants to really say with his emotions, what he really wants in the world. Yes. Always trying to please other people, but not himself. But not like, but not willing to talk to other people level to level about what he wants in life. He has a real hard time just opening up. Like that's his biggest flaw. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine like him like seeing a therapist and he's just like dodging every single question he's getting thrown at him? Mm -hmm. Like that would totally be it. Yeah. Barnaby goes to the one person that he feels he can trust, and that's Maverick. And then things start to go south a bit here. Barnaby like ends up talking with Maverick and trying to see if he can reveal anything about what had been what has been happening. Maverick is like is of course like surprised to learn that Jake was not the true killer and that uh really there might be something else weird going on because Barnaby is describing that his memories are seemingly changing in his mind. Like the killer now looks like a whole number of different people in his head. Barnaby ends up getting a phone call from his uh, former caretaker. And, well, he asked her earlier in the... He asked her earlier to try and track down any, like, knowledge of, like, that day. Any kind of record of that day when Barnaby's parents were killed. Like, any kind of evidence that could maybe, like, give a clue as to what really happened. And she ends up digging up, like, the most damning piece of evidence. A, a photo of exactly how Barnaby looked that day in the photo with Mr. Maverick, except it wasn't Mr. Maverick. It was Barnaby's caretaker. And this photo is somehow foreign to both Barnaby and his caretaker, Samantha. 
this is a shock to both because it's like, wait, Samantha, you were the one that was with me that day and you don't even know, you didn't even know this photo existed. You don't even remember this moment. I don't even remember this moment. What the hell is going on? (laughs) (laughs) And that, and that's, and Barnaby then confronts Mr. Maverick about this. And then things begin to unravel. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It's me, Barnaby! It was, it was me, me all, all along, Barnaby! Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you all bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yes, as Mr. Maverick, had, he is a next, and he has the ability to change people's memories. He changed Barnaby's memories of that day. It was him. He did it. Specifically, it turns out that, like, Hero TV back in the old days was really rough going. The public did not trust Next, and they didn't trust Heroes especially. So in order to garner sympathy with the public, (laughs) Mr. Maverick, he allied himself with Ouroboros (laughs) to stage crimes in Sternbuild City, in Sternbuild, to like have here to have heroes then solve them and better his own business and also better the image of next in the public. Barnaby's parents were huge supporters of him and also like helped to contribute technology that like went on to become the first hero suits ever out there. However, Barnaby's parents caught on to his plans and were going to go public with what he had done. And so Mr. Maverick killed Barnaby's parents. To protect his own image and his empire. And <laughs> and it turns out that Maverick, after all his time, has been covering his tracks with his own next power, which allows him to alter other people's memories. And he altered Barnaby's, Barnaby and Samantha's memories, thereby com- completely covering his tracks. And now that, like, a contradiction has been found in the memories... He has to start from scratch again. Yep. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, holy shit. What a twist. Wow. What a fucking twist. And it kind of sets in the whole, like, stuff with Jake earlier and about how, like, he was trying to, uh, how he was really going hard, you know, saying, like, Jake Martinez is the one who killed Barnaby Brooks Jr.'s parents. It's him. It's him, no one else. It was him. Just to further get the get the scent off of his trail right here. Of all the people, the one you trusted the most. It's such juicy uh, drama. And with this revelation, like, Samantha, she's in trouble. Who else is in trouble? Kotetsu, because he heard about Jake not being the killer when he met with Cream. So, Maverick's gonna go after both of them to make sure that the trail goes cold on him. This is our villain for the second half of the series. Yep. It's all coming undone here. There's a moment where Maverick spikes some tea for Kotetsu, but before he can drink it, he gets a call from Samantha, so he goes to meet her. And in, during this meeting, like, uh, Kotetsu's wondering, like, oh, where is Bunny? Has, has he been around? And he's like, nope, no, I haven't seen him. Then he looks down, sees the pin. At first thinks it was it's Bunny's, but then he's like, oh, no, wait, it's mine. <laughs> Must have lost it. But then later on, he goes into his car, finds the pin, and then he realizes, like, wait, my pin was in here. 
that pin was bunnies. Something's going on here. Yeah, like some yeah, someone's not telling the truth here. Also, Maverick is setting up like to make sure Kotetsu doesn't meet with Samantha, he sets up a bomb explosion to distract him and the other heroes while Samantha is kidnapped and then later murdered. Holy fuck, he's not fucking around here. He will do anything and everything to cover his tracks. And you're seeing the full extent of his powers, too, that he's able to make a phone call and stage a crime. Which really calls into question how many crimes earlier in the series were caused by Maverick. Yeah, like, oh god, like, the, the, the like, two big criminals that they fought, like, was that him? Were they actually there? Like, how much of this is... How much power does he actually have in Sternbuild? Like... He practically runs the city, like, every single thing. Like, he's in control of everything in Sternbuild. So, and then, after murdering Samantha, Maverick has another plan to keep Kotetsu quiet. He overwrites the memories of everyone of, at Hero TV of Kotetsu being a next and being Wild Tiger. And then he frames Kotetsu for the murder of Samantha, sending all of the heroes for him making him public enemy number one. Oh my god. It is Maverick's Gambit. Ugh. Oh, Christ. You can't buy good drama you like this. You cannot. Though even in all of this, there are still some fun bits. Like, after everyone gets their memories erased, there's a moment where Kotetsu's trying to go back to uh, go back to work at Apollon Media. You know, Lloyd's doesn't recognize him, and then he's trying to get in, but his badge doesn't work. And then he's like, oh, come on, don't you know who I am? Guards are like, eh, I'm not sure. Wait a minute. He takes like six steps, puts on his mask, and he's like, Hello, it's me, Wild Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> like that that got a good laugh out of him. Yeah, that was actually pretty funny. Uh but yeah, call Kotetsu mint jelly because he's on the lamb. And great bits where he's like he's running into like a crowd full of people while while Hero TV is like running like his wanted poster all over TV screens. He goes in front of a big TV, and then everyone's all like, Hey, is that is that Kotetsu Kabaraki right there? And he's like, no, 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 it's not me. And then, like, in the background, you see this TV just, like, flashing repeated <laughs> images of his wanted poster, even at one point having, like, little arrows pointing right at it. That was some good humor. <laughs> but, yeah, the hunt is on. Like, all the here, all of, like, Kotetsu's, Kotetsu's friends, they've now been brainwashed. Like, memories completely wiped. They don't know that Kotetsu is Wild Tiger anymore. That's all gone. They're all hunting him now. Yep. This is major news reaching out everywhere, even outside of Sternbill, because uh, back home with Kaede and Grandma, Kaede finally learns the truth about Kotetsu, that he's a hero, you know, because she's worried, like, no, Dad can't be a murderer, and Grandma's all like, no, you're right, he's not a murderer, he's a hero, in fact, he's the hero Wild Tiger, that's his job, he's been a superhero in Sternbill this entire time, he didn't tell you because he wanted you not to worry, it's just like, oh, there it is! Oh, there it is! Also, can I just say right now that this is also around the point in the series where, okay, Maverick's plan, this is all really good. This is all really good drama. If you don't scratch the surface too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching this again, like, th this is when I began to realize, like, when people say, like, the second half of Tiger and Bunny, it, like, isn't as good, it's... It's marginally not as good as the first half. It's like a yes and no kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. But this is like one element that I I think you can point to, which is that Maverick's plans is like, for the most part, very well handled. Like, this is genius. Like, he's rewriting memories. He's like playing up the media, you know? He's using all of his resources. 
to just cut, like, cut off this limb that is Kotetsu. But, like, Kotetsu's family? <laughs> like, yeah. like, what? You Like, what are you gonna do about them in the future? Because, like, like, they know he, they know who he is. Like, Maverick, shouldn't you know this? Yeah. Like, they're not gonna do anything? Well, we also see concurrently with this that uh, Yuri, uh, lunatic, given that he's a judge and he also has access to records that show, like, the identities of everyone, like, he's now going back into those records about Kotetsu Kaburagi, like, wait. I've had confrontations with that guy. He's a real hero of justice kind of guy. We killed someone. Tries to access files. Nothing on Kotetsu Kaburagi. So he's like, this is weird. <laughs> so now Lunatic is getting involved. He's realizing, like, something, like, real shady is going on here. Maverick, you didn't account for some things here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a plan that's good on paper, but you just can't think about it too much. But I think that is, like, the beauty of Tiger Bunny, that, like, you don't... <laughs> the magic is that you don't think about that. It's a, it's a sleight of hand. Yeah, like, it sucks you in. Yeah, it really sucks you in so well, and it's, like, so well-conceived that you can kind of forgive its, uh... Uh, some of its logical underpinnings. Yeah. In doing this, we also see that uh, Maverick has created a fake wild tiger right here, this pink and black wild tiger somehow there is now an imposter wild tiger now too taking his spot a very silent imposter no less yes so fake tiger attempts to arrest kotetsu until lunatic arrives on the scene and ends up helping him but it's also a good example of lunatic's code though because he he, he only kills guilty people yeah he does not think the innocent should ever be like accused mm -hmm. and kotetsu he knows kotetsu is innocent so he's defending him here yeah that's good that's, that's good. good so kotetsu starts to figure out that uh maverick has framed him he's starting to put two and two together right here and then he reunites with ben finally getting some help here and ben gives kotetsu a, a hand in the form of an old friend his old wild tiger suit going old school for this one and that's another thing. Maverick didn't think to contact his old manager right there. So yeah, come on. Like, Maverick, like, you've got a lot of loose ends here. Yeah. <laughs> He's a busy man. He can't think of everything. Or maybe he would, maybe he think to himself, like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. Like, Kotetsu just needs to die in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that needs to happen. So donning his old suit, Kotetsu decides to call out the other heroes, and he's ready for a sick tower battle atop Apollon Media. It's time to let out a wild roar. So, uh, meanwhile, while during this, uh, Kaede manages to make her way to Sturmbuild, even has a brief run-in with Maverick. Keep in mind, when the two meet, he, uh, pats her on the head. You know, she's there for, uh, Kotetsu, but she lies and says, like, Oh, I'm just here to meet Barnaby because I'm a big fan. And he's like, Oh, I know you're a big fan, but, uh, he's very busy now. Run along, little child. So, things start to heat up as the heroes get ready to fight. Nah, not really. Uh, Kotetsu, instead, instead of fighting his friends right here, he just poses for them and sees if that jogs their memories yeah because before he was already trying to jog their memories when he had brief little uh, encounters with them in the city but now that he's here presenting himself he's still going with the same plan he's like come on guys don't you know this pose right here come on let out a wild roar come on come on i'm yeah. wild tiger here wild tiger remember remember this pose what about this that yeah <laughs> it, bit of that oh come on it's like that's all you had yeah, he does, like, another backup plan where he shares uh, nice memories with the heroes, you know, with uh, Dragon Kid, Blue Rose, and Origami, you know, about uh, taking care of the baby, Blue Rose and her music career, Origami and the whole thing with the Hero Academy. Though then he brings up weird facts about the other heroes. <laughs> like, Sky High likes sucking yolks from fried eggs, 
and Fire Emblem shaves their facial hair and armpits three times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of makes them look more like a stalker than anything. They're like, before they lost their memories, you kind of think like, okay, these guys have like a lot of trust in Kotetsu to let them know about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, like Fire Emblem, they shared that with Kotetsu. Yeah. Unless it's like something that Kotetsu just noticed in the locker room. Yeah, or like he walked in on them while shaving. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I like to imagine with Sky High, he's all like, Oh, hey, Mr. Wild, check this out. I suck the yolk from a fried egg. What do you think? Oh, he would share that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, great, Sky High. You're really, that's a good talent. Thanks, and thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's enough to, like, inspire doubt in everyone. Yeah, Blue, Blue Rose, first of all. Especially her, yeah. But uh, it's not enough to stop the other five, though. They're still pretty, pretty sus about him. Until Kaede arrives, and she sticks up for her dad, and she uses the power she copied from Mr. Maverick to restore everyone's memories. And now everyone's got their memories back. At least everyone in the vicinity right here. Now that, that was, that was good. That is actually really clever. That was a real big corner, and wow, that was, hey writers, you got out of that corner. And like, it's a, it's a quick moment, like that meeting with Maverick, where like he pats her on the head, like... You have to be. You have to pay attention and remember that as long as she touches uh, another next or they touch her, she absorbs their abilities right then and there. She doesn't have to do anything. So like, as soon as that happens, like people should be realizing, oh, I know what's gonna happen next. And then she manages to involuntarily let off a huge flash of light that erases the mem- <laughs> the mem- the memory changes yeah. of anyone who's seen it, even if anyone in a broadcast has seen it too. Yep, you don't have to be there in person. You just have to watch the footage. So yeah, Kaede saves the day, and she tells Kotetsu that she ran into Maverick, and that's where she got that power right there. And then Kotetsu starts to put two and two together, like, oh god, Maverick's at the center of all this. Yep. And now all the heroes know that Maverick is shady, and he has these big plans here. Except for Barnaby. Yep, he arrives, and he's still got his altered memories, and he's got a sick new suit too. So, but they try to use the same trick again, but it doesn't work as when Kaede activates her powers, she starts floating in midair. That's because when Kotetsu was introducing her to the other heroes, Sky High touched her on her shoulder, thus having her copy his power and losing Maverick's power because she can only handle one power at a time. Damn it, Sky High! Why are you so congratulatory? Sorry and sorry again. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, now we have that sick tower battle against Barnaby as Kotetsu gets away and then bumps into Saito, kind of crashes into his office there, and he remembers him too. Ah, because he saw the broadcast. Saw the broadcast. Like, it is actually a great bit where he's all like, Dr. Saito, you know me? Yes, I know you. What the heck are you doing here? <laughs> and Tiger's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to have you around. He's like, Gives him a hug and like weirds out Saito. He's, he's like looking around going on like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. (laughs) So Kotetsu dons his usual suit and lures Barnaby away to try to reawaken his memories some other way. And now we get like a sick chase scene all around the city. Like they both have like their motorcycles, which then Kotetsu tries to turn into like their motorcycle and sidecar to jog his memory there. And then they're fighting on that too. Because hey, retracing retracing steps did kind of work before. Yeah. So like why not try it again? And then it leads to, like, a really cool clash over the bridge where they both activate good luck mode, and then we just get, like, this big freeze frame while they're over a bridge. It's sweet. 
So the two are evenly matched, so Kotetsu tries one last thing. He slaps Barnaby like he did before. That was a cheap shot. <laughs> eh, worth a try. Barnaby just starts laying into him at this point, you know, just beating the ever-loving crap out of him. I know, really, really giving it to Tetsu. But then Kotetsu starts opening up to Barnaby here. And that probably kind of does it here. I will splice you in the scene, but this moment is great. Like when we first met. That day couldn't have gone any worse. Out of the blue, they made me team up with you. I mean, at first I hated the whole idea. <laughs> After all, why did I, Wild Tiger, have to partner up with some smart-ass hotshot kid, right? But you know what? As time went on, I started to get to know you better. And before I knew it, well, felt like we were always meant to be teammates. <sighs> Two of us had some pretty good times together, didn't we? You're in there. Come on, Barnaby, don't look at me like that. Please, man, you gotta remember. You're my partner! And we were the best team that was- Shut up! You dishonor Wild Tiger's name! I have to do this for Samantha. Good luck. So this is how it ends, huh? Take care, little bunny. How many times must I tell you? The name is Barnaby, not Bunny. What? Why did I just say that? What's going on? Tiger? You're back. You know who I am. Huh? Well, obviously. But don't try to change the subject, old man. I really don't appreciate it when you call me Bunny, okay? I am not a bunny. My name is Barnaby. You must really hate that nickname. I'm glad you do. What? It's about time. You're you again. Uh, what the heck are you talking about? So, you remember me, right? Hey, were you listening to me, old man? I asked you first. Hmm. Kotetsu. <laughs> hey, come on now. Ah, that's my Wait, buddy. Crying? Oh, yeah, that's my Ow, pal. You're, you're hurting me. Just like old times. What oh, this is, is great. Wrong with you? Oh, it's great to have you back, man. You've really lost it, Kotetsu. <laughs> it's the nickname Bunny that takes him out of it. Yep. It's like final words right here where he goes, like, So this is how it ends, huh? Take care, little bunny. How many times must I tell you that na the name is Barnaby, not Bunny? <laughs> That's what brings him out of his mouth. <laughs>
But that's strong, though. That is strong, though. Oh, their bond is friends. Like, he's in the middle of wailing on him, and then he's all like, Come on, old man, don't call me by that nickname. Wait, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? What's <laughs> happening? What's that? What's so sweet? <laughs> I know, that's such, a, that's such a sweet comeback. Yeah, and I, I just love that it's something simple as that is what jogs Barnaby's memory. Oh, perfect. Afterwards, the duo runs into Ben and Saito. Saito complete with a helmet with a megaphone on it, so now we can hear him loud and clear for the rest of the series. <laughs> and he gives them new upgraded suits, too. Meanwhile, Maverick sends the fake Wild Tiger after the heroes, and Sky High gets a hold of the fake tiger, rips the helmet open. Let's see who this imposter really is. The fake tiger is a robot. H01, created by the returning Dr. Ropefang. And then... He traps all the other heroes in Kaede in Saw. Yeah, this is where like we then start to get into the end game because now Maverick is starting to throw caution to the wind a little bit. Uh, his uh, robot hero has defeated all the other heroes, incapacitated all of them, and has them all locked up at uh, the main tower in the city, Justice Tower. And he's basically and he's basically telling Kotetsu and Barnaby, if you want your friends free come up here <laughs> like he's he's play he's like he's play he's making them play on his field now like he doesn't care anymore like come up here we're gonna settle this nice and quiet and saito even like earlier tries to go to agnes and like tries to inform her of all this but like even she doesn't seem to like even see even she seems like she wasn't affected by any of this no. either can't get cameras in there either because like this the the hero suits are on like private feeds so saito tries to like plant a bug on, like, uh, Kotetsu, which Kotetsu then subsequently destroys. Yes. But it still gets, but it still allows Mr. Saito to get in on the final battle, so to speak. And yeah, it all comes down to this, a showdown at Justice Tower. Yep, Tiger and Bunny versus H-01, while the rest of the heroes are trapped in, like, these spiked rooms with bomb collars around their necks. And Rotvon gives them, like, this, you know, this idea, you know, Press, press One of you presses a button, you go free, but the other ones blow up. Which one of you is going to betray your friends? You know, show show me how weak you next really are. Because he's also, because he also hates next too, because like they took away jobs from him because he wanted to have heroes be robots. But now it's looking like if Kotetsu and Barnaby don't defeat this robot, then Maverick is just going to stage everyone's deaths and replace all heroes with robots. And also another part of Rope Fang's plan is that, uh, you know, he says one of them will probably live if they press the button, but he realizes that no matter who presses the button, they're all going to blow up and die. So he's just going to have fun with them and then have them, you know, distrust each other and betray each other. So you have, and also in, in, with all this going on too, Maverick also managed to kidnap Kaede as well. Yeah. So he's got her at gunpoint in the same room as where Dr. Rotvang is. And yeah, he's just telling them, like, okay, okay, Tiger and Bunny, go ahead, prove yourselves. Defeat the robot that not even the other heroes could defeat. Go on, prove yourselves. So you've got the fight between Tiger and Bunny going on against the, ro against the robot Tiger, and then you've got all the heroes uh, stuck in Dr. Rotvang's uh, Saw <laughs> script screenplay. <laughs> the Saw stuff... It is still stupid to this day. It's pretty dumb. And I don't and it's not 
the fun kind of dumb. It's like the it's like dumb dumb. Yeah, it's like, like this is like this was not needed. You needed a way to get everyone to not interfere in the fight and in, I don't know, this is the best they can come up with. But it's like you've already got them in the cages, just just make the cages indestructible. Do something where it's like do like the whole thing where, from like Incredibles with like syndromes thing where like he has them trapped in like little electric electricity prisons or whatever. Right, right. Like maybe like they could even could have even been like personalized rooms or something. Yeah, like, even that. Like they all keep they all manage to like work against the powers of the heroes that are trapped inside them. Like just no way to get out. No, Rotving, he somehow needs to have this extra angle that he's also like a supremacist and hates next. So he stages like a game, a saw game, <laughs> where he puts bomb collars on everyone and makes them all try to mistrust each other by like taking footage from their cells of them, like, considering and, like, using that against each other, but it doesn't work because they all already trust each other and they're all friends by this point. Yeah. Like, when I hear, like, them all see, like, like, Sky High, like, floating the idea or something, like, speaking out loud, and then Rotvang uses that footage against them and then everyone else is like, how could you, Sky High? Are you actually going to, like, kill us all and, like, save yourself? It's like, no. It's sky high. He they wouldn't, wouldn't do that. They wouldn't say that. Yeah. Like, th this is not how the characters would actually interact with each other. Like, if we're going by, like, like realistically what they would all be doing by this point, like, if they were actually in this situation, they would have all just, like, they would have all actually just been, like, no. Like, none of us are going to press the button. Like, we know this for certain. We, we're not just, like, co-workers by this point. We are friends. We are teammates. They would have all just sat and been like, "No, like we're gonna sit here, and we know Tiger and Bunny are gonna save are gonna save the day here. Like we have full faith. That's what should have happened. I mean, they eventually and, come to that. Yeah, point. they eventually come to that point, but it's with like Blue Rose's help. But like the whole saw angle is just totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's like if he's gonna kill them all in the end anyway, why didn't why didn't Rotvang just like poison gas them all? Yeah, it's like. This doesn't make... This is stupid. This is, like, actually stupid. Or just, like, do the Scott Evil thing. You know, just take a gun and shoot him. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that kind of superhero like, It is like a Dr. Evil plan right here. <laughs> yeah, just, like, shoot, just shoot them all in the head. Yeah. Yeah, I got a gun right now. We'll do it together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rotvang, you... No, you... you you, you did the monologuing. Yeah. You, you, you didn't... You, didn't you had a monologuing. You just had to monologue. <laughs> have your moment when you could have had it all. You sly dog. Uh, but anyway, Kaede manages to free herself and she stops Rotfang using Blue Rose's powers because if you remember from earlier, Blue Rose was the last person to touch her. So now she has the uh, ice powers to freeze Rotfang to this uh, console and then uh, basically short circuit all the bomb collars. And free Again, everyone. I like that. I like that Like it takes attention to detail in this series. Yeah, and also just Kaede having like a really cool, cool moment right here being a hero. Yeah, she actually does a little like bit I of hero work herself. I was just like, ah, oh, way to go, kiddo. I'm proud of you. Ah, uh, chip off the old block. <laughs> You're going to be a great hero someday. But Tiger and Barnaby's uh, fight against the robot is not going well. No, they're kind of getting basically ragdolled by this thing. This robot is... This new, this new line of robot is tough. At one point, they aren't even charged up, so they've been, they're just running away until they can charge up to use their power again. But Kotetsu's losing his power, so he's going to run out before Barnaby does, so that adds even more tension. So eventually, Kotetsu manages to hold down H-01, allowing Barnaby to destroy it with its own weapon. 
However, due to his power running out, Kotetsu is unable to dodge in time and receives bad, bad injuries. He pulled the uh, the same move that ended the Goku and Piccolo fight against Raditz in DBZ. I know, I know. He got he got special beam cannon by Bunny here. <laughs> oh man. And we're left with a beautiful fucking moment with Barnaby holding Kotetsu in his manly arms. Like I will splice it in. It's great. Hey, we did it! It worked. Kotetsu. Are you okay? Sorry, bud. I just wasn't fast enough. Shoot him, buddy! Guess it's hard to dodge like that without any power left. And it had to happen during our final attack together. What are you saying? Why would your powers run out? You still had plenty of time! To be honest, my power can barely last four lousy minutes. Uh, you see, it's been getting weaker. Weaker? For how long? It's been fading for a couple of months. It was pretty tough trying to keep it from you, pal. Don't you think I should have known? Why did you keep it a secret from me? Well, because I knew you'd worry about me. Didn't want that. Wait, is that why you were quitting? So you're going to quit being a hero just like that? Being a hero is unpredictable. It's fine when you're a young man, but I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm so sorry. You were in bad shape this whole time, and I didn't see it. You dummy. That was the whole point of hiding it from you. So you wouldn't see. <coughs> Listen, I... I don't think I'm gonna make it. Stop talking. Just lay still. But, Bunny... I said stop it! Chasing after the bad guys with you and listening to your lame lectures, I loved every minute of it. The truth is, when you finally started calling me Kotetsu, it made me so happy I went out on an all-night bender to celebrate. <laughs> this isn't the end! Stop talking like that! Thanks for everything, buddy. Shut up, Kotetsu! You're not dying, you hear me? You're not the kind of person who gives up! You're optimistic, dammit! Act it! Besides, I've been learning to make fried rice and that's your favorite dish! So you have to live so you can try it! <laughs> no! Whoa, so close. You know something? You've got really long eyelashes. Kotetsu? And finally, we come to probably one of the last major points we will make about the series, which is that this series, Tiger and Bunny, is really, really gay. <laughs> yes! This is a gay anime. <laughs> it is wonderfully, gloriously gay. Beautifully, beautifully gay. It is shitting out rainbows as we speak. I am hearing the village people as the soundtrack. It's amazing. Because Wild Tiger and Bunny... <laughs> How can you not ship them? <laughs> They're so shippable. I ship it to the moon. A fucking Cameron Grimes right here. Oh my god. I mean, you've, you've got, like, scenes before where, like, Barnaby is, like, legitimately... 
is like actually like crying around Kotetsu or like he's dealing with his memory problems like and Kotetsu is actually there for him and being like I won't ever leave your side partner I'll always be by your side because we're partners life partners <laughs> life partners <laughs> <laughs> like the banter they've had before like oh man <laughs> and like even from the beginning of the series you know Barnaby, Princess Carrie, and Kotetsu. They had a meet cute. Like, even from yeah. the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and then we finally have the biggest one of the all, where, like, Kotetsu made his big sacrifice, and now Barnaby is, like, holding him in his arms and be like, Don't go! Don't go! I need you in my life! You know, I've been learning how to make fried rice. That's your favorite. You have to live so you can try it. And Barnaby's showing, like, they're showing real emotion and crying over each other. Or, like, the moment that really hit me, Kotetsu saying to Barnaby, you know, when you started calling me Kotetsu, you made me really happy that I went on an all-night bender to celebrate. Come on! (laughs) (laughs) That's so adorable! I can just imagine Kotetsu in a bar going all like, Drinks are on me! My partner knows my first name! (laughs) (laughs) What if you went to, like, a gay bar, too, and didn't even know it? And they're all like, ah, yeah, way to go! Yes, get it, bitch! Get it, honey! (laughs) Slay! Woo! (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) They all, they all, they all did dance the YMCA. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Kotetsu is just like you know it. Re- they really do have good facilities. <laughs> Everybody dance now. Ow! 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 I should visit the Gay Steel Mill more often. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, Tiger and Bunny is so freaking gay. I mean, come on, like they, they, you straight you straight up have like schoolgirl crap in like their in like this supposed final moment between the two, like oh when you said be sent me by my first name, it made me so happy. <laughs> like come the fuck on, <laughs> that's it's so that's, blatant. That's such a Japanese thing too, calling someone by their name. Like that is so Japanese. I know it really is. <laughs> And also the last thing Kotetsu says before he passes out, you've got really long eyelashes. Like, even noticing little things about him, too. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure he loves that, and he's just all like, God, that's my favorite part of you. Like, it's no wonder that there's, that when you go to an anime convention, you can find mountains of yaoi based on these two. Oh, yes, we need to address that. There is so much porn made of these two. So much porn of these two just straight up fucking... There's so much Bishon, so much Bishonen out there. Fucking cuddling, kissing, everything under the sun, doing the Kabedon thing too. Do, dojinshi out the ass for these two characters. Just like you can just throw a rock, throw a stone in like a dealer hall, and you will be. You can find Tiger and Barnaby, Dojinshi wherever it lands. Yes, I, I'm sure it's common wherever you can find Dojinshi at your cons. It is, it is, it is massive. The amounts of porn about these two men. <laughs> There's a lots of porn. Like when I watched this in Anime Brigade, my friend, she was all in on the Tiger and Barnaby ship. Like, 
at the end, like, we were both talking about how, like, oh, yeah, they're going to get married, and, like, Coyote's going to have two superhero daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that just be the greatest thing ever? That'd be the coolest thing ever. She's all like, my dad, I have two dads. One of them is Barnaby, and one of them is Wild Tiger. That's Aww, awesome. that would be so sweet. <laughs> oh, but it's, it's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. So time to close things out. Gotetsu's fucking dead. He went out as he lived. A true hero. Fucking Maverick can't allow everyone to mourn in peace. He sends out more H-01 robots to kill the heroes. All hope is lost. Or is it? As Dr. Saito manages to activate the robot's uh, failsafe implemented by Barnaby's parents in the original designs. So yeah, Mama and Papa Brooks coming in clutch from beyond the grave right here. Having no further use of Dr. Rodfang, Maverick kills him, boasting that he will escape justice thanks to his reputation and next power. Or will he? Agnes, who has recovered her memory when she saw Kaede use uh, Maverick's power on the television, reveals that she's been broadcasting his entire rant this whole time. Everyone pretty much saw him saying, I will kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. Yes, she actually, like, hid from everyone because she didn't trust anyone after their memories came yes. back. <laughs> and she actually played the game behind the scenes to get Hero TV set up for, like, this big finale in the case that the hero succeeded. That is a genius move. Just putting no suspicion towards Mr. Maverick at all. What a genius play by the producer. Just mwah, brilliant. Ah, oh, brilliant woman she is. Now that will secure that 18 to 49 demo. <laughs> they will be number one in the ratings that night. <laughs> Exposed in corner, Maverick takes Coyote hostage, and now he has the advantage back. Or does he? Kotetsu's back in action, baby! Back from the dead! Ooh, zombie Kotetsu! <laughs> nah, he wasn't dead. He was just passed out from his wounds. Somebody should have checked his pulse. Yeah, really, you kind of messed up there. Kind of got, got really uh, into your emotions there. Jumped the gun a little bit, too. I know it was emotional, but you could have, you know, you need to do this right, you know? And it was a great shot, too, where, like, you know, we have the POV of the camera, we see Maverick with holding Kaede, and then in the background you can see Kotetsu's silhouette rise up, and then he just runs in and gives him a big punch. Mmm. Just perfect. So time for Maverick to pay for his crimes, and time for the leader of Ouroboros to go down. Oh, leader, you say? Oh, no, 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 no. Maverick's not the leader. Uroboros is far bigger than you can imagine. But before we, he, we can get any more answers, Maverick uses his power to wipe his own memory, leaving him just in a stupor. His brain is just scrambled eggs at this point. That's, oh wow, that's a boss way to go out. Like, you will get nothing from me, so I will use my own memory wiping power to just make myself comatose. Yeah, go fuck yourselves, idiots. Wow. <laughs> Man, the villains in the series can be really spiteful. That's a power move, though. Yeah, just like brain-wiping your own memories so you're just catatonic afterwards. What a middle finger. Mm. But he does pay for it in the end. He's taken into custody, but then runs into Lunatic so he can hear the voice of Thanatos. So ends Albert Maverick. And so Kotetsu announces his retirement from hero work and Barnaby does too, as he can't keep being a hero without his partner by his side. Aww. Aww. 
a year later and life goes on for the rest of the heroes as they embrace this new normal. And we even see a nice little scene where Barnaby visits his parents' graves as uh, earlier Dr. Saito was able to activate the safety program from the robots with a special code left by his parents, uh, but uh, didn't know what the numbers meant in the code. Turns out, it was their birthdays. I really like that nice touch as he's just like crying by their graves and thanking them. Yeah. That was that was the perfect closure for Bar- Barnaby right there. They could have gone straight into like the other hero into like the hero stuff right there, but that's that's some good care right there. They cared enough to like wrap up Barnaby's parents with a just perfect bow. Yeah. A very a very a very strong scene. And then we see that Wild Tiger has returned. He's part of uh, Hero TV 2.0, the minor league here. Uh, he's going to be the next Grayson Waller. In fact, he's now called Wild Tiger One Minute because it appears that his 100 power has now stagnated to one minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to catch a criminal, but he falls through a glass roof of a car dealership building here. But luckily, Barnaby returns in the nick of time, catches him princess style before being smashed on top of a car. Just, yes. Yes! They're back together, and we even hear Kotetsu's explanation for coming back, as uh, Kaede didn't want to see her dad being a couch potato for the rest of his life, so he needs to get off his ass and go back to work. And now she gets to see him on TV most of the time, you know, when they're not showing, when they can show Hero TV 2.0. So the dynamic duo of Tiger and Bunny is back in action. And so, the season closes with a young boy about to purchase a couple of Hero trading cards, but loses a hold of his uh, stern build dollar, drops into a puddle, water soaks it, and we see that hidden in the dollar bill is the Ouroboros logo. Curtain down. For now, that is. As over ten years later, Tiger and Bunny is coming back for a second season. Finally. Holy crap, it took that long. And, oh boy, what was the irony surrounding that, too? Well, this season, season one, came out during the year of the rabbit. Now this year, 2022, year of our lord, year of the tiger. Fuck you, fuck you. That better not have been intentional. Fuck you, <laughs> that, that better not have been the plan. Like, I hope that was just pure happenstance. I hope so, too. Because, like, if you actually waited that long and even stalled for time for any reason to deprive <laughs> us of more Tiger and Bunny, fuck you. Like, I want it. I, I've, I've had to wait this long to get a sequel to one of my favorite anime of all time. I will never forgive that. <laughs> <laughs> because, But, yes, it will, it has been... We are finally getting Tiger and Bunny 2 soon in this future, in April. Yep, most of the same staff is coming back. It is getting a new director, but um, most importantly, the same writer, Nishida, is coming back to write the second season. Good, good. And season two is set to begin April 8th, 2022, with the first 13 episodes dropping at the same time, with the second half of 12 episodes dropping sometime later in the year. And from the sound of things... It'll be like a JoJo Stone Ocean situation where it'll be dropping worldwide, so no Netflix jail, hopefully. And Netflix, you had better allow them to keep the, some of those ads on those heroes, too. They better. I had, be, I had heard stories of, like, 
advertisers out there and like companies actually fighting to like get ad space on those heroes. <laughs> Seriously, I have been I I have been patiently waiting for that fight to like come to its head. <laughs> like I'm watching like I'm watching like knife knife fighting monkeys <laughs> and betting on them. <laughs> like I've been waiting all this time to try and like see like a uh, like what advertisers end up on like uh <laughs> like Kotetsu in the end. And I'm like cuz I'm cuz I'm wondering like is SoftBank going to keep their spot? Yeah. Or is like Domino's get on going to get on there? I'm just taking bets. And you like know, who's going to outbid each other for ad space? Oh 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 oh, oh they ain't so soft anymore. <laughs> uh cuz I know like um because I know advertisers have kept up for, like, uh, much of the series and stuff. Like, I didn't bring this up before, but um, in the uh, second half of the series, uh, more advertisers were added to the heroes yep. as well. I know uh, Nathan Seymour, Fire Emblem acquired uh, Animate as an extra next season. And <laughs> Origami Cyclone, in a funny bit of character development almost, got the most sponsors <laughs> out of everyone by the end. They got Takasu Clinic, they got Live Door, they got Namco and Namco Namja Tower. Like, they got a lot of sponsors <laughs> by the end of the series. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> like, hey, he got that influence. Yeah. He really got that influence. So, Netflix, you better not deprive me of my corporate sponsor monkey knife fight. I want you to thrust that capitalism right in my face. I want to watch I want to watch like these monkeys fight and kill each other. <laughs> Do not deprive me of that satisfaction. But yes, the story with Tiger and Bunny does not end with uh, the season and a second one though. No, because in the meantime between the 10 11 long years between seasons we had a ton of like supplementary material. With yes, the we have a lot. There, there's, there's a lot of aftermath to Tiger and Bunny here, folks. Yeah, and man, oh man, what was some of the media that came out of Tiger and Bunny? Because we need to, because, because again, Tiger and Bunny, it was, it was something of a niche hit over here when it first debuted, but and like it is, and it is still like. A hidden gem still to this day. A real good hidden gem. Yeah, you know, kind of buried by a lot of the other hero anime that we mentioned before, like My Hero and One Punch Man. But in Japan, this anime was popular. This was super over. Yeah, like, like it may not have showed as much over here in the US, but over in Japan, like, I had kept hearing, like, of, like, reports of, like, TV ratings, like, coming out of, like, Anime News Network, I believe it was, that kept stating, that kept reporting that Tiger Bunny... Even in the years after it had aired, was still like getting really good ratings on TV. Like it was racking up viewership, and also the Blu-ray sales as the Blu-rays were starting to release, they were ranked consistently high. Like every during like the week of their sales, like only falling into number two spots behind stuff like say, Madoka Magica when they started releasing their Blu-rays, or even at one point they were only second behind the release of Tangled, Disney's Tangled. So like like that goes to show how popular Tiger and Bunny is that it can come close to like beating out like the uh, buy rates of a Disney movie, a hit Disney movie. So if any of you have been wondering at this point, why did Tiger and Bunny, a 2011 anime, why is it now getting a sequel after all these years, 11 years? We're about to explain why. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Like uh, one thing. What I'll... came out after Tiger and Bunny aired? Well, one thing I want to bring up is that uh, I did mention it earlier during the whole like uh, performance stuff is that uh, we had CDs. CDs were the character, were the seiyu 
sing in character. Yes, they they, they were the cast actually came together and recorded an actual actual music soundtracks for people to listen to. And they are weird to listen to. Like, I remember the first time I heard about this, you actually sent me a link to uh, one of the songs, and I think it's the song where it's uh, Saito and Ben just singing, like, this really weird song, and it's just so weird. Yes, it is very strange. Rock Bison, I think, is sung singing, like, a country song on there. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Pao Lin is, uh, I think, singing some sort of, like, Chinese ballad or something. <laughs> It's all so strange. Like, they all take on... All the characters on those CDs take on different genres and really try to, like, expand your taste. Like, all, all coming up to, like, a spectacular, like, song called You Are the Hero, <laughs> sung mainly by Wild Tiger and Barnaby's Japanese actors. It's, it's an incredible CD to listen to. Like, it's something that you would think... In the kayfabe of the show, this would be like kind of a, a bit of a marketing ploy set up by like Agnes to like get get more like eyes on the heroes. You know, like it's like hello heroes. Today you're gonna be recording a CD for everyone. Lunatic has a song. Oh my god! Lunatic sings. Jeez. Yeah, everyone else has songs and sings together. You can find all these songs on YouTube, by the way. It's called Tiger and Bunny. Best of Hero. It even has, like, funny, like, album art, too. Yeah, like, of all of them, like, holding instruments All of them and posing singing. and having instruments. I can't believe this crap. <laughs> like, this is incredible. Like, we see this stuff done to, like, American TV shows, and we see this as, like, a cheap ploy, you know? Like, when The Simpsons do, like, their albums and stuff of, like, songs in the key of Springfield. It's like, we think it's stupid, but here, this is actually kind of amazing. This is, this is simultaneously both cheap and charming at the same time. It's incredible. Because it feels like a plot in the show, like a, a throwaway joke. Yeah, it really does. But yeah, they had the, but yes, they had the, they had the CD that they came out with. There's also, uh, audio dramas, you know, like these little radio plays that tell, like, little extra stories from the series. One of which that I'm actually, I'm actually really fascinated by is, I believe, the first one, where Kotetsu and uh, Antonio talk about how they became friends and how they are both, like, you know, two rough-and-tumble high school kids, you know, leaders of some gangs, and how uh, Kotetsu's future wife, Tomoe, was actually, like, their class rep, and she actually kind of brought them together, and how they were kind of fighting over her at the same time. And also how she was the one who came up with the name Wild Tiger, pointing out that the Ko in Kotetsu means tiger. That's, that's like, actual good backstory. Like, that's something I hear, I heard about, and I'm just like, I would love to actually see that animated as, like, a little OVA, just... I want to see little high school Kotetsu and Antonio with little high school Tomoe just having these adventures. Yeah, how nice is that? There's also like another one where it's like, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but it's like uh, Kaede, she does like a school project where she interviews all the heroes and that's where the interview with Sky High still pining over Sis came from. And now she, and she also like interviewed the other heroes too. No, that's some work putting into like putting into some audio dramas there. Yeah, and you can find these audio dramas on YouTube. Like some good people out there have uh, have uploaded them and subtitled them. And there were also uh, games too, a la visual novels. Yep, Tiger and Bunny on Air Jack for the PlayStation Portable. Tiger and Bunny Heroes Day for the a visual novel for the PlayStation Portable. Like my God. <laughs> <laughs> They even had a manga, too. Yep, there there was a manga released after the uh, conclusion of the anime. 
Probably just mostly recaps, I Mostly think. recap. I also believe there was, like, a one-shot just to kind of get over the series, too. Mm-hmm. But now they broke into manga, too, and there's, like, it's also plays! Yeah, there's a st there is a stage play, Tiger and Bunny the Live. Yeah. And also, Hollywood has also taken has also taken note of the popularity of Tiger and Bunny as well. Yep, announced, I uh, believe, in 2015 that uh, there is going to be a Hollywood Tiger and Bunny movie. And I'm guessing since it's now seven years later, it's probably been in development hell. Yes, it absolutely has. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's um, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Yeah, Ron Howard. Yeah, they, they they've been trying to get some kind of project, like some kind of adaption going off the ground for a while now. Because I mean, I will admit, Tiger and Bunny. When you look at it conceptually, it's a it's a very American like American looking anime. Oh yeah, it's like fully ingrained in like Americanized superheroes. So you would think this would actually translate. I think out of a lot of anime out there, I think this one would would in fact actually translate well with a live action adaptation over here. I would I would honestly much see a live action Tiger Bunny over say like a live action My Hero Academia or a live action Your Name. Because, of course, like, because, of course, Hollywood culture, culture over here absolutely saturated with experience in making superhero movies. Why not levy that into a Tiger Why not Bunny live bring in Kevin series? Feige as, like, a, a producer role or a consultant and just have, like, that extra superhero charm? Like, I trust Hollywood could find, like, good actors to portray all the characters in the show. Yeah. Very multicultural. Like, it, it, would, it would work well with people. Yeah, the, the whole show is multicultural, too, so, like... Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention that before, but Tiger and Bunny, honestly, very, like, diverse cast. Yep. Like, 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 actually quite good. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly good. Surprisingly good, yeah. Especially for an anime in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Man, really good job. Yeah, like, honestly, when you think about it, like, only really one Japanese character. Right, but, like, there's there's characters of, like, so many different, like, races and backgrounds yep. in the American, show. Russian, Spanish, like, everything, Chinese. Yeah, Kotetsu is, like, really the only main Japanese character in the entire show. That's, wow. You yeah. don't see that. Like, it even expands beyond the heroes, because Agnes, she's French. Mm -hmm. Because in the Japanese version, she also says, Bonjour, heroes, instead of hello, heroes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that live-action film, probably not going to get off the ground. Nah, probably not. Or, like, or, or at the very least, it's stuck in development hell. But personally, I... I... I, do, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Watch them pull a live-action Bebop and turn it into a Netflix series. Yeah. Just that gets, watch. That gets canceled after one season. Yep. That's that pretty much sums it up. Mm-hmm. Because the streaming's where it's at. These one-hour TV shows. But the probably the biggest, but of course, the two biggest things that came out of Tiger and Bunny afterwards were the films. Yep, the first film, Tiger and Bunny: The Beginning, which is serves as more of a compilation film. It's basically the first two episodes, with some new animation here, here and there, and it has like a completely original third act. That's pretty much what it is. It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. And I do like kind of the the extra scenes, you know, like earlier in the movie, there's a scene where it's uh, Kotetsu putting on his old costume while waiting in traffic while the opening scene from the anime is happening in the background. Or like in a, a later scene where like all the heroes are in the bar palling around and there's like a moment where Antonio is like telling a story to uh, Paolin about and kind of like flexing in front of her. And so like there's that. And then the third act is pretty fun too. Right, it's kind of, it's more or less a film to introduce people who didn't watch the anime. Mm -hmm. 
That's mostly its purpose. And basically serves as a bit of a bit of a refresher for the the bigger film, Tiger and Bunny: The Rising, which came out in 2014, three years after the series ended. And that was an actual epilogue. Yes, like it doesn't really have any of the Urber stuff, but yeah, it does serve as a nice epilogue for season one and kind of does bridge the gap towards season two. Whenever yeah, that did happen. It does at the very least help to uh, bridge things going into the next season. Mm-hmm. And those are two films we will likely get to one day. Yeah, that is a definite, definite stay tuned. Definite, yes, that's yeah, definite. We will, de uh, we will definitely talk about the Tiger and Bunny films one day. Especially if we want to do season two, which, by the way, we'll probably do season two. Oh, we're d dude, we're doing season two. Yeah. That's, just... that's, I'm pointing it right now, that's my choice. Yep. Yeah. So, you folks out there, don't worry your pretty little heads. We will be doing more Tiger and Bunny in the future. And retroactively, this was also my idea, too. Yep. <laughs> I don't care what you say. This is your idea. This was my idea to begin with. <laughs> it was an inevitability. You only knew it would be inevitable. <laughs> so you beat me to the punch. Yep. By suggesting it. <laughs> pretty much. I was just waiting for season two to air. Yes, precisely. <laughs> but yes, season two is on the way. Um, we don't know a whole lot about what's actually going to go down in season two um there's a hint in the trailer in the description for the uh, netflix trailer that they might be involving uh the plot going forward might involve heroes from across the world okay which is a possibility but other than that we don't really know much else just a thought with that uh, possible plot idea with heroes across the world would that possibly include the characters from Double Decker, Doug and Krill, a series made by the Tiger and Bunny team, which they did say is part of, like, the Tiger and Bunny sequel project, which I guess it means it does take place in the same universe, but it's not, it doesn't take place in Sternville, it's another town. No, and even that, it sounds more like, I've read the plot of it, like, the plot synopsis at least, it sounds more or less like a spiritual successor. More or less, like... You folks out there remember, I did rank this pretty high on my uh, top 10 anime of 2018 list, and I do stand by it by then, you know, by my list. It's a time capsule of how I felt at the time. Recent years, I kind of feel like, eh, that show was just kind of alright. I was more so think I was just more so just starved for Tiger and Bunny content around the time that I was willing to kind of take this as, like, better than I thought it was. Right, right. Like, yeah. it was, it's just typical buddy cop stuff. And Dream Club did say that it was it was not actually that bad. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad show, but I kind of felt like, eh. Little overhyped in my on my on my part, right? But it's still nice though. Throughout that entire show, I still kind of I was kind of holding out hope for any any hints of anything Tiger and Bunny related. Like through up, up until the very end, I was hoping that the very last villain would actually be a next, and that would lead into Tiger and Bunny. Like they find some super powered guy, and they go like, "Oh, what is this? Oh, a next? What is what, what's a next?" And then it leads into them saying like okay we need to go to stern build and figure this out but now nah, that doesn't happen well i think this would be a good i think this would maybe be a good moment to ask ourselves uh what do we want to see in season two the biggest thing i would say for both of us is a definite conclusion to the urbera story arc that's the big one they got i think i think they i trust them enough that they know they have to continue on that like, that was the big stinger at the, at, before. I trust them enough as, as screenwriters to know, for them to know that they they have to finally conclude the Ouroboros storyline. And with the way they set them up, they have to make them bigger, and I mean bigger, than Jake and Maverick. Like, how deep do they actually go in the world of Tiger and Bunny? Like, part of me wants them to be like Hydra, where they're just like, 
all around, all over the place. They're just hiding in plain sight. I would almost, I would almost like uh, venture to guess that like they're that they do actually just like control crime. That they are in fact just like that, like the biggest crime syndicate in the world, and that Maverick was the only one keeping them from truly taking over the city. And now that he's gone, they can act, they there's nothing stop there's no middleman to stop them from completely taking over and just running the city. Mhm. That's that's a big hope for me. I'm I have high hopes for Urbaris. I hope to not be disappointed. I would also like to see how far they go with the lunatic and his uh relation with the, with the heroes and how they do his storyline. Yeah, that's another thing too. More lunatic, please. Like, he is such a fascinating character. Like, after his big uh, showcase episode, they don't really do much else with him after. No, he's still more of a wild card, but like, I don't want, I want him to be more than a wild card. I want him to be like, a full-on major player in the story. Like, I want him to like, actually relate in some way to like, Kotetsu and Barnaby or like, whomever that like, 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 he comes from, like, a background where he has a reason for doing all this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is shitty. Maybe not reveal his identity. Maybe not do that. Not yet. But, like, he needs to be able to be empathized more with by the other heroes, and he also needs to understand them more. So, please, more character interactions with Lunatic, because, uh, yeah, the, the, first an- the first season of the series of the anime uh, definitely needed more of that. Yep, and also like maybe some little things here, like uh, now that we that we know that uh, Kaede is the next, I would like to see maybe some scenes where like she actually transfers over to the Hero Academy in Sternville to get a, get control of her powers, and then that can probably lead to more time, more moments where she can actually be with her father, you know, actually live with him, and then go to the the academy to learn how to control her powers. Yeah, that's another question. Does she actually want to do anything with her powers? Yeah. Does she want to follow in her father's footsteps? Yeah, these are know, good questions. Does she want to be a hero? Like, mm-hmm. I would love to see that. And also, will Kotet- will anything be done about Kotetsu's um, like losing powers as well? Like, like will he try to seek a way to like better himself in any way? Like, will anything happen with that? Like, there's a good angle to take with there. Yeah, like, who knows? By this point, is he still Wild Tiger one minute? Is he now Wild Tiger thirty seconds? Or could there exist the possibility that that could be completely fixed too? Like, could there be, say, like a next? Like, say, Aerie from My Hero Academia that can reverse this and get him back up to five minutes. Maybe a drug. Maybe. Maybe Uraburst could have resources. Maybe we to... can get, like, next enhancing drugs. Hmm. Which I guess could relate to Double Decker because, you know, enhancing drugs was the big thing about that show, so maybe there can be, like, a bit of a connection there. Right, just, right. It's kind of a, a nod to that as saying, like, this drug exists in the universe. Definitely more character moments. Definitely, definitely could use ones for uh, Fire Emblem, Sky High, of course. Sky High needs something really good. More Origami Cyclone, like uh, Rock Bison. Really look out for like the small, like uh, the the small guys in the series. Yeah. And like really, and just really care about taking them in like new different directions. So with all that, final thoughts on season one. Uh, Tiger and Bunny, this initial series, this is actually one of my favorite anime of all time. This really is. It really helped to uh, define a lot of my identity uh, back during college, and still carries very much with me, and still carries over much into my personality today. It was a, it was, it's one of those anime that really defined me, as defined me personally, and also helped to make me a lot of friends. It was a very formative anime for me back in the day. Uh, up there with the likes of like 
One Piece, you know, because even though I may even though I may not think as much about Tiger and Bunny these days, informed a lot of who I am today because of just like everything about it, like stellar animation, like great characters, great character interactions, excellent screenwriting that you can learn from with like just enough flaws to like see like where it could have been better, you know, like great music, great direction, like just all around. This is just a fantastic series. And also a, a very good perennial one, too. Like, this one has aged impeccably well. Absolutely. Like, holy shit, this is, what, 11 years old. And, and if it's... anything, it's even, more pre it's even more prevalent now. It's aged like a fine wine. It really has. Because now everyone today is obsessed with superheroes. Now, when you play Marvel's Avengers, <laughs> the superheroes in that game actually do wear ads. Yeah. And it's the worst fucking thing in the world. Some of them have the same voice actors, too. <laughs> like Rock Bison is Thor and Dragon Kid is Black Widow. I know. Oh my god. Imagine, like. Barnaby is Spider Man. Imagine asking Yuri Lowenthal and, like, Travis Willingham about the weird dichotomy between those. Like, holy crap. What makes playing Rock Bison different from playing Thor, who's also, like, playing, like, wearing ads on his body? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's crazy. Travis Willingham, Laura Bailey, Yuri Lowenthal, they went from being hero TV to being Avengers now. Like, I need to convey this. This is a series that openly and blatantly advertises to us, and yet we still love it. People still love it. That is something actually incredible. Advertising is charming in this show. Whereas in every other piece of media, every other TV show, every other video game, every other movie, it's the fucking worst. We roll our eyes at it. Yeah, we roll our eyes. Like, you watch a movie, you watch, like, say, what, National Treasure, and you see a scene where they're talking, and you see a big, dumb Pizza Hut box in, in the middle of the screen. You think it's the stupidest fucking thing in the world, because it is. Yes, like, this, like, so much media today is just fucking, like, absolutely ruined by advertising We're being and, capital and capitalism. Everywhere we go, we see ads every fucking where. But with Tiger and Bunny, it's like, we welcome it. Like, we love it. There is no other work out there that I can think of where I actually welcome that. No, people have tried to make movies about that and have failed horribly. Yes, terribly. Just made, like, utter shit. But Tig with Tiger and Bunny, ads on characters actually adds to them. It adds to the world. It adds to the world building. It's... It's kind of adorable, really. It's actually kind of cute. <laughs> but also, like, kind of doesn't actually affect you in many real ways. No. <laughs> like, maybe it's because some of the stuff are products that we can't actually get here in the U.S., but even then... Yeah, maybe it's more meaningful in Japan, I suppose. Even then, if I if I was living in Japan and I saw this, fuck it, I'd be all over this stuff. I'd be <laughs> going at it like a fucking pig. Like, there really is... I, I There really is no other anime out this. Even among, like, works today that, like, are, like, based on heroes, even in the realms of superhero films over here in the U.S., there is nothing between here and Japan that is anything... Between here and even over in Japan that is anything like Tiger and Bunny. No. It is a truly unique anime. And one that really needs to be uh, preserved and appreciated and loved by a new generation today. Absolutely, just hit the nail on the head. Everything's great. Also, voice acting, one of the best English dubs I have ever heard. Yes, like all the actors in the series, absolutely pulling off top-notch jobs, putting in so much, going up and beyond to give so much personality 
to each of the characters they play and adding so much charm to them and actually playing around playing around with lines and adding quirks to their lines like that that give a lot of personality to each character which is something that I often just don't see in many other anime helped by the fact that there's also <laughs> by, <laughs> helped by like the lack of lip flaps in yep. some scenes but also just a stellar uh, staff too that like managed to dub this and really put in the love to even when working with lip flaps still making dialogue incredibly enjoyable and faithful to the original oh yeah and like even with uh, the cg models that do have lip flaps like they work well too because even at even in some anime like say dorohidoro or Beastars, they can get pretty dodgy at times but here they managed to handle that really well yes exceptionally well and like you mentioned before just like how this series kind of basically molded like us like molded me just to be like the kind of the anime fan that i kind of am today like this kind of helped open the world wider than some of the stuff that i checked out in high school wider than say like a lucky star or a hearty season mia like thanks to tiger bunny i expanded my horizons much more and more to find more shows like this and i've been on and like you know recently i've been on my kick where it's like i want to I want to support more original anime, original media, not based on any pre-existing, like, manga or light novels. Tiger and Bunny is one of those, and I feel like, you know what? I think that started that. I can kind of trace that all the way back to this. And I kind of thank you for it. Tiger and Bunny is really a testament to just how far an original IP can really go. And we're getting a sequel. Let's see if 11 Years Off didn't halt any of that momentum. I have waited so long, I can wait a little bit longer. <laughs> I cannot wait to go wild again to go wild again with Tiger and Bunny. You know, these past this past like half year right here, this past year is like the year of returns, you know. I waited seven years to see CM Punk back in a wrestling ring. I waited five years to see One Piece back on Toonami. I waited eleven years to see Tiger and Bunny back on TV. I eagerly await the return of two of my favorite heroes. Tiger and bunny thank you all for listening to probably what is going to be over five hours of podcasting i've been your host mikey you can tell i'm exhausted you can find me at my social medias at mikey shioda on twitter mikeyshioda.tumblr.com and mikeyshioda on the gram where can we find you ryan you can find me at 2Bits on Twitter and Wolfish Grin on Tumblr. And I welcome all of you to contact me and give your opinions of Tiger and Bunny 2 when it eventually comes out. And follow Anime Bebe on Twitter at Anime underscore Bebe. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y. B-A-Y. And also follow the show at AnimeBebe.Podbean.com, Google Play, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. And on the next episode... Since Tiger and Bunny is finally getting its long-deserved second season, I feel we should cover something in a similar vein, you know, another series that is finally getting its well-deserved second season. A season that's been long overdue. Next time, we'll be taking a look at Season 2 of the Fruits Basket reboot. Oh, I cannot wait to dive into that Fruits Basket. Two years after our Season 1 review, we're gonna reunite with Toru and the Somas and check out a season that is, when I first watched it, all new territory for me and gonna be new territory for you too. Dude, I cannot wait. I'm so, I'm so happy to get into that. Until then, stay safe out there, get vaxxed, get boosted, wear a mask, Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, 
Stop Asian Hate, Try to Make It a Good Year, and this has been Anime, baby! And to close us all out, we are not going to be playing the uh, usual anime endings for this year that we usually do for these kinds of episodes. Instead, let us treat you to a little sample of that Tiger and Bunny Best of Hero weird soundtrack. <laughs> play us out. As we play as we play you all out with You Are the Hero by Wild Tiger and Barnaby. Enjoy. つぶの I could not have done this without everyone's help. Thanks, and thanks again!